everyone, to another episode of the Fickner Podcast, but not just any episode of the Fickner Podcast. It is our last episode of the Fickner Podcast. Um, I'm Brandon C. McClure. Uh, with me today, as every day, as it should be, is Ben Magnet. That's me. Is Sparks Witty. Yes, I'm also here. And is Ryan Eliopoulos. Would you believe it? I'm also here. All right, guys, we are uh, with a big one, guys. This is a big episode because this is our last episode of the Fickner podcast. But don't fret. Don't fret. Because as we said on 349, this isn't going to be the last time you see us. There's still things that we're going to release. This is not an ending per se. This is a sunsetting, as we said um, before. Uh, but this will be the final episode for now of the Fickner podcast. Episode 350 felt like a good episode to go out on. Hey, guys, congratulations on almost seven years. That's pretty yeah. good. Yo, man. Congratulations. Look at that YouTube. You got that YouTube video. We have almost 900 videos. That's fucking insane. We keep getting new subscribers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to... Four subscribers, I appreciate it, but I'm yeah. not going to change anything. No, it's true. <laughs> also, more, uh, more than anything, I like that someone was, commented and was like, I'm subscribing because of your Doomsday Clock review. And I'm like, well, I'm glad that like content that's been out for that long. Something we did like... In four years ago hell yeah, yeah. how it. long was doomsday clock that was a long time ago as long as it took for that book to come out oh mm, god true. yeah it took for forever um yeah that, that was pretty that was pretty fun um but yes um um uh ryan has already done some one one something that i i was going to say um guys it's the last episode fuck it it's not pg-13 anymore um i have for too long filtered my fucks and I will, I shan't be silenced no more. I'll tell you what, for podcast reasons, I get it on the YouTube. It just, is this for kids? It's not for kids. So like we could, we swear. We're in. never for kids we're, anyway. We're never for kids yeah. anyway. No. And if you're a kid watching this, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> um, also, I'm not going to be as strict about saying Sam's real name. Um, so sorry. Um, anyway. Um, oh, oh, <laughs> Oh, you mean uh, our editor, our secret, our secret editor? <laughs> um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff, guys. Look, it's kind of a kind of graduation goggles happening right now. We this is the this is the end of the podcast. It's the end of a long road for us. It was never easy. It was never, um, you know, we had a we had, we, we did this with a shoestring duct tape and whatever money we could scrounge up at the time, uh, and we made it through seven years. And um, I just want to say thank you guys for joining us. Thank you guys for joining us on the last episode, and thank you to all the people who commented really lovely things on our post about uh, the ending, such as many of the podcasters that we know uh, and can and um, uh, uh, Cookie said something really nice that I really liked. Um, uh, Mag commented on it too. Uh, mm -hmm. Mag is our own longtime fan, so I really downright appreciate nerd. all that support. Emerged downright nerdy message, yeah. Downright nerdy. Um, we, you know, uh, it's emotional, but we're here to have fun uh, because we are going to be doing our top 15s of this year you know and previous uh major milestone uh have been uh, a, a quote-unquote drunken review of the mummy uh 2017's the mummy with tom cruise um ah, that was I episode that. 50 yeah we did we did that um that was that didn't work but it was fun um i and remember then, uh, just all of us crowded in my room at my you know? first house just and we had like some we had like what angry orchard we had a few beers those of us who were drinking 
um, uh, and then um, we did our uh, we did kind of a top 100 for episode 100 that was kind of thematic and kind of fun uh, 200 and 300 we did like massive Evangelion episodes I love those episodes oh, yeah. I was so happy we got to do those um, both the, the original show and the rebuilds but for 350 just simple our top 15s of 2023 a celebration of a lovely year of entertainment yeah. Um, do you guys want to say anything about, about the show ending before I get into links and then we'll get into our stuff? Uh, but I just want to give you guys like, the floor. I feel like I'd say more at the end when it's actually yeah. the end of this episode. Sure. Me too. Uh, we can do that. All right. So let's let's do some links then. So there's only a couple of links in the description. Um, the three, four links specifically. We'll start with Dan Dark, Ben uh, Ben's podcast, a uh, side podcast, uh, soon to be main podcast of um, <laughs> Dan Dark, uh, um, the, the wonderful the wonderful cast and crew there. Um, released a, a new episode this this past week. Um, yep. Why don't you talk about that? Yeah, this Wednesday we're getting into the Dorian Gray arc. We we introduced him the prior episode or the second half or two episodes ago because the episode prior to this was an all Imhotep episode because our schedules have been kind of uh, wonky and, you know, holiday season, things have been going up and down. Mm-hmm. So uh, Daniel has stuff, stuff, stuff to do. I was, we were, you know, and this episode is like, it's like we're going back to the main story of myself, Jack, um, uh, myself, Jack, Larry, and Eric, the Phantom of the Opera, dealing with Mr. Dorian Gray. So that's fun. I haven't finished the episode yet, but I really like it so far. Um, good Phantom shit. Good yeah. Phantom shit. Yeah, I really like uh, um, Eric. Eric. What's his, what's his, real, what's his real name? Aaron. Aaron? Aaron. 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 Um, all right. And uh, then there are three links in the description for the podcast. Two of them Scott Pilgrim related. Guys, why don't you talk a little bit about the Scott Pilgrim Cinephiles and volume three and four, three and four. of the book. Yeah, we're, doing taking, our... we're taking off. We're doing our Scott Pilgrim journey. We're on the way to talking about the Netflix show, uh, which is really great. Don't know when that's going to come out. We'll see. Um, but we have uh, definitely volume five in the pipeline. We'll have volume six in the pipeline soon. Um, gonna wrap up talking about that book. I've really enjoyed it. I've really enjoyed that Ryan's being exposed to some of the story for the first time. It turns out I thought I read more of it than I did, and then I read volume four. I'm like, I don't know what the hell's happening in this book, uh, which has been really great. So, you know, new Scott Pilgrim is just fantastic. Uh, like I would love for you guys to watch your reviews, but that is like an you know, an in depth talk about the entire book. If you've never read Scott Pilgrim and you like the movie, read those books, man. They're incredible, they're really incredible. Uh, like the movie's incredible, but like these books are like next level good. Like I'm so I'm so happy to be reading them. Uh, it's amazing how much emotional depth you can get with like cartoon characters, and it's like not me being like uh, uh na- like negative or anything, but like you look at it and you think it's one thing, and then you read it and it's like it has so much more depth and like emotional intelligence than you'd ever expect. Like it's 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 a reason. There's a reason it's really popular. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly. I'm really excited to be doing the Scott Pilgrim stuff and leading up to uh, talking about that show. I think that's that's going to be a ton of fun. So, yeah. All right. Um, and then finally, Monarch. Uh, the latest pictures watch for Monarch is up. What episode is that? That's seven and eight? Yep, seven and indeed. Eight. Uh, <laughs> man, it... <laughs> What what more can we say about the fact that like every time we show up for Monarch, we're just like, is this is this one of the best shows? Is this real? Is this happening? <laughs> we uh, got Peacemaker all over again, guys. That's what's happening. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, love it, love it. Good show, good show. Again, 
If you're not watching it because you're like, oh, why do I want to watch a TV show about humans? It's like, hey, all the TV shows you watch are about humans. So give this one with Godzilla a chance. How about that? <laughs> That's a wild statement. Why would I want to watch a TV show with humans? Uh, all shows yeah. have humans. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. So those links are, are down below, both in audio and video format. Please check them out um uh we you know then there's gonna be more we're gonna finish uh obviously finish monarch finish scott pilgrim as we already said um uh and then there will be a couple of things like i said we're, this isn't goodbye forever this isn't we're not saying goodbye this is just the end of the picnic podcast so without further ado why don't we get to the main reason why you guys are here which is our top 15s of 2023 um sparks why don't you take the lead on this one Absolutely, I would love to. Hi, if you joined us for our seventh anniversary special where we played a DN Dark game, also in the midst of that very long podcast, there was also our predictions halfway through the year of what our top 15s would be. Um, because it's just fun to like try and guess and then be hilariously incorrect. Um, so, yeah. uh, without further ado, I'm just gonna go through everybody's top 15 lists. Here we go. Here's Ben. As he uh, said, in no particular order except for his top three, Ben's coming in at number 15 being the Spider-Man 2 game, which I guarantee you is not on his list because he did not play it. Um, number 100%. 100% right. <laughs> so funny. Holy shit. I love it. Uh, number 14 being the Super Mario Brothers movie soundtrack, my friends, which I respect. It's a good pick. Um, the Legend of Vox Machina Season 2 is uh ben's number 13 his uh number 12 transformers rise of the beast number 11 the flash i'm sorry he said no particular order so i should just say these the flash the flash wait metroid prime remastered uh it had not come out at the time brandon to be fair okay um, okay it's true. It's true. indiana it's jones and the dial of destiny dungeon dungeons and dragons honor among thieves dune part two we all it's gonna come up. We all had Dune Part Two on our list, and we're all feeling it. Like it oh, didn't happen. We're only two months away. Thank, thank you, thank you, Ben Jesuits. Uh, Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One, Super Nintendo World, the Universal Studios Land, mm -hmm. and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Now, his top three that I'm about to name, those he said are cemented uh, in his predictions. Number three is Final Fantasy Sixteen. Mm -hmm. Number two, Across the Spider Verse, and number one, Tears of the Kingdom. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. So we'll see how that turns out when Ben gets into his top 15. So let's go on to Ryan. Oh, Ryan it. also says in no particular I'm order, not except the number one. And I'm going to tell you. It's there, isn't it? He said in the number one, he said, there's no, this is exact. Okay, okay. No way in hell anything will come out this year that rivals this game in terms of sheer happiness. It gives me tears of the kingdom. That's hilarious. <laughs> this is what Ryan. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Which we know as friends who have been paying attention to what Ryan's been doing for the back half of the year. That's 100%. No longer. That ain't true. <laughs> oh, I love, I love this. So another thing happened in Ryan's predictions where Ryan forgot about Dune Part 2. So he's like, oh, I got slotted in and, and theoretically he <laughs> took something out. But he didn't do that. He just made a top 16. Hey, it's our so, show. Whatever. So here are the shows. Uh, again, in no particular order, except that number one that he was certain of. Uh, the Last of Us Season 1. Mm -hmm. Yellow Jacket Season 2. Mm -hmm. Succession Season 4. Five. Five. Succession Season 5. John Wick Chapter 4, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, Dune Part 2, Hi-Fi Rush, Killers of the Flower Moon, Spider-Man 2, The Game, Sins of Sinister, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, The Bear Season 2, Final Fantasy 16, and Across the Spider-Verse. So Ryan's prediction. I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm actually pretty, I'm pretty on with a lot of these, actually. Ooh. Ooh. Good for me. Uh, 
let's switch on over to Brandon. Now, Brandon, just like myself, attempted to accurately guess his top 15. Uh, so these are in order. His number 15 was the massive verse of comics. No. No. Nope. <laughs> I didn't pick up a single comic book this year. Oh, no. That's so sad. I'm so sorry for you. You were so excited about that. I was. Uh, number 14, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Number 13, Across the Spider-Verse. Number 12, Knockout City, uh, which ended this year. Number 11, mm -hmm. Spider-Man 2 The Game. Number 10, 1923, uh, which is that Yellowstone spinoff series with Harrison Ford. Uh, Ahsoka at number 9. Number eight, Legends of Vox Machina Season 2. Number seven, Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. Number six, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Number five, Strange New World Season 2. Mm -hmm. Number four, Picard Season 3. Does that sting a little? I'm so little sorry. Bit. Yeah. Man, hey, Strange New World Season 1 was on a lot of was on both our top 15s, man. Like, it let's was. just be happy for that. Yeah. Maybe season three will come back strong, but but I really wish they weren't hadn't left it off the way they did. Me too. Uh, Picard season three, number three, Willow, number two, Guardians of the Galaxy volume three, and number one, Suzumi. Oh, look at that's, that. That's not as bad as I thought it was, but it's it's the it's pretty bad. Um, uh, anyway. uh, mine is uh, mine is really interesting. Um, so uh, I also tried to predict. I put the Monarch show at number 15. Um, you believed. I believed. I believed. <laughs> I'm very happy about it. Um, so yeah, Legacy of Monsters, number 15. Number 14, Loki Season 2. Mm -hmm. Number 13, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Number 12, Scream 6. Number 11, The Marvels, which I also thought probably wasn't going to be true. And I thought, you know, if it's not true, it's probably Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. I didn't see that, so I couldn't tell you. My man. Number 10, Spider-Man 2, The Game. Uh, nine, number 9, Ahsoka. Number 8, Dune Part 2. Number 7, Barbie. Number 6, Hi-Fi Rush. Number 5, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Number 4, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Number 3, Invincible Season 2. Number 2, The Last of Us Season 1. And number 1, Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, something important I do have to note, I put Across the Spider-Verse at my number 1, and where Ryan put it, he put it at... Number two, neither of us had seen the movie yet when we made those predictions. You two had, but we had not. Uh, and so factor that into what we I, probably were doing. I want to say we all put Spider-Man 2 the game on our top 15s. Yeah. None of us have it on our top 15s. That's I a bold prediction, that. Brandon. I, and that, you're right. I didn't I know. <laughs> and you're right. I know. I knew I was right. I know how you feel about the game. I know two two of us hadn't played it, and I know how I feel about the game. And it's yeah, yeah. I think I I mean, what based on based on what I've heard, I think even if I played it all the way through, it wouldn't be in my top fifteen. So yeah. <laughs> no, Jesus Christ! It's all Spider Man. Right. Spider Man's game. I'm sorry. I just I found the, all the reactions to when Baldur's Gate three won a game of the year this year at the Game Awards. All the reactions to the do to the bros who were a champion Spider Man two to win oh, yeah. it's just i don't know why i find it very hilarious and just cathartic it's just hey, like <laughs> i i'm in i'm in the minority that i really not the minority there's a lot of people who really like the game but yeah. like i i really liked the game it was a lot of fun it's got a lot of the same stuff that i that i really liked from the first game i do really like the story it's got its problems it's certainly not the game the first game is and because of that reason i felt very much the same way about god of war ragnarok and jedi survivor they're both just not as good as the first one and again, that does not mean it's like a bad game. It's just like, yeah. it's just, you know, it's not the best game. I'm yeah. still looking forward to playing it yeah, uh, still great when I have play. the chance in the near future. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, I just, I, I cackled 
uh, when I was listening to the predictions to get everyone's down. And Ryan was just like, my number one is the one that's set. There is no way another game brings me anywhere near this amount of happiness this year. It is this. And I'm like, it was really just made me happy. For yeah, you. yeah. That something else also came along and went, hey, man, you thought that. Let what me, what even is Zelda? Yeah. What is Zelda at this point? Who knows? <laughs> uh, all right. Honorable was, mentions time? Yes, it's uh, it's time for our honorable mentions. Uh, for the audience, we're going to tell you what's going on so you're aware when, when things come up. For our rules, there are two rules as we're going through our honorable mentions, just like we've done if you've been with us for our top 15 last year. Uh, when we get to our top 15, someone will say higher when someone names something, which means that they have it higher on their list, so that we save talking about it till it hits the highest point. We're doing the same with our honorable mentions. So if something's in the honorable mentions and it's in someone's top 15, they'll say higher and we'll hold off. Uh, the other thing is, if it's in someone's honorable mentions and they say it before another person says it, they'll say hopping in and they can hop in and it's in their honorable mentions too and they can share something or they just want to comment on it. We're going to try and keep the honorable mentions not too deep on why we like them or why they're here. Just like really succinct, like I, I wanted it. If I could have done a top 30, this is it would have been in it. Here we are. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, 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 why don't you kick it off, Ryan? I'll kick it off. Now, I want to say first before... And this is going to be for all of us. I'm sure we all feel the same way. Everything on my honorable mentions is something I gave a 9 or a 10 out of 10 to. Everything on my honorable mentions is stuff I love. There's just a lot of stuff in the world. So if something that's like your number one is on my honorable mentions, don't get freaked out. I also loved it, just not as much as the other incredible pieces of art that came out. So I'm going to start with a show that I, only I watched. And I'll talk about it for just a second. It's Barry. Uh, I watched all of Barry this year, and it ended with season four. Uh, everyone's been wondering, like, hey, where's Bill Hader been? He hasn't done a lot of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, because he's been writing, directing, producing, and starring in a great HBO show called Barry. Uh, it's basically Breaking Bad, but for a hitman who's becoming an actor in Hollywood. It's, it is, like, one of the, the darkest comedies I've seen in my entire life. Like, it is so it – is, it's basically funny Breaking Bad with Bill Hader. Um, it is incredible. It's really – like I said about the Scott Pilgrim, but like it's really emotionally intelligent about the way it, ta it deals with like criminals. Uh, and it's just really funny the way that it looks at Hollywood and it makes fun of Hollywood with someone who's been in the system for like almost 30 years. I highly recommend Barry. It's an incredible show. And every episode is only 30 minutes long. So you can you can breeze through it pretty quickly. And it's like, I think it's only eight or 10 episodes a season. Uh, but Barry, quality, quality stuff. I love it. It's fantastic. Uh, I'll do one more because I got a lot on here. Sins of Sinister is on my honorable mentions. It was on my top 15, but it got bumped down. Uh, incredibly fun event, much like Age of Apocalypse from the 90s. Sins of Sinister is like an alternate world where, hey, what if Mr. Sinister would like... Uh, uh, took over basically the world. Uh, if you've been reading the Kokoa era, you know that uh, X-Men are immortal, and when they die, they get hatched out of, like, eggs. Well, what if Sinister, because he's one of the people behind, like, the the uh, engineering process, put a little bit of himself in every every person, so when they respawn, they have a secret, like, uh, uh, like kill switch to turn them into sinister versions of themselves. So then he takes over the world. Everybody is sinister. But what happens when everyone is Mr. Sinister? They start fighting with each other. So it's really fun. It's really kooky. Kieran Gillen wrote like 30 issues across all the different books basically by himself. So it is a very cohesive and fun alternate worldview of what if this sassy bitch took over the world and they all fought with each other? It's incredible. It's really great. Uh, and I'll do one more. Uh, ben, it's Final Fantasy 16. It didn't quite meet my top 15. Mm -hmm. It's higher on my list, yeah. Yeah, uh, I'll say I really like it a lot, but I'll talk about it more with you, and I'll and I'll stop there. Um, I'll go ahead and go next uh, with some some honorable mentions. Um, I'm uh, these ones, uh, these three I'm gonna do are like 
they're there more because of small snippets than they are for the whole project itself. Uh, so first up, are I'm putting them in tandem. It's Ahsoka and Loka. Ahsoka and Loki. Ooh. Sorry, uh, uh, Ahsoka and Loki. And it's only because neither of the seasons were good enough that I would put them up that high in the top fifteen. Yeah, me too. However, the middle of Ahsoka, the stuff with Anakin, and the ending of Loki, those two things are some of my favorite things I saw this year in in nerd stuff. I have Ahsoka on my top fifteen actually. Okay, so it's higher. Yeah, it's so, so I won't I won't go into too much on Ahsoka, but nobody else has Loki anywhere, right? No. So I don't. Uh, I'll just I'll just comment in a broad sense. Both of those went into honorable mentions for just the moments in the season. If we were doing a fake nerd awards this year, I would have fought hard for them to have individual moments that were represented somewhere in awards. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because those things were very powerful and impactful, and both of them meant a lot to me as fan as a fan of those properties. Um, so I won't get too much into it. So the, the Loki finale is just very powerful. It doesn't yeah. fix a lot of problems that season had that keep it out of the top 15. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, yeah. The next two, both Adventure Time with Fiona and Cake and Hi-Fi Rush. Both of these are here in my honorable mentions because I see that Adventure Time almost certainly would have been my top 15. Hi-Fi Rush probably could have been had I been able to do the whole thing. I won't go into anything really about Adventure Time. I only watched the first two episodes, uh, okay. but I can tell with my uh, care for that world and characters and just what I saw in those first two episodes. I'm like, yeah, I'm sure that's probably here. If I went all yeah. the way through in time, it's probably there. So honorable mentions it, on both. It won't surprise anyone. I will say for a Fiona cake higher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I'll, I'll go on high fire rush a little bit. Cause I, I did beat the game. Uh, that also was on my top 15, but it did get bumped down just cause I just more stuff impacted me more. That is an incredibly great rhythm action game. Uh, it's like an old school platformer. Uh, that's level based, but everything is to music. Not only is it to music, every single level has the has like music infused with it. So like everything is alive in the level. So like there will be speakers jumping, there'll be platforms going to the beat of the music. You fight bosses to rhythm battles. Uh, it's an incredibly original game that has a really unique like. 3D cell shaded art style, yeah. uh, and it, it stealth launched and it like surprised so many people, and it is absolutely worth worth playing. Yeah, I, I really enjoy what I've engaged with. I think the gameplay and, and you just don't get the kind of accessibility usually in rhythm games that Hi-Fi Rush is providing you. I think even if you feel like you're put off by the rhythm game idea, like you have had trouble with them before, it gives you all the options that should make you successful at playing the game. Yeah. Like uh, I highly encourage if you have the opportunity to play it, like go play it because it's, it's just in, insanely cool. Mm -hmm. um, I will go with one last one in my honorable mentions. And it's because like, just God damn it. I really enjoyed it. And, and I am mad that the world got pissy about it. And it's the Marvels, it, the Marvels. Sure. Like, it, it's a it's not a it's a great time i had a good time like I, it's got problems but it's a good time it's just it's sometimes just... movies can just be really fun and like nothing more than like not everything needs to be like a cinematic like masterpiece and like i i mine's, it's on my honorable mentions too like it's yeah. just a really fun movie yeah yeah All it's right. on mine too it's a really fun movie i really i can't say much more than that it's just our review speaks for itself it's a it's a damn good time i love the cast i'm i'm happy i'm very happy with that movie it was the most fun i had with any marvel movie or show this year yeah and this is yeah this is one of those things where like while an mcu like the the narrative around mcu this year and all this kind of stuff that's going on i'm like I, I really love the Loki finale, and that's why I want to mention. I really love I had a lot of fun at the Marvels, and there's another one that's gonna come up. Like 
it wasn't as bad as people want to say it was. Nope. Like I'm looking back at it, I'm like, there were some real bright spots this year. Granted, like the worst thing ever also came up this year, but I get it. But like, that's not the argument. You can't talk making. about an entire. No, no, oh, I'm, I'm, kidding. Kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Number one, secret invasion. Yeah. Um, well, right. that's, but like real quickly on that one, like even Ant Man: The Wasp: Quantumania, which everyone calls a bomb, is in the top ten highest grossing films of the year. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, come on. Varieties, yeah, varieties, like um because variety is the one that really like had it out for the mcu this year um yeah. like it, it was just ridiculous to see where are your 30 pieces about aquaman right right that movie yeah. also flopped like a fish give me a break 100 percent. uh benjamino how about you yeah some an honorable mention my friend i will give uh, two honorable missions uh one of them was on the top 15 for a while but then i bumped it down because a lot of times like even earlier today when we were talking about some stuff i keep forgetting how much stuff came out this year and how yeah. much stuff I really, really liked. And yeah. even then what you're talking about, I was like, well, shit. And then I, I, I kind of stopped myself. I was like, you know what? I'll just do this one little tweak and then I'll stop because when I made the list, it's like, no, this is a good list. I, I'm comfortable with it. And then it's like, oh yeah, this other thing. But two honorable mentions because I finally watched all of the prior films Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, and Scream 6. Both mm. are honorable mentions. Scream 6 is higher. So we'll, okay. we'll hold off on that one. But go All ahead right. about Mission uh, Impossible. It's not in mine. Uh, it's in my honorable uh, mentions. Uh, higher. Can't All find right. the prediction. Okay. okay, we gotta wait on Mission Impossible 2. Ben, right, ben you know what helped me to find out like what I watched? I just went through our YouTube channel. I did. I was, I did was also going through. Okay, the, okay. I did the same okay. thing. Yeah. All right. Cool. 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 I was like, oh yeah, that we did that. We did that. We did Guys, that. We did that. Letterbox is right there. I, I already have enough social media. I don't need another one. I can just voice my opinion on Twitter. I'm fine. I I just uh, I just like the moment I was done with something and I was like, that's a contender. I just put it in a list. I'm like, yeah, it's you. <laughs> it's you. Baby. Oh, for yeah. for me, like Letterbox is a big help when we come to the end of here because I just I just go to my diary and click what came out this year and it just filters all the 2023 stuff and I'm like, okay, okay, what? Da, 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 okay, da, da, da. here's what I will say. Um, one of my top 15. It got moved in over other things for sure because I went back and I looked at how I rated it over yeah. the other things I was thinking about and I'm like, no, I gave it a hard ten. That that because it's been a while since I watched it and I'm like, no, I I really loved it. I'm not misremembering. I think I loved it more than I love the other things. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I that 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 did help me. Like to your point, like Letterbox when I can see the rating that I made at the time, I'm like. No, yeah, it hit. It hit. I just yeah. can't have any more apps, y'all. I got too many apps for sure. Scream, uh, Scream Six, by uh, the way, I did, Scream Six did not make my honorable mention or my uh, top fifteen because, unfortunately, it is because I didn't like as much as Scream Five, and the Scream franchise has really been soured because of the events later in the year. So and that kind of stuff kind of was like, eh, I don't really know if I really want to if it's really there, but probably like it was some distance. It probably would have been. Well, we'll talk about it again later because I, yeah. I definitely have it higher. Uh, yeah. Do you want to go next, Brandon, or do you want to toss yeah. back to Ryan? Okay, go ahead. I got a long, I got a lot of honorable mentions. Yeah. Um. All right. Aquaman of the Lost Kingdom. All right, my man. Um, Tell me about it. I okay. So there's no secret that Aquaman is my favorite. Mm, that might be that, that might not be true anymore. It's no secret that at the current moment, Aquaman is my favorite DCU film. Um, I adore that movie. I think it's incredible. I love Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry. I love everything about that movie. The imagination, the visual style. Oh my God, I could I could sing the movie's praises. 
I am very happy to say that Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom just gives me more of that. Um, it, it, there's one sequence in particular that just floored me where I was just like, I started weeping because I was like, I'm going to really miss James Wan's vision for this world. Sure. Um, and it's, it's very simple. I love Arthur Curry and Orm together. Um, the only reason why it doesn't make my top 15 is because one, I like, I like another movie a lot more. And two, there are elements of the film that I would have liked more of, and I'm not going to spoil one of them, but I will spoil the other. It's not really a spoiler. It's just not as much personality given to Black Manta as I wish there was. There is in the beginning, and then he it kind of dissipates towards the end, and I wish that that was more throughout. And if and if you did that, then the movie is easily top fifteen. Sure, I think uh, I think especially with such a talented actor in the role, like yeah. that is one of the things that like was coming out of it that I was like because I was so excited when he was cast and when he yeah. was in the first Aquaman and then they're setting up for his, this to be his big movie. That's like him really stepping into that villain role. I'm like, well, he's such a fantastic actor. Of course, that's going to be really good. And it has bummed me out to hear that. Like they didn't take it as far as they could have. They also yeah. canceled that trench slash secret stealth black Manta movie. Right. And I'm like, man, we could have had it all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, the movie is really good. It showcases a lot of the stuff that I love about the first film, Vis- incredible visual style, really fun story. Um, I, I really liked it. So it did make my, my honorable mentions because of that. Love That's it. awesome. Uh, I'm really glad that you liked it because it's got me, like I was already still excited to see it despite what other people are saying. And like, I, I'm still excited. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think like you, I share the appreciation of just like what Juan did with Momoa, yeah. with Aquaman and the world. And like, if it's close to more of that, even if it's not as strong as the first movie, I still want to see that. Right. Like, uh, that doesn't sound like a total whiff to me like some of the other dc stuff has been yeah right. um in quick succession i'll also say because uh, i get a lot poker face um which is natasha leone's um tv series on peacock uh, written by ryan johnson um incredible show i'm not gonna say a lot about it because it's it's very much a murder mystery kind of uh uh whodunit type situation very fun show i love ryan johnson's voice in murder mystery spaces so i was really happy to kind of get that week to week um uh and not Nat- natasha leone is is uh incredible in the role she's so much fun um love it and and then uh last for now uh i'm gonna say halloween nice oh. hey that's really cool yeah yeah that's a good book hell yeah i love it um i got two two uh, one comic in my top 15 and one comic in my honorable mentions and like halloween just like couldn't quite i couldn't quite put an honorable mention but boy i loved it and i'm really glad you loved it i I do think you loved it even more than i did and i love that i genuinely really love that book i I love the art style i love the writing it's incredible i really liked it It, i like moss Moss lawton has a pokemon one coming out or really like sponsors came out yeah like like a full a full comic nice thing coming out i'm gonna have to look into it again but i'll share the information with you guys when i know because i'm excited about it I think I know what you're talking about. Moss Lawton actually worked on a Pokemon YouTube anime called Pass to the Peak, which is about this girl who plays the Pokemon training card game and reaches yeah. the wor- and the worlds. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, right. yeah, I watched. Yeah, what that was. Uh, um, yeah, I watched that uh, whole thing. Um, all right, that'll be that'll be my honorable mentions for now. I'll, we'll I'll cycle back to me. Let's go back to you. All right, uh, Ben, do you have Castlevania Nocturne in your top fifteen? No, I do not. 
Okay, well, I'm gonna talk about it now. Uh, I love that show. That again, there's a lot of these that were all my top 15, and then was like, sorry, y'all, and bumped down. That's I think now that I'm far enough away from it, that's the I think it is the best season of Castlevania. Not just because it's not just because it's new, uh, and you know the war analysis of it all is kind of gone. It loses a lot of its like hardcore edge and just says like. That, the, the, that first Castlevania show said, like, fuck every other word for kind of no reason. It was just being edgy to be edgy. Right. And it, I'm not going to say it's completely removed, but, like, 90% of it's removed. So, like, the, the swearing feels a little more impactful, you know, like, when someone's really mad or, or emotional. Um, It has such an incredible setting of being, like, during the French Revolution. So all the vampires look like, like, puffed up, white-faced, big white hair uh, villains. And it's so fun. And I love our main characters. Uh, it has, like, the coolest, like, popping off Super Saiyan moment of the year. Uh, it's a really great show. And I know you guys all like Castlevania when it, when it was good. Uh, this is, I think, the best it's ever been. So I'm super excited for it to continue. Uh, yeah, okay. I got to get to that. <laughs> um, Me too. Uh, Hitman Freelancer. Hitman 3 is a game that came out, like, two years ago. But they added a roguelike mode. And if you know what roguelike, it's uh, Hades. It's procedurally generated runs where you go through a run with random abilities. God of War Valhalla just came out, which is another roguelike. Hades really changed the role, yo, because now everybody wants to make roguelike games. Uh, Hitman Freelancer turned an already incredible sandbox game into a completely new game where every mission is randomly generated with a different person you kill and like specifically you have to kill them and it allows you to build out your like assassin's base so it has like a giant gun wall and the more you play the more levels you unlock and the more stuff you unlock in your base to help you be a better hitman it's just a great thing it's i pop it in every once in a while it's a great game to just uh, jump into if you want to have a little bit of fun hitman freelancer um our flags mean death season two no no, got it. Uh, it's on my honorable mentions. I don't think it's the strongest season one, but it's still a really great time. I love those characters. Uh, I'm just in such a pirate mode. Uh, I've been playing so much Sea of Thieves. Uh, great game. Uh, but uh, it continues to be a lovely show uh, with great representation. And also, just it's really funny. Uh, I'll do one more. Uh, Gen V. It was on my top 15. Again, get bumped down. Too many good things. Uh, it's not my favorite season of The Boys, but it's probably my second favorite season of The Boys. I think it's incredible. I don't think there's a bad episode in the bunch. Uh, with a new perspective on a bunch of new characters, it's lovely. It's not in my honorable mentions and it's not in my top 15, but yeah. I will say I'm three episodes into it and I really like it. Yeah. I think, I think like you guys, we always like the boys when we go to it. Yeah. I really want to encourage you that Gen V is just not a spinoff to be a spinoff. Yeah. It's, um, it's I really think it's worth doing, like make the time when you can in the near future, go watch Gen V. I intend to finish it. It's, it's, it's strong. And I think it's, it's really good world building, whereas it's not as, um, beholden to the boys as i anticipate but yeah, yeah. it is expanding that world what i what i was i'm really happy to hear that because there was so much like vitriol towards it when it was coming out online of like everyone like what uh, the boys making a spinoff they've become the very thing they swore to destroy above like well and like even though like the writer of the boys being like yeah we're gonna set up things for like season for like the next season of the boys and it's like and everyone's like oh i don't want to have to watch the spin-off like what are we doing here? And I'm really happy to hear that it's good because like yeah. it was kind of become an underdog accidentally yeah. because of that. And I'm happy to yeah. see the success. There are things that the boys simply cannot explore about what its world means as it has established it with all the corporate sponsorship of superheroes and things like that, that because the story is about our boys at its heart and what's going on around them and against the seven and fought as a large entity, you can't explore the things that Gen V is exploring, but they are interesting. They're good questions about the world. Basically, any question you have, like, if it means this at this level, what does it mean at this lower level of thing? Mm -hmm. That's what Gen V is for. Gen V is to explore those those cracks and creases that the boys can't get into. Yeah. Right. And honestly, I think I think the show only gets better and better as you learn more about the mystery of the show. And to be honest, y'all, it's the closest we've gotten to a great X-Men show 
live action X-Men show ever. And I'll, it, it's literally, it's a bunch of teens uh, in college. And like, what if Mr. Sinister was like there where they're a head professor? Not just selling Ben and, and Brandon on it, but also our audience. Like if you haven't checked out Gen V, um, I think even when I was hearing about the show before I watched it, honestly, I took for granted what they were saying the show was supposed to be because I'm like, okay, it's about the superheroes going to high school. They want to get their sponsorships. It's how they get trying to get to the seven and all that. And I really wasn't taking the Gen V title and all that into its full appreciation because it is about the first generation of high school superheroes who know their parents' purpose, hoping that they would get a superpower strong enough to make them money. Yeah. Like, and that's entirely the motivational thing. And so you have this whole section of kids who are, who know this now about their parents and how they're having to deal with that information and what they see in each other and, and how that feeds into like their, this is no longer just something I was born with. I, if I have a shitty ability compared to someone else's great ability, this was, this wasn't necessarily chosen by them, but it was, this was done to us mm -hmm. and all for someone else's profit. Uh, and like how that makes them feel really good stuff. I love it. Thank you for, for explaining that. I appreciate it. Um, before, before, real quickly, Grayson live in the chat. Uh, hell yeah, I made it. Woke up early just for the episode. Glad you could make it. Appreciate you, sir. Uh, I'll say this one real quick. Uh, it's Fortnite. Fortnite's uh, like, I didn't want to put it on my top 15. Hopping in. Hell yeah. <laughs> Fortnite's also in my honorable mentions because um, Fortnite has done so much innovative stuff. Most recently, of course, is the, the Lego edition and all the other stuff we've talked about before. But um, it's just constantly trying to improve what it's doing, movement-based, all that kind of stuff. I could have I said Fortnite for a lot of things. So, like, I, I Fortnite just, is just Fortnite's like, such a go-to. It's just like a part of my life now, which I never thought I'd expect. And Brandon's like, there now. Exactly. It's like, we're all here. Because Brandon's there now. Uh, and every season, I'm like, I don't know how it can get better. But it, it really does find a way every season to add something new. They added a ballistic shield this season. So you have like a gun they can pop off. And I'm like, this is the coolest thing. I love it. It's like my favorite thing ever. I think it's uh, just it's just the best light service game. Uh, and I'll stop there because I did like five of them. All right. Next. I'll pick up before we swing back around to you guys. Um, Wing it. The Righteous Gemstone Season 3. Also uh, I Honorable. Uh, great. Uh, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't quite bring it to the top 15. I can't stress to you guys enough. It's one of it's one of the best like HBO comedies going on, um, prestige comedies. It's so good. It's some of the best John Goodman stuff. Oh yeah. It's some of the best Walton Goggins stuff. Um, highly recommend. The whole show's worth watching. Uh, this season was exceptionally good. Uh, I it's it's just a great show. I will. I want more people to to watch it. I want you guys to watch it. I want to talk to you about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the 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 look into you know million dollar like church clubs. And like just how gross and seedy and how like they don't get taxed and how like that it's just like you revel in how bad these people are and sometimes i get their comeuppance but a lot of times like they get away with it and it sucks but it's so interesting to watch uh very very much like like a show i'll talk about on my top 15 i'll just say it's succession like like watching bad people get away with bad things is really when it's not in real life is really really entertaining <laughs> Uh, my next one, I'm going to say in honorable mentions, I expect someone's going to stop me, is My Adventures with Superman. Oh. Uh, did you forget honorable mentions? Yeah. Okay, cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was going to get a higher on that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So uh, in your honorable mentions, um, I really love it. I really love it for the Clark and Lois thing. I, I don't think there's anything bad about the show. It's It's weird for me to say, and I 
but I just there wasn't enough episodes of the show for me to feel stronger about it. To be honest with you, that's really all it comes down to. How is many were like, eight? Uh, ten. Ten. Okay. And like that, that's a perfectly reasonable amount for a season. I just didn't feel like I got enough out of what they were doing beyond like I just love Jimmy, Lois, and Clark together, and I do. I love it. It's wonderful. It's it's a version of Clark Kent I want to watch. It's a thing I want to see there just wasn't enough else in the show that made me want to push it all the way up to top 15. That's. I, 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 um, I can't. Because uh, ben, this is not your, it's not in your list. So excuse me. <laughs> um, real quickly. I'll, I'll, because I do want you to go Ben because I know you probably forgot it. Um, but I'll, I'll say, I'll say um, it, it was in my top 15 until just about five minutes ago. Um, when I moved it for something else, um, okay. I I really like the show for much the same reason that Sparks is already listed. The Clark Lois Jimmy dynamic is really great; it's really fun. Um, but also, I really like the new lore that the show is going with. Uh, it's also drawn by Studio Mirror with some incredible animation. Um, I um i love it i adore it i just for some reason just thought to myself like you know it's a really great first season of a show that i really love but for whatever reason i was just like you know it's not quite not quite there i don't think um i'm i'm very excited for a second season though because like i think it could get there yeah uh i just i it, it, it i can't i can't quite put my finger on what it was missing it's just there's just something that didn't quite take it all the way for me um what yeah. i will say real quick uh before i throw it to ben is um one of my favorite things about it is that we have a superman story that is about um him wanting to do the right thing so much that he constantly throws himself into situations and doesn't have full knowledge of what his powers are and sometimes has to find it out in the moment and this yeah. that interpretation of what's happening is really cool to see ben go oh. ahead. Well, real quickly, and also, like, it's, re it's a really surprising show in its new lore, right? Like, um, there's an episode with um, a feet that's, like, centered on Lois that I just, like, I didn't think we'd do that in season one. Um, yeah. and, and I was, just, like, uh, Mixy Spitalik. Uh, it's the Mixy Spitalik episode. And I was just like... The most, the most anime that show gets is yeah. Mixy coming in. <laughs> and I was like, what happened damn this show just really went for it uh, and i was yeah. really excited about it anyway i'm so sorry ben go ahead i am upset at myself for completely forgetting about my adventure superman because i now remember talking about it either off camera or off mic with brandon about how i love the show so much it's probably gonna be in my top 15 we were trying to what? get a animation station going for it but a lot of my top 15s are things that like we would just didn't get a chance to talk about that i'm taking the opportunity now too Mm -hmm. Me too. Yeah, uh, my of Superman is absolutely fantastic. I echo everything Sparks is saying and what Brandon's saying. Uh, it's an amazing Superman show, and it's a sh Superman show that's just so wholesome and just so like this is the core of Superman that he wants to do the right thing, and you just love how the relationship between Clark and Lois just builds over the season. It truly is a fantastic show, and it's something that when it came out, I was watching it, I was like. I was scared for it, not because I think it was going to be bad. No, no, no. I was scared that Zaslaw was going to take it to the chopping block first chance he got because we know that motherfucker kills things that we love every single time. He's just walking around the studio with an axe going, who's next? Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah, pretty much. In each story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the fact that we are getting a season two, hallelujah. Um, 
I also agree that the only my quote unquote big problem with the show is that there's not enough episodes in the first season. I do think it does tell a great cohesive story. And I absolutely love it is the best Superman thing to come out in a very long time. Jack Quaid's great as Superman. Oh, oh, let's not yep, let's not Superman Lois. Let's not completely throw Superman and Lois under the bus here. Come on now. Okay, the best Superman thing to come out this year. Yeah, there we go. I'll take it. Yeah, all right. Of the one. You're lucky. Uh, Suicide Squad Justice League didn't come out. Hey, Brandon, a lot of comics came out this year. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and um, apparently we're good. This is the thing. I've heard like that Superman run this year was actually Yo, really did you strong. see that he's not a sexy <laughs> cowboy? Like that top ten right there. Uh, okay. Uh I'll I'll say real quick two more. Um one is Exterminators. I really loved it. Yeah, I loved higher. it when we read it. I think it's really great. Higher. Fantastic. Higher. I'll shut up. Love it. The other one I was gonna say is because I'm also confident it's higher is Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves. It's in my honorable mentions. Higher. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Higher. So uh I'll throw it back to you, Ben. Um done with my honorable mentions for now. All right. All right, Ben. All right, so my honorable mentions. Uh, one, I wasn't even gonna put on the list, but I rewatched it while I was sick with the the COVID, and I was just like, you know what? I ha- it's not the pr- it's not a perfect movie, it's not the best movie, but even I was rewatched, I had a really fun time with it. It had a smile on my face, and that's the Super Mario Brothers movie. I, I honestly, I expect it to be on your top fifteen. So like the fact that honorable mentions is like, that's that's, that's good. No, that's I good. there there is something about the Super Mario Brothers. A movie that is on my top 15 i think y'all know what that is because that just slaps so we'll talk about it when we get to it but the movie as a whole itself when i was re-watching it it was just i was yes i still had the problems with it the pacing is still a thing the very safe plot is still a big bummer but i was having fun i was just enjoying it for the moment and i was like you know what yeah I mean, it's still not the best. I still think uh, Illumination and Nintendo could have done a bunch better job with the movie. But for what we got, it's still a fun time. I don't. I'm not upset that I watched it, and yeah. it's just, it's just a good. Yeah, I know. I, I keep saying it, but it is a fun time. I really enjoy yeah. it. And it's another not, thing, uh, if I may, it's it's not in my anything. Yeah. Uh, I I'll rewatch it at some point. Um, because there are other people in this house who haven't seen it still. Um, but to me. I, I'm having trouble separating, knowing I didn't jive with the movie completely from the fact that like it makes me mad how much money it made. And what <laughs> and and my point with that is that it makes me feel like they didn't try very hard on this one. And now because they made that much money off of it, I don't expect them to try very hard next time either. Yeah. yeah and that's right. the thing that bums me out is that like I don't expect them to improve from here. Uh and mm-hmm. that's the thing that has me the saddest. And then like just seeing a lot of people being like, Mario Brothers movie, best animated film of the year. And I'm like, there are like five animated movies I would put over that for sure. Mm-hmm. Some I haven't even seen and I know. Um, like, yeah. So, but it, it's hard to pull from that narrative. But I'm sure on a rewatch, I would be a little more favorable to it than I already am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, all and right. He's got, uh, he's got another. Oh, I thought another. he only had the three. He only has. Nope. I, he I said changed. he's got more. <laughs> right. Yeah. Jot them down as he remembers. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, the last thing that I do have John down in my honorable mentions, I'm actually surprised that I took it off because I was so dead set that I thought it was going to be in my top 15, and it's Super Nintendo World. Mm. I mean, I'm not 100% surprised on this because, like, I know that was important to you and it's an experience and everything, but, like, a lot of stuff comes out this year and, like, art will stay with you more than, like, a physical yeah. place. Yeah, 
and even I won't lie, even that this because when I went to Super Nintendo World again on the second time when uh, during my birthday when there were like no crowds and I still had a fun time, but it's it's small. The size does kind of get to you after a while, and you just think about all the stuff that's going on in Japan, what Orlando is going to get. Don't get me wrong; I'm still happy we got one here in California at all. Yeah. Uh, but then I, because like some news came up, uh, Sparks, you actually sent me an Instagram reel about the Donkey Kong ride at uh, Epic Universe in Orlando. Sparks, Sparks, I sent him the same one this morning. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> this is why we're friends. This is why. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so I'm just looking at that, and of course Japan is getting their own. Um, they might actually open it when I'm there this year, so fingers crossed for that. But I'm just like, man, Orlando's getting all the good shit. Mm-hmm. Japan's getting yeah. the, the the good shit. But once again, if you love the video games, it truly does make you feel like you've walked into a Super Mario video game. It really is a fun time. Yeah, um, it is a little expensive, like, you know, point of entry into the park itself. And also the power up band is like, uh, it's like uh, the bunny, but at least the power up band, if you do happen to go to Orlando or Japan, it will work there. My my biggest knock on it, I think, from our experience, is that like, if you're not getting a power band, yeah, and you're not going on the ride, you kind of walk in and you just go, wow, this neat. is this is neat. I'm Pretty in the world. Yeah. But like, that's all you can really do. Yeah, because you could just be yeah. like, very cool you can look at it and it looks looks hella cool man but like it does yeah um but i will i will say the mario kart ride is really freaking cool i love that thing love it love it uh brandon go ahead yeah um okay um blue eye samurai i didn't finish it i'm about halfway it's great higher evil dead rise Honorable mention. I'm I'm hopping in. That's also my honorable mention. Cool. Yeah. Movies. Movie is incredible. It's fucking incredible. Um, it's uh, Evil Dead films never hit, never miss. They never yep. miss at all. Uh, and this is just another excellent one. Uh, right up there with uh, the best, I think, with Evil Dead Two. Um, it's mean and vicious, but in a way that you don't kind of feel bogged down by it by it being mean because that's the kind of movie you want Evil Dead to be. It's oppressive. Um, yeah, it's oppressive, but in a, in a way that like. But in a way that it needs to be, because these are the deadites are are terrifying creatures. But they also kind of are sadistic, and they like to have a little bit of fun. And we and do silly. get that. Yeah. They're silly. Um, yeah, incredible. Uh, has the DNA of Evil Dead, and 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 it's awesome. Unfortunately, it didn't make my top fifteen, but it was close. Yeah, I was for sure. I for sure thought it would be in my top fifteen when it came out. But again, like so much stuff comes out. It was sitting there for a while, and I bumped it down because I was like. While I love the Evil Dead, while I love that movie, Evil Dead Rise is very good. I really enjoyed it. It's another knockout of one of my favorite horror movies I watched this year. Um, there's just other things that left more of an imprint and meant meaning for me uh, and and on my heart uh, than what Evil Dead Rise can do. But I do think it's very special, and mm-hmm. I'm really glad we got it. Um, okay, Blue Eyes Samurai, Evil Dead Rise. I'll also say Knockout City made it to my honorable mentions. Um, Hell yeah. Uh, I really valued the time that I spent in that game a lot, and I'm really sad it's gone to this day. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, but it's uh, I'm glad I got to play it with my friends uh, a few last times uh, before it did go, and uh, I miss it, I miss it every day. Yeah. Um, I have four more honorable mentions, so I think I will wait for you guys to finish. Sounds yours. good. I got like Ryan. I got like fifteen. Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, I'll I'll knock out a bunch here. Um, uh, seven hours ago, I watched Shin Kamen Rider. 
Uh, oh, really? I started at two in the morning because I was like, I know I'm not falling asleep and I might as well do something. Uh, but I still woke up and I'm not sleepy. Thank you for the coffee. Um, <laughs> Shin Kamen Rider is awesome, y'all. Um, I lo- like uh, Hideki Anno has done Shin Godzilla, Shin Ultraman, and Shin Kamen Rider. It's not as good as Shin Godzilla. I don't think anything will ever be. But I think it's considerably better than Shin Ultraman. Re- on reflection, I think Ultraman is totally cool and awesome. But like, I, I like it's not my favorite. I think it, I think it has a lot of problems personally for me. Shin Kamen Rider doesn't really have any of those problems. And the thing that I love about it so much is that it's like the most expensive episode of power rangers will ever watch it is like it is made it is made like so cheaply on purpose and so intentionally like you guys like you know when you watch power rangers and like there's the over the head shot and then like doing flips like it's filled with that and like a hero will be on a mountain and it does like a quick cut and then it's a big zoom and there's like standing on a mountain it is made like it was like it was made in like 1965 just with a bigger budget uh it is so fun like the amount of dudes in suits and like really weird bug makeup and bug costumes is just like it's just like full cheese, but made with such earnest intent. Uh, it's so fun. And if you like Hidekiana, which I know you guys do, because we're talking about a lot of the shit, uh, it's a great time. It has a lovely message, just like all of his all of his stuff does. Cool. I, I will only hop in because it didn't make my little mention, but I did watch it. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. I'm not as hot on it as, as you are, but I, I yeah. did end up getting to it. Um, oh, yeah. it it's, a, it's, a, it's a good time, but I, I liked it about as much as Shin Ultraman myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I do wish I like... I do wish it reached the levels of a Godzilla, but like, yeah. uh, I think this felt more like, hey, like, I'm just gonna make a fun, quirky thing that instead of put my whole butt into it, like he did Shin Godzilla. Um, yeah. Then I'm gonna like go three comics real quick uh, Moon Knight, Fantastic Four, and Venom. Those are probably my three favorite uh, Marvel series that aren't X Men, because I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm biased towards X Men. I can't help it. Uh, but Moon Knight, Fantastic Four, and Venom are all great, uh, specifically with Venom. After Donny Cates left, a lot of people are like, I'm done with Venom and I understand it. But Ram V and Al Ewing have been writing this book for almost two years. And the way that they're able to take what Kate did with expanding the lore of Venom and making it more cosmic, they blew it out out the door. And it is so much bigger and so much more cosmic and so much cooler. And how it ties to the Marvel Universe in tandem is like, it's incredible. And I know people have been talking about it recently because issue 29 just came out and it's doing some like bonkers, bonkers, cool shit. Um, it's like, it's a time travel story. It's about like Eddie Brock being like the main villain of the book from the future. And it's like, it's super cool. And I hope people pick it up uh, uh, who have, who passed on it uh, because, you know, it was a new writer, but also it's Al Ewing and Ram V and like, they don't write bad comics. Uh, Fantastic Four has been great. The best Fantastic Four run in in years because pan slot was the last one uh and then and then uh moon knight has been great the entire way through you know it's, it's it's about to end and relaunch with a new moon knight number one that's an entirely great series written by jed mckay and it's had the same writer artist colors for basically the entire book just a really cool look in the moon knight all his different perspectives a lot of cool original villains uh just a lovely dope ass book uh scream six i know you got it higher, higher. uh and then um uh, uh david fincher's the killer this was also on my top 15 but it got bumped down uh this is an incredibly fun netflix movie it's about him being a hitman michael fassbender uh and it's also a really dark comedy about this hitman who's like he has a method he's very strategical and he has this narration that's really funny and it's about he's like i'm so precise never stray from the job blah 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 but he keeps fucking up all the time and he's like just keeps to the task don't mess up and he's always messing up it's like it's darkly funny and really like really precise 
concise in him being like a hitman who's like really not good at his job. Uh, and it's got a lot of great supporting cast. Tilda Swinton's in it. Uh, it's got some great action in it. Um, and it's weird because like David Fincher has been like at Netflix for like a decade and he's only made bangers. He made mm-hmm. Mindhunter, which is a great FBI show. He made Mank, Mank which I didn't see. Uh, but The Killer oh, is also loved, another. I loved Mank. There you go. Yeah. Um, so like all, all of his Netflix stuff has been great. And people are like, oh, why is like he's like, why is Netflix got the, the bag on him? He's like, yo, because they let him make whatever he wants. And it doesn't look like the Netflix flop that normally comes out. He's making real shit. Uh, killer, really cool. Check it out. Also, the entire, entire album, the entire score is nothing but the Smiths. It's just all Smith songs. And every situation he's in is a Smith song that like directly correlates to it. It's like it's one of the things where like I know writers who have subtext and they're cowards kind of thing where like his girlfriend is in a coma. The Smiths have a song called Girlfriend in a Coma. Like it's very blatant and fun. I love it. Moving on. Uh all right, picking up on my what's left of my honorable mentions, uh uh we'll go through some of them. Uh dropout in general. Oh uh, this was a this is a big smuggle and I just said dropout in general, uh, I have not watched I Mentioned 20, so I'm talking about most things that are not that, uh, specifically Game Changer, uh, Play It By Ear. Very important um, people, which is new. Very important but people. Incredible. And make some noise. Uh, make some noise. All just like, can't can't wait until those episodes drop. Really love it. Drop did out you see... Did you see the episode of Make Some Noise uh, where it's the the noise boys and it's and it's a, a, a Slimer tries to return a jacket? and. Yes. And like they're doing it a bit, and like at the end of it, Sam just goes, There was certainly a moment you could see in your face. Is this going to be a bit where, where Slimer successfully returns a jacket? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> that's appointment television for us. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. Dropout, we 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 just are constantly tuning in. It's it's the comedic warm hug that gets us through the the year. Um yeah. mm-hmm. I'm I'm on dropout every day. Every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh no one will save you. Fire. Awesome. Oh, cool. I knew I, I forgot. I didn't get the chance to see that one. I'm so bummed. I will. I will withhold. Uh, they clone Tyrone. Honorable mention. Okay. Mm. Uh, they clone Tyrone's in my honorable mentions. Um, I, I I really really debated going back and forth about keeping it in the top fifteen because um, it's really special. I think it's just. I think it's just really exceptional. Um, it actually reminds me a lot of some uh uh we had to like i had this college course where we had monsters in america and and we had to like pitch an idea of how you like find something that like relates to american society so like brings in some kind of like monsters representation representing a social issue there was a lot that felt very close to what i was thinking of that came out in this film so it, it like really like was a better version of what i was thinking of and i'm like oh this is this is really hitting at what I want, what I was imagining. And and I think that <clears throat> its commentary is really strong. I think the performances are really good. It's it's unique just in its craftsmanship. Talk about an original idea. It's yeah. really strong. Um, it's my favorite Jimmy Fox performance in a long time. Y- yeah, yeah. The, he's he's I, so wild in that movie. Um, yeah. And uh, uh, Taylor Paris too. Like yeah. she's yeah. she's crazy. She's crazy good in it. I think all three of the leads are fantastic. So I really, I recommend people watch it. I think they clone Tyrone is really good. Um, yeah, really happy about it. Um, Grace and I also watched that uh, when it when it originally came out. He's talking about some uh, critical role, Brandon Lee Mulligan. Oh, okay, yeah. good stuff. And uh, I'll talk about these these next two, and then I'll I'll toss the baton. Um, Elemental, uh, mm. just it didn't get the love it deserved, um, and that's one of the reasons I was like, no, I gotta hold on to that. Like, it might not be in my top fifteen, but it, it was definitely like 
that was a solid film. Like I, I, Bad it was almost, it was almost pitch perfect. It has a couple of problems, but like the immigrant story is so excellent. Yeah. And like child of immigrants and, and the pressures of what that means. I, I, I think that movie's so special. Beautiful too. Uh, and it's beautiful. Um, it's a Pixar hit where a hit didn't happen. And I, and well, to be fair, I'm really glad that the Eventually. word of mouth, like really kept the momentum going. That movie did a lot better. Yeah. One of the things that I that I remember seeing about the trailers, which again terrible trailers for this movie, uh, were that like, you know, why is this world not why did this world not evolve to match the creatures that live in it? Much like Onward, my biggest problem with Onward. Yeah. Um and 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 when I watched the movie, that's part of the plot is that this world is not built for these people. And yeah. that and 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 that's the problem. That's part of the yeah. that's part of the issue. And I'm like, oh damn. Um this is this is way different than I thought it was going to be. I, I really liked it. Unfortunately, I didn't make my honorable mentions, but it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I think the marketing, it, it was like, yo, this is a silly rom-com. What if fire and water got together? Like, that's yeah. not what the movie is really about. Yes. It is part of the plot, but like, it, it's a much better movie than what it looked <clears> like <throat> it was going to be. Yeah, highly highly recommend people go back to it if you haven't. Um, and it's it's just, it. I do think it was special yeah. um, in this year. I think there were other things that just clear it, but like, it was special. The, uh, first, the other one, the first it, movie, the, the first movie on this list that's better than Super Mario Brothers. Is that something? <laughs> is that anything? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other one is also one that, like, I had to go back and forth about keeping in my top fifteen, um, because I think it's special. I think it's charming. I think it's fun. Uh, the animation is stellar. It's Nimona. Um, me too. Nimona. Huh. Me too. Higher? Oh no! Honorable mention. Honorable mentions. Okay. Yeah, Nimona, uh, guys, if you haven't gone to it yet, uh, make it make it something you do. Um, Chloe Grace Moretz is incredible as title character Nimona. Um, I think the whole cast is very good. I think it is a better, more thoughtful adaptation of that comic. Now, to be fair, that comic is very much structured in a way where like it kind of finds its story as it goes because of the way it was made. Uh, and the movie just has the benefit of knowing where it's going. And but I think that makes for an excellent story. Nimona's gorgeous. I'm really glad that this has been a year filled with so much between this and Mutant Mayhem and uh, Across the Spider-Verse. We have such wonderful, wonderful animated films doing ambitious things uh, with animation style. The way Nimona moves in the world, the way she shapeshifts, it's it's gorgeous to look at. Uh, loved it. Really loved Nimona. Hell yeah. I echo a lot of that. It's queer as fuck, and I love that. Um, That's true. It's I uh, uh, Chloe Grace Moritz is delightful. The humor is on point. It's very much it's very much my kind of humor. Um, uh, I I adored it. I adored it when I watched it. I adore it still. It's um it, it it's it, it's beautiful. I love the way they visualize the world uh, and everything around it. I just man yeah man. If you haven't seen Nimona, like it was really close to getting to my top fifteen, but like if you haven't seen Nimona, please watch Nimona. It's great. Yeah. Uh, ben, any more yeah. honorable mentions from you? All right. Nope. Brandon. I'll just say my last ones. You already got Nimona, so there you go. Um, I'm going to say The Last Voyage of the Demeter, mm. um, which is a film that we did not get to review um, on this channel. Uh, and it's a film film that criminally no one watched. Um, but not you guys, in general. Um, yeah. I uh, I really like it. It's a really cool and 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 surprising Dracula story. Um, Clearly, it's only based on one chapter of Dracula, and I really like how the chapter is interspersed throughout the movie um, with the uh, with the captain reading reading the logs. 
it's surprising because you don't really know what's going on. Like, you know, you, you kind of know the framework at the beginning. The, the movie's really smart. You know, at the beginning of this movie, what you know about when you if you've read the book, this ship is doomed. There's right. no one that survives the ship. Um, so they tell you that from the beginning of the movie and then it goes back and you see how it kind of happened. And it's still able to weave a surprising narrative. It's got it's got a really good cast of characters that you are you, by the end of it, you're actually really upset that they're dying because you want them to make it out, which is which is key, which I thought was really key to this movie. Because like if you're just if they, if you're just watching expendable people die, well this that can be fun as long as the kills are good. But like genuinely, I was like, oh man, I like that guy. Oh oh no, not that guy. Oh oh the um it's um really surprising. I really liked it. Um and it does something. This is a very small thing that I've blown out of proportion. Um, it's well fucking lit. <laughs> I know that's important. <laughs> um. It is a movie that is set primarily at night and you can see everything. Um, That's important. It is. We just watched Lord of the Rings and it's like all the dark scenes are so well lit and like they just don't do this anymore because no, like don't. what happened to the industry? And like the thing, like I'm like, I was watching this movie. I was like, oh shit. Remember lighting? Um, and like there's because like, it's very much like the Lord of the Rings thing. Like there's no light so problem with the problem that we've come up with uh, in lighting these days is that everyone thinks they have to have natural light sources because now that we're shooting on digital, it can pick up uh, darker areas, but that's really fucking stupid. Um, and, and the light source and the light source should be like the music. Like Peter Jackson always said, uh, it is something that allows you to see the damn movie. So if, you, if the light source is only the moon in last voyage of the meter, it was very, it would be very easy for you not to be able to see anything. Um, but they, but it's well fucking lit and it's moody and it's, and it's, I, man, I really liked it. It's not a top 15 and it's not even a five out of five or a 10 out of 10, but it's a really good time. It's a fun movie. Um, I think it, out of the two Dracula films that came out last year, it's the better one. Um, and I, 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 um, Renfield. Oh, um, thank God. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and I, I, I wish more people saw it. Cause I think it's a, it's a, uh, it's a banger. I'll say that it's a banger. I'll tell you what, Brandon. I unfortunately didn't see the last voyage of the meter, but it's not the last the meter we'll be talking about on this episode. Oh shit! Um, and then uh, I'll say Hilda. So Hilda season three. Um, it's the final season of Hilda. I was surprised it got a, a third and final season because the film Hilda and the Mountain King um, seemed like it was a really fitting ending, and it really was. It was a fitting ending for the series, and then this was going to be kind of it kind of feels like an epilogue that kind of sets up something and then wraps up something pretty easily. It does do something that I don't really like in its final season. And that is, it doesn't feel like it should be the final season because it's setting, it's introducing new characters and setting up new plot lines that could carry the show for a couple more years. Um, almost kind of like a repilot situation. But that said, I've been following that show for years. It's beautiful. I love the animation. I love the voice acting. The actress who plays Hilda is also the actress from La from uh, last of us. Um, Bella Ramsey. Uh, Bella Ramsey, thank you. Um, she's delightful in the in the title role, like truly, truly delightful in the title role. I love all the characters. Uh, the final episode had me in tears, um, as did the Mountain King. Um, it, it, it's a special animated show that I wish more people watched, um, and I I I I thank I thank God we 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 had it, and I wish that I wish it could continue for many more years. Um, and oh, and I love the 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 character design, art design, um, the uh, color design. It's all so vibrant and unusual and interesting, and the way they visualize all this, all the fantasy creatures are really fun. 
the last thing I want, the last thing I want to mention is, hey, Ben, it's Dean Dark. Yay! Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I uh, got into D&D in a big way this year. Um, prim- be- kind of because I watched a lot of things at the same time. At the same time, Dean Dark, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, Legends of Akamashina, and Dim- and Drop and Dimension Twenty. Um, I uh, I think you guys took a minute to find your groove, but once you did. Uh, you started delivering some of the consistent, some consistently great storytelling. A uh, lot of fun, chaotic energy, which is what I like to see to see and hear in my in my Dungeons and Dragons campaigns. Um, Grace and Live, uh, woo, honorable mention. Thank you, of course. Um, uh, it's a it's a lot of fun, and I I thank you for delivering it to my life. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's 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 great. I really like Love it. it. I'm hopping in because it's also in my honorable mentions. Hey, and I really want to stress here that uh, this is not a joke. This is not me doing it because Ben is on it. This was, I thought about putting it in my top 15 and I mean that sincerely because of the quality of the thing itself. Yeah. Um, This has nothing to do with the fact that I like Ben um, and it has nothing to do with me trying to pull a gag like, oh, it's our friends thing. So I want to put it. No, I sincerely mean that what the show is doing and how it's using its universal monsters and how well you guys are all playing your characters, and the choices you're making was such a treat to listen to throughout the year that I seriously contemplated. Does this belong in my top 15 is one of my favorite things I engaged with this year. I love it. So compliments to the whole show. Uh, not just my friend, Ben, um, you guys are doing a great job. Dan, Dan is, is, uh, so talented. Yeah. Not just at being a dungeon master, but the way he edits that show. It's like, if I, if I didn't know you, Ben, like, and I found the show, I would listen to it anyway. Like, you know, uh, I've listened to worse Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. Yours is, yours is in terms of being like, you know, like smaller scale, it's probably, it's legitimately probably the best. And I'm not just saying that like it, like I, I I I didn't even have my honor mentions because I didn't think about podcast honestly because like I know you and I don't think about it that way but like it is a piece of art that people put out in the world and it is it is legitimately good and I'm I, and we're all like I like we're proud of you dude like good job and yeah. I hope you guys keep getting good traction because yeah. like there are people who love Universal Monsters that I think still haven't found the show and they will um and it's it that's the thing is these classic monsters are our beloved characters and the interpretations you guys are doing the adaptation for the setting of what you're doing is really good and i do get excited when i know a new episode is coming so uh yeah d and dark it's in my honorable mentions it really was close to being in my top 15 uh grayson's my... in the chat saying oh thank you, you guys are really sweet i think i I'm, I'm with them it's like oh guys thank you uh that's my honorable mentions that's it all right i'll blast through some of these because you guys have already said some of them yourselves um dead space remake ben you got it higher no i i, I didn't put it on Oh, you lied. To Damn, he didn't even put he it. Didn't even put it on your little. We spent time together. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that is that is a. There have been a lot. There are tons of remakes and remasters. Like we get like a dozen. We get like a dozen every year at this point. But like this is one of the better ones. Uh, it doesn't just make that old game look better. It makes it better by including elements from the sequel games into the new game to give it a little more oomph. And it makes it instead of just doing straight linear, it makes it a little more. It's not an open world game, but like you're able to kind of do more what you want with it. And it's just really scary. And I loved every time you got jump scared. That yeah. was so much fun. That was a ton yep. of fun to go through. That was a really well crafted experience. Uh, it, it, I was I I had a great time watching you play through it, Ben. Uh, I got a movie that Sparks and I uh, recently watched. It's Talk to Me. I I didn't know if it'd be in my top fifteen. 
Okay, yeah. So uh, talk to me like one of the, the the year's most celebrated horror movies, and for good reason. It's like a tight ninety minutes, and it's super, just like Evil Dead. Like it's really oppressive. Uh, it has like probably my favorite scary moment of the year, even through Evil Dead. It's like the first time one of her characters gets possessed, and like the way he like almost kills himself like uh, through it. It's like haunting, uh, and it's just this dude like mutilating himself, and it's so scary. And the way the people around him. Uh, 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 interact with it and like experience it. It's like really good, a really inventive possession movie. Yeah. Because uh, you know, their possession movies are a dime a dozen these days. It's a really unique concept, and it's made by a couple of YouTubers who used to make you know like anime like Naruto versus Master Chief videos. So like, it's really great. It's worth a watch if you want to feel like shit. Um, a couple of these hurt to say, but but they're on honorable mentions. One, it's Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Is it higher? Higher. Okay, cool. Um. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is my honorable mentions. Higher. 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 Uh, Yellow Jackets and Rex Gemstones. We've talked about that. Uh, really great shows. Uh, not quite good enough to make my top 15. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, which I, I believe higher. Yeah. Uh, these last two uh, really hurt, but I had to go with my heart. Uh, Across the Spider-Verse. Higher. Yeah, I know. Higher. Last of Us. Higher. Yeah. Higher. Uh, and then my last, my very final one. Uh, it's a, it, This is the only one that I actually had problems with because... I didn't play it, uh, but I watched two different people play through it. Like, so I played like I watched it twice through, and it's Alan Wake too. And that game would would have been in my top three if I personally played it, but I didn't feel comfortable putting it on my list because I didn't actually touch it. I watched other people touch it, mm-hmm. but Alan Wake Two is probably the most special game of the year besides the one big one that I'll talk about later. Uh, it is a sequel to a survival horror game that came out 13 years ago. So, so the very mention, the very fact that it got to come out is exceptional because that game didn't sell well. It's like a cult classic. But Alan Wake 2, being a really, really scary survival horror game, is also one of the funniest games of the year and one of the most inventive games ever made, period, because of the way it uses mixed narrative of including live-action footage, live-action uh, like movies, full... like full 20 minute short films in the in the in the game that you can miss that really add to the mystery of the plot full music video moments that you play through multiple times uh if you watch the game awards like the herald of darkness sequence it's like it blew up the internet because like it's legitimately again it's not like it wouldn't be my number one game but it's my number one moment of the year is play is watching not playing the alan wake 2 herald of darkness sequence it is it's one of those things where like you i play so many games and you're like what what we're at a point like what what can you do new with video games and alan wake 2 is proof that you don't have to go to the standard of just a narrative game you play through it is so cool and mysterious in the way you you bounce between multiple characters and the timeline is so wibbly wobbly because we're dealing with like alternate dimensions twin peak stuff uh it's so special and it looks so crisp it's like one of the best looking games of the year and it costs one seventh of what spider-man 2 costs uh, the game costs $50 million to make, and that's really cheap considering, like, we are ballooning in budgets, not just in movies, but in video games, where games are costing almost half a billion dollars to get games come out. So Alan Wake 2 is incredibly special. Uh, it would have been in my top three if I actually played it, but I didn't feel comfortable because I didn't put my hands on the Twitch on the sticks. So uh, that's the end of my honorable mentions. Dang. Uh, I'm really interested in your top 15 right now. I'll say that. I get a lot of it stuff you yeah. guys did. No, 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 for with. sure. Um, uh, no, I know. Like, yeah. and that's that's cool. I, I appreciate that it's like going to be more broken up and diverse and all that's that. That's also one of the, the by design, too, because like we're not all talking about the same stuff. Um, I'm really happy Alan Wake 2 means that much for you, even if you didn't 
personally play it. I'll like, play what, it what a year for games, though. It, like, the, like, even though, even if I haven't played them personally, like, I'm paying attention to what's going on, and I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. a crazy year. Crazy year. Very good. Uh, I have three honorable mentions. They're my last ones I'll bring up. Um, Doctor Who Wild Blue Yonder uh, is in my honorable higher i expected so i will hold off unicorn warriors eternal which i'm pretty sure i'm still the only person who's watched so i'll talk a little bit about it here uh unicorn warriors eternal guys i can't stress enough like if you want good tartakovsky i know like brandon's been talking about primal for a while and i think that's that's a valid one too um but uh tartakovsky this has been like ideas he's been wanting to chase for a while and he's chasing something fantastical uh, and I think it's really special. And I, I, I still don't think we've gotten a confirmation we're getting another season yet. I'm not sure. I'll have to look into that. Um, but I really hope we do because he's doing something really cool with his world building. He's really putting some of his uh, favorite shticks to good use in this show. I highly recommend it. I think it's really wonderful. It's dazzling in its visualization. Um, and the story is really good and the characters are really good. So Unicorn Warriors Eternal, I highly recommend. Love it. Uh, and the last one I'll say... Uh, is Barbie. Um, mm. Barbie is not in my top 15, uh, despite me really thinking about it, and my wife really slammed me, and she's like, I bet it would be if you had a vagina. And I'm like, that's probably fair. Um, because I, <laughs> she, she just, she got me. I'm like, yeah. yeah there's a lot of man stuff in that movie, too, so. There's, there's a fair point of, like, what, what but what does Barbie no, mean to people, and, like, yeah. what does Barbie mean to me? Barbie means, like, it's, it's a really wonderful time. I think it's really good. Yeah. I think there's a lot of incredible stuff, um, that Greta Gerwig and the rest of them have created with Barbie. I think it's wonderful. I think it deserves the pop cultural phenomenon status it's had this year. Uh, it just didn't make top 15 for me. I still think it's a wonderful, wonderful film. Yeah, same. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So I guess we should finally get into our 15s. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Ryan, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll go first because I'm pretty sure we're not going to talk about so it. We'll so just, we'll just keep our same order. It'll go Ryan, me, Ben, Brandon. My 15... Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Higher. Yeah. Higher. All right. So we'll hold off on that. My 15. Uh, John Wick Chapter 4. Higher. Yep. Mm. All right. Uh, we'll hold off what? on that, Ben. Uh, my 15 is Ahsoka. No, I what? just, I for some reason, like, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about it, like, now I'm like, why didn't I put that on my list? Oh, well, too late now. Yeah. Uh, ben. My 15 is Ahsoka. Okay, and nobody had that any higher. So no. Ben, go off. I didn't even okay. finish the last episode. Still? <laughs> All right. No. Okay. So the reason why I put Ahsoka on my top fifteen is mostly because I finally watched all of Rebels this year, and mm. the reason I have it there is because of the Rebel stuff. Don't get me sure. wrong. The Vader and Ahsoka stuff, or the Anakin and Ahsoka stuff, is really, really good. But for me, what makes the show shine the brightest? Is the stuff involving rebels? Is the stuff involving Ezra? The stuff involving Sabine? The stuff all all of that? And of course, uh, oh god, um, 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 Thrawn. Thank you. The stuff involving Thrawn. All of that just made the show for me. And I was, I know, I've been joking that like, this feels more like a Rebels sequel than an Ahsoka sequel. But there were some really good Ahsoka moments. But man, I just the fact that you guys air quotes bullied me into watching rebels before ahsoka worth it i absolutely loved watching rebels and it made ahsoka all that better for me uh i put it in my honorable mentions again for the specific for a specific sliver um for me the rebel stuff isn't what what's doing it it is vader it is anakin and the thing is that personally 
I did not know how much I wanted an epilogue on Darth Vader um, and like something that really touched on in an actual way, a real character moment thing mm -hmm. about Anakin after he goes into the force. And this, this idea that Anakin has to live in balance of both his good and his bad in the force was such a like, it, it makes Vader's redemption and all of that really feel like it means something in the world of Star Wars to mm -hmm. me, really makes it feel like the impact of who he was in all his parts is important. And I didn't know how much I wanted that out of Star Wars until I was given it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's honestly one of the most emotional things I've felt about Star Wars in a while. Um, and I didn't know I needed it. I yeah. didn't know I needed it. And then it was there and I was like, holy shit, I, I really wanted this and, I, and I'm and i happy for Hayden Christensen and, and it's cool to see the live action Clone Wars stuff, but it's that, it's that button on Anakin's story um, because I didn't realize that I didn't think Return of the Jedi was satisfying enough. Mm. Once we had all the prequel stuff that I didn't feel like Return of the Jedi was a satisfying conclusion. And now I feel really satisfied about Anakin's whole story. And I didn't right. know that was something I needed. Um, and so, also, like, Ezra is, like, the most perfect casting, I think, oh, yeah. of that whole show. Like, that dude is just like, yo, that guy grew up, and there he is. It's great. Yep. Awesome. Brandon, number 15. Exterminators. Exterminators! Yeah! Love it. I love to hear it. It was in my honorable mentions. Let's go. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, look, I didn't read a lot of comics this year. Um, none of my, I, did, I didn't read any of my personal pile this year. I only read stuff in the book club, but, uh, that said, um, it's awesome. Uh, I really, really like it. I think about it constantly. I think about panels of that, of that, uh, of that comic all the time over and over again. I, it was hilarious. It was fun. It was brutal. It's exactly the kind of, uh, X-Men book I want always this kind of like, uh, horny, extreme, uh, uh, brutal, violent kind of X Men story that I, I uh, it reminded me of part of the reason why I stopped I I didn't read a lot of comics is because I have so much X Men, uh, and the reason why I have so much X Men is because I kind of fell in, fell out of love with the with the Krakoa stuff. I started kind of thinking after Hickman it felt a little listless, but with Exterminators it felt very much like oh right this is why I liked Krakoa in the first place. This is what really gravitated me towards Krakoa, why I really appreciated it, why I really like went hard into this run. And it's all exemplified in Exterminators. And I really, really like that book. It, I love the art, I love the writing, everything about it is just 10 oh, out yeah. of 10. Yeah, uh, I still love the original name that she wanted to call it, mm -hmm. Leia Williams, the writer. It's Grindhouse of X, but they wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't, they wouldn't go with it. Exterminators works too. I, I echo everything Brandon said. I, I think it was just such a, it was such a special comic. Uh, I felt that in this year uh of what i got to read that it, it lingered with me and it continued to linger with me um so yeah i i agree it was really it's, wonderful it's, uh, it's beer clock sluts <laughs> something right. i never thought i'd hear x23 say <laughs> uh, and she and i love at the end of like oh i really wish i didn't say that yeah that's not me that's not me <laughs> let's go to ryan your number 14 my number 14 is no one will save you hey. uh, this is the is this the yeah this is the one horror movie i decided to put on my list uh and again going into, into like many factors of like i love evil dead rise but like no one 
will save you is like it's just it's a little more original because it's not like you know the fourth or fifth sequel so i wanted to give it a little more praise in that regard uh it's an awesome home invasion movie that's also an alien invasion movie uh and the fact that it's really low budget the fact that like there's no dialogue the entire movie it's it's a it's it's really bold and the fact that they got away with it is so good and there's also really interesting character stuff that they just sprinkle throughout so it keeps you invested in the character and like what her backstory is but the alien stuff is like it is like the best like weird little fuckers movie of the year because all there's mo there's a lot of different types of aliens and they're all weird little dudes they are and like it was so fun watching it with with like all the homies in our house because we were just giving them random names and it was just so fun because like they all have little quirky personalities and they're all little little assholes little shitty like the like type of you know gray aliens but with like modifications uh really fun inventive again like a tight 90 uh i don't need like i never want i don't want this to become a franchise but i want more movies like this yeah because it's combining different genres uh it's like the strangers but with little freak freaky aliens this it's is really the director of love and monsters right yes i think so and the one of the writers of skull uh the cold the Kong skull island tv show they're the same guy same guy. There you go. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, I really like it. It's really special. It's really wonderful. I highly recommend it. I think the performance of the main actress is great. I think uh, the aliens are really kooky and cool. One of my favorite things is that you can't really gauge what their motives are for for like why they're doing what they're doing in a moment. You don't really know where like each one feels like a distinct personality because of how they're approaching her. Uh, not they don't all just do the same thing. They yeah. all have like their own way of, of engaging with the environment and engaging with her, which is really unique and interesting for things that don't talk. Um, and yeah, it was, I can't forget like us sitting together watching it. And because there's no dialogue, we end up like talking a little bit. And so we're naming these aliens as they show up. And it's like, oh, God damn it. Where's Garrett? Where's Garrett? <laughs> like, it does like shit like that. It's like, they all had names and we all knew what their names were. And they were consistent in the moment of us watching the movie. Like I couldn't remember any of them now, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. while we were watching it, like we knew like Tyler's going to show up anytime now. Yeah. <laughs> when is Tyler coming back? <laughs> like, and, and, like that'd be the kind of shit. And it was a ton of fun. And they're also like, really they're also like mean. So like when they get their come up, it's just like, there you go, Roger, you deserve that. Like yeah, it's yeah. really, really good time. Yeah. Um, I look forward yeah. to finally watching it someday. Hopefully I, soon. I really, I really look forward to you finally watching it as well. I think it's really, really cool. I highly recommend it for anybody. I'm, I'm glad Ryan picked it. Yeah. Uh, my number 14 is definitely, and I will be very honest and upfront, uh, a, a thing of recency bias, but it is Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. Hmm. No. All right, cool. Wow. Not even in your honorable mentions, Ben damn all right i look here's the thing um it is partially that we are just doing all the scott pilgrim stuff right now so it's all top of mind and i'm, I'm going back to the books and i'm remembering how much those books mean to me and I'm, I'm associating it and i think the show is a fantastic companion piece to the books not just adaptation but like i think it is all the more wonderful as a thing uh without spoiling what the show's about in case you haven't watched it where you get to spend so much time with characters in a way that you don't spend time with those characters in the books and it's like getting a whole other side of a story in a sense uh and i really like it and the thing is like i waffled about it going from honorable mentions to somewhere in the top 15 and everything until the last two episodes and once it became the last two episodes the problem is that it 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 struck a chord of something so personal and if i'm being really transparent it's that they're telling a story with it that is, we've talked about it a little bit. Brandon and I had like a personal project called Reflections that we were doing amongst our family. They're literally doing a story that is what I've structured like eight years ago is the end point of that. And so I was like, 
it just it, it, Scott Pilgrim gets me. Like, I just I can't separate what is personally representative to me, and like Scott Pilgrim means a lot to me. So Scott Pilgrim takes off. The animation's gorgeous. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, it has things that I'm not as crazy about, but like what the whole thing did and how it works as another part to the books for me, uh, and the books being one of my favorite things ever is like it just is. It is a top fourteen, uh, number fourteen thing for me. Love um, it. Uh, maybe it wouldn't have been if I'd been a little further away from it, but I'm not. I'm very recent to it. And yeah, it's yeah. like, nah, it's here. It's it it hit it hit, it hit me. So yeah. All right, Ben. My number fourteen is bah, 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 come on, give it hmm. the last of us. Oh, higher. Okay. All right. Love it. Uh my fourteen is Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part One. Can't fight the friction. Finally, we can talk about it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, um here's the thing um i've talked about it before on the holiday annual i've talked about it probably already said it on recording but i definitely said it off recording i can't remember what i say anymore um i uh, the back half of my year was just dropout was just dimension 20 that's all i did and so there's a lot of things on there's a few things on this list that are like yeah i guess it has to be there because i don't really have anywhere else to because it's it wouldn't because there's nothing else I did, right? So, like, in another year, probably Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 would not be on my top 15, but I did really love it. Um, so it ended, ended up there just kind of by default. Um, I, I, I Honestly, like, I don't think it's the best Mission Impossible film. I think it's close to uh, being uh, top, but, um, you know, I think Christopher McQuarrie knocks it out of the park every single time. Um a lot of my love of the film comes from the fact that I really didn't like Fast X and they're and they share a set piece. Um, Mission Impossible and Fast X share a set piece in Italy. Um, and I think Mission Impossible has a far more inventive one than Fast mm -hmm. X does. Um, and so like I was kind of like sitting there going like, oh, maybe Mission Impossible has replaced Fast X, has, uh, has replaced the place that, that the Fast and Furious films had um, had occupied in my heart. Um, I think Tom Cruise is on top form. Um, I really, I really think that of the kind of part ones that we were experienced to this year, um, much like across the Spider-Verse, uh, it feels very much like a singular film in its own right. Um, they're setting up a second, se even though it is setting up a second film, I do feel very much like this was the, this was a complete movie. Um, all the set pieces are great. All the actors are great. Haley Atwell is a revelation, even though I've loved her since Captain America, the first Avenger, I feel like I have fallen in love with her once again, um, as if she was so a new good. actress. She's so good. Um, it, it's, it does have a blemish. We've talked about it on the review. Um, I won't go into it here. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I love it. I think it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really, really great. I do also love it. It's just not, mm -hmm. Not as much as other things, but it is it is a damn good. People seem to turn on that movie in the last back half of the year, and I don't I don't get it. Uh, mm -hmm. At least from what I've seen, but like I still think that movie is is, is a banger, great action movie. Yeah. I haven't. I, I, I'll say I haven't turned on it, but it it did not make my honorable mentions. The thing is, I just I it's my fourth favorite Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, yeah. Like that doesn't clear. Yeah. Um, you know, like in a year where there's a lot of great things, like I I I liked it. I I think it's well made. Um, but it it doesn't clear a lot of these other things for me. A yeah. lot of a lot of the kind of a lot of the also the reason that I want to go back to with like uh, it feels very much like a like a singular film and, and a part one at the same time um, is because and I'm going to tell you exactly why it made my top 15 in a moment. But like it's also the only one that clearly wrote the second part of its film. Um, 
which we know that Beyond the Spider Verse is still being is still being made. It hasn't even been recorded yet, um, and we know that Fast X uh, Part Two isn't even scripted. Um, <laughs> they did not know where that story was going to go. Once, once uh, spoilers, the waterfall hits Dom, and they're like, "I guess we'll figure it out later." Um, yeah. And like that's ridiculous to me. Um, if you're doing a part one, you know you're doing a part one. You've got to you've got to know where you're going. Um, and I think uh, credit the Spider Verse. I do think they know where they're going. It's just it's just not a finished film yet. Just in like broad sense, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and and Mission Impossible does know where it's going. It's very clearly like knew that what these two movies are going to be, what that story is going to be. Um, and you can feel that in the movie. It doesn't feel like it's ending in a place where we don't know where we're going next. Yeah, to that point, um, like we know those movies were written at the same time, you know, like right. and and worked on around the same time. It's just like pandemic and then the strikes have affected like the release window. That was the one that would have come out like one year, one year. It's not right. going to, but that's not their fault. Right. Um, but the reason what, what set it over the edge for me, what I was like, what, what set it into top 15 was specifically I was thinking about the airport scene and Shea Wingham looking disgruntled that he lost, that he couldn't find Tom Cruise. And then Tom Cruise running across the, yeah. the roof behind him. I was like, nah, that's top 15. <laughs> it's pretty good. Shea Wiggum is like slowly becoming my favorite. Like this guy shows up in a movie. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Every yeah. time he's in a movie, I'm like, hell yeah. Uh, ben, yeah. Anyway, this was in your honorable mentions as well. You It was, to it was. Uh, I, st- I really, enjo- I did really enjoy Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, but when I was, making the list like i said there's so many things i forgot and looking back on it's like i did really like it but it, other stuff just beat it out and how and looking back at this year it's like other things i really enjoyed more that and scream six i'm so glad i was able to watch finally watch all those films this year i think that was really that was really good thing for me to get to those movies and when we got to those movies it was they were all fun times they were all great i had a really good time i just liked other stuff more yeah, for sure. And that happens. Yeah. All right. Ryan, back to you with your number 13. Number 13. 13. It's a, I know it's a show only I've watched, and it's called Foundation. It's mm-hmm. Apple TV. Um, y'all, we recently watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and we were just talking about lighting and like they don't make they don't make movies like they used to. Apple is putting so much money into this incredible sci-fi show where there's almost there's tons of special effects, obviously. It takes place 12,000 years in the future, and it's a sci-fi show. But the, the amount of practical sets on the show is astonishing. It's astonishing. The budget, the production value, the craft that's going into this is is next level. Um, I'll talk about it just briefly because I know you guys haven't watched this, so you don't have like, like an idea of what the total show is about. Uh, 12,000 years in the future, it's about the genetic dynasty of Cleon and this man, Cleon the First. He's an emperor. He's like, yo... I think I'm the best emperor to have ever been emperor. I don't want anyone else to ever be emperor. So I'm going to clone myself over and over and over again. And I will be the only emperor of all time. And it's called the genetic dynasty because when we start the show, we're on like Cleon the 15th and it's Lee Pace who rules. And he's like half naked that entire show on purpose because they know who they got in that lead. But what's so cool about the show is they clone. There are always three clones of, of the emperor. You have the young version, who's a kid. You have the adult version, who's Lee Pace. And then you have the old version, who is the mentor of all of them, right? To keep them on the path of Cleon. And it's about this man and his white uh, fascism, like white, white being white fascism on the, on the universe and how 
uh, Jared Harris, who is the universe's greatest mathematician, he creates a algorithm uh, equation that he can he can literally predict the future because we have 12,000 years of recorded history. He's able to tell the future. And he's like, yo, this empire is going to fall. And when it falls, it is going to plunge the universe into the darkest depths it's ever been for thousands of years. And it'll be barbarism and horrible. And he's like, he's coming at it from a scientist and, and Cleon's coming from like, yo, you're trying to like destroy my legacy, destroy the who people believe in me. So it it's it's about it is about science becoming becoming a religion and becoming a revolutionary force against Cleon and his genetic dynasty. And it's about how how the universe is so diverse, and it's about diversity overcoming this genetic dynasty. And it's also just this super cool, dope sci-fi show that has I'm not joking the coolest hyperdrive sequence of anything I've ever seen with with black holes and the way they 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 teleport to other parts of the universe. It is so good looking. It is so well acted. Uh, the leads are on on top form. Uh, the action is so good. It's just like I can't believe the show exists and it would only exist on a, on a on either HBO or Apple cuz like it would not look this good on app on Amazon but not look this good on Netflix like and thankfully it's getting its third season because like the show ends and I'm like it's at a really interesting point in season 2 that I would hate if this is it ended because it is such an expensive show and it's not Apple's most watched show but is their sixth most watched show and I think that's just good enough for them to give it that third season um it's so good I think all of you guys would love it it is like like it when I think of like the best sci-fi TV like Battlestar or something like this is really right up there. Like I love it so much. Uh it's just doing so many cool things. And like again, it's it looks so expensive. I can't believe the show exists. Um and Apple believes in it and it's and it's just really great. I love it. Foundation. It's in hindsight, it might be a good thing that HBO Max went under because now Apple TV Plus has has emerged as the greatest streaming service. It really, it really has. Like in like by by all accounts, almost all the stuff they put out is good. Like they actually like are putting quality quality over quantity, which is With the exception of Ghosted. That, that, I, that's what I was thinking. Of. Yeah. <laughs> For the most part, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The majority. Hey, but they that's also great. had two Oscar nominated. Well, Napoleon's not Oscar nominated yet, but it, it might be. Yeah, sure. and I want that seems really good. I definitely want to see it again. There are a couple like I I would love to have seen Napoleon. I would I I'm I'm so mad I didn't see Killers of the Flower Moon. It's also three and a half hours, so it's a little harder to budget that in into a movie when I'm watching things at two o'clock in the morning. Uh, I will go next with my number 13. I'm sure I'm about to get stopped. It's the bear season two. Stop. Yep. <laughs> That's higher. That's higher. But I'm so happy we get to talk about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm the other one who has this on his list for number 13. It is the indie hit Sea of Stars. Yeah. Oh, man, I was so close to starting it, but then I was <clears> like, <throat> I'm just going to play Sea of Thieves. <laughs> it's on Game Pass. I'll get to it eventually, I promise. Yeah. So Sea of Stars is a indie RPG that hit the that took the world by storm because it's obviously the it's based off Chrono Trigger. Now actually having played a few hours of Chrono Trigger, I could definitely see the Chrono Triggerness of Sea of Stars. But man, this just goes to show you that not only turn-based RPGs still have a place in the modern gaming world, but sprite-based video games have a place in the video gaming world. And the only reason why it's so low on the list is because I haven't Obviously, I haven't beaten the game. I'm a good, I'd say, maybe 15 hours or so into it. Mm -hmm. I still have a long way to go, but it is just so fun just to explore the world, just to listen to the to the um, the 16-bit, the chiptune style music. The art in this game, the pixel art, is just phenomenal. It is absolutely gorgeous. 
Uh, I've been listening to, obviously, because at the end of the year, or excuse me, the beginning of the year, it's a new year, y'all. Um, like a lot of like uh, video game websites, top games, and Sea of Stars is on a lot of them because of a man named Garl. Are you in love with Garl as everyone else is? You kidding me? Garl yeah. is my favorite. He is my boy. I freaking love Garl the Warrior Cook is best boy. I will protect <laughs> that man with everything I got. He is just the best. He will go on this journey with his friends, even though he's technically not supposed to. But he's like, I'm going to go with you anyway, because F it. Even though when I was a kid, I lost my eye. I'm still going to fight with y'all. You can't stop me. Yeah, he won. He won with an, with an Alan Wake 2 character, like best character of the year at one of the websites I listened to. Uh, uh-huh. And I like, apparently, like, he's not the main character, but he might as well be because of how dope he is. No, I when he joined my party, I was like, "Thank God, I love this dude so much." <laughs> <laughs> but wow. yeah, uh, but yeah, the game is absolutely fantastic. Uh, this actually, this game actually inspired me to go and play, uh, or to finally start playing Chrono Trigger, and I fall in love with that that super with that not ancient game, with that gem of a video game that everyone puts on some of their top tens somewhere, or is one of the best RPGs of all time. Mm-hmm. And also the way that this game is different, because it's not just like simple, hey, I attack this enemy, you attack, you're done. But you could also like if you push, if you time it correctly and you hit a, the the button at a certain time, you can do extra damage. Or Ooh, with like um, Valorant, or with Valerie, she has this attack called the Moomer, the Moonerang, which is essentially a a beam of moon energy, but it bounces off her staff and it hits every single enemy in tandem. Love. And you could just get a really good volley going, and you could go from doing like say a hundred points of damage, which is the base, or it could be your base, to six hundred or seven hundred points because of how good you're just going boom, 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 boom. And it. the game is fan- the game is really well written. The world it belongs in is vibrant, it's gorgeous, and it's i'm glad i have access to it uh through my playstation plus account because when it was like hey you could just download this and play this at no extra cost and i'm like this game is fantastic it is gorgeous beautiful if you love old school rpgs phil you are doing yourself a disservice not playing sea of stars it'll happen in the year 2024 for sure <clears throat> all right brandon number 13 1923 all right higher i'm just kidding <laughs> oh, really? like, what? Uh, um 1923 is a show that uh my dad was really excited for and uh, i'm gonna open that open with that he was really excited for it uh, and he passed away before the show could even air um the majority of the show aired in the back half of, uh, in the first half of this year um and so it does make my my, my list here because um, in honor of him, I watched it, and I, I really did like 1883, which is the which is the other spinoff. Um, but 1923 was really special. Um, I think it's better than 1883 by quite a wide margin. Um, the performances are really great. Harrison Ford, um, Harrison Ford this year probably had his best year in in years. Um, he delivered three. I haven't seen all the shrinking, but like he even I don't like Indiana Jones: The Dial of Destiny, but he was good in it he's really good in it yeah um he's really great in 1923 um the cast is great it, it's kind of one of those shows where like anyone could die at any moment and you're not really sure who's gonna who all you know is that kevin costner has to be born soon uh <laughs> but you're not quite sure who kevin costner's dad is um so outside of that everyone else could just start collapsing um and it's really it's really um a good time it's not 
that's a horrible thing to say. It's not a good time at all. It's a really terrible time. Um, but uh, there's one there's one specific love story that like I really gra- gravitated towards, and it's it's this like British girl who's like longing for adventure, and she finds this dude, uh, this Dutton kid who went through the war, and he's this guy, and he's like uh, hunt, and he hunts like um, wild animals uh, for rich people to like protect rich people when they go camping stupidly in the in the safari, and he's like, okay, well I'll kill that cat for who killed like three three of your people, even though you shouldn't be here because this yeah. is the cat's territory um but you're paying me a lot of money and so this british girl like falls in love with him and and like uh like is like i don't want to marry this posh dude i want to go off with you and so they go off on this grand adventure and they um and 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 um it's uh such a good story and it's only its first season it's getting a second thank goodness um i was in tears by the end of it it's uh it ended up being a a far more important show for me than I anticipated it would be. Yeah. Right. Um, all right, but that's my 13. Love it. Number 12, right? Yep. Blue Eye Samurai. Uh, yeah. I think this show is really special. It is honestly one of my favorite things Netflix has ever put out, not just because like it has a visual style and it's like 3D animation that actually looks good as, as opposed to most of the stuff Netflix put out. But Shocking. like the, the idea of this this half Japanese, half white girl um, going around trying to kill all the white men who might be her dad is such a compelling story. And it has such a great voice cast. Uh, there, there's so many famous people in it. Kenneth Branagh is like the evil Irish bad guy. But it is so visually stunning. And the action is so crisp. And like, uh, uh, I... Uh, I don't want to say too much about it because like it's actually pretty twisty and turny. Like the fact that she's a girl, I don't think even most people know. Um, but it's not really. I story. didn't. I, yeah. I I know it's revealed in the first episode, but I didn't know. And I'm glad I didn't yeah. know because like when I was watching, I was like, oh, is she? Is this a? I knew it was a girl voice actor. But I was like, is this a yeah. about a girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of great, a lot of really great stuff. And I, it has some of the strongest character, like side character work of the year for me with characters that I did not expect to fall in love with. Uh, but I just gravitate towards like it's a really cool revenge story, and the fact that it's based in a time period I haven't seen a lot of, and it takes place during an era where Japan has closed its borders off to the world, so only Japanese people are in in the country except for these four evil white men, and like it's so cool to see like their machinations <clears throat> and what they're planning to do, how to like potentially take over Japan from the inside, uh, and how Japanese like some evil Japanese people are like are allowing it, and this this character who just wants to get revenge for what happened to her. So it's very, it's kind of like a Kill Bill type thing, but uh, uh, not as like fantastic. Well, it's, like it's, it's, really, like, it's like a really fucked up Mamma Mia. That is a, yes! Yeah! <laughs> fucked up Mamma Mia, the samurai story. That's 100% what it is, Brandon. That's a, that's a great, that's a great parallel. Um, it is, I'm, I'm just, there's one episode specifically where we learn about her past. It's like midway through the season. Uh, and that's my favorite episode of the show. And it's like, it is so compelling and the action is just so damn good. Uh, and you could always like what I love about this type of show is like it doesn't do a lot of quick cuts like a lot of action movies like you know like to to get away from the action because it's animated you can just watch the action unfold and that's some of the best sword fights I've seen in live action or animated period uh, and the ending is so strong and it leaves such a great not cliffhanger but like yo are, do you really want to see a season two and luckily they announced a season two uh, just really compelling beautiful stuff and it's an original story uh uh it's just really really great i really really loved it i it's on my honorable mentions i can't speak too much on it because it would have been in my top 15 if i finished it i'm pretty confident about that yeah um i'm only halfway through but i echo a lot of what ryan has said already yeah and i get it's one of those shows that i think only gets better and better and like the finale is like pow 
Yeah, everybody and their mother has told me that I should be watching this, so I'm sure I'll get to it at yeah. some point and really enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, I'll take a, uh, it. My number 12 is Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Higher. Jesus. All right, here we go. Hell yeah! Hell yeah, Gojira! <laughs> go ahead, Ben. Uh, my number 12 is the Super Mario Brothers movie soundtrack. Cause... Not, even, not even on it, but I, I still respect the pool because I... It's good. It's, I won't say it's the best movie soundtrack of the year, but it's definitely top five. Yeah. Uh, so I freaking love this soundtrack so much. Like we all know that when you say Nintendo or I can even go, but up, up, but up, 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 everyone knows where that's from. Everyone. Almost. You, you probably never even played the game. It's like, oh yeah, that's Mario. The Halo? way Brian. Oh, sorry, Mario. The way Brian Tyler was able to incorporate all the music like not just music from the original mario games he was like there have been youtube videos where it's like hey this snippet of this song is actually from mario galaxy or this is from captain toad or and just like all these different um songs from all of the games not just the nes or the super or of the super nintendo games it's all of the super mario titles that get some love and just listening to it is like like one of my favorite songs is a song that's not even in the damn movie because mm -hmm. F Illumination is like, hey, we're going to put Take On Me. And I know I've talked about this before, but I'll talk about it again. It's driving me bananas. It's the scene yeah. where Mario and Peach go to the Kongs and they're driving around with that guy. The music in that is all from Donkey Kong Country. Like you hear, but it's done in a way that when you finally do hear the bum, 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 you're like, it's not just like the Leo memes, like, but it's done so well. And I am so upset. That Illumination is like, hey, let's put in a pop song in there instead. And I'm really glad that apparently Brian Tyler fought to make sure the Superstar theme was in there and it wasn't Van Halen's drum. As much as I love Van Halen, that would have ruined the movie for me if they didn't do the... Can I say, can I just say objectively, like in an outside perspective, not for that moment, but in general, Van Halen's jump is the only pop culture song that should be that in sense. a mario movie because he jumps like yeah i would be fine <laughs> with it not for the moment you're talking about but yeah. like sure jump right, Van right. Halen, i get it cute whatever yeah that movie. i mean no and also the yeah. beginning of the movie no sleep till brooklyn when they're when he's running to go yeah, yeah. to the job yeah. and he's going through world one one in the construction site i could get that that's fine i'm not arguing with that but you have a litany of amazing Nintendo themes and amazing <laughs> Nintendo music that so many fans and so many people have known throughout almost 40 years, close to 40 years of this dude right here. Mm -hmm. And then you do this. What's, and you weird about, what's weird about Take On Me is that it's not even a reference that kids watching that movie are going to get. Like kids, kids watching that movie aren't familiar with Take On Me. Like that's from that's from our generation. That's, that's just kids true. in our generation would like that. So like, but here's the thing. So here's here's what I'm getting at. Illumination is very much known for putting pop songs in their movies. They do it all the yeah. time. Um, yeah. Migration made made money off of the fact that they put Taylor's version of whatever song that they put uh, in, in that movie. So like, they're they're known for that, but they're known for doing it with music that is more relevant to the generation that they are catering towards, which yeah. are young which is the younger generation much which aren't even not necessarily our kids but yeah kind of our kind of our generation's kids yeah. um so like 
take on me is from a, is a few generations removed from that which makes its inclusion very weird and i just i don't really understand why they did it that way yeah i think i think like I, I i don't love that movie but i would actively like the movie more if it included more mario music which they made and just didn't use yeah the pop That's bottom, yeah. it's baffling most of the pop song moments really hurt it and then like you have the score the release score that has those missing tracks and it's like what are we doing i would like if i was yeah what's a brian tyler brian tyler i would like brian i would tyler. be mad as well if like i made all this music and you're not even using it yeah like if that's just it is apt to me it's just nuts because they're all there's so many other great parts in the movie where they do use his score where he incorporates like the airship themes mm-hmm. or bowser's castle themes and all these other fantastic mario songs that you know and love play in the video games they that you just like, oh yeah, this is from X Mario game. And it's like, or like, hey, I remember this music's seared in my brain because this level gave me such a hard time as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And the fact that the uh, Illumination decided not to use all of it is still just absolutely bonkers. But that, which is why the soundtrack is on my top 15, not the movie itself. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, we've you done been messed up, Illumination. Mar- <laughs> we've been playing Super Mario Wonder as like a household. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah uh it's not in your top 15 right no okay uh that game also does a lot of incredible remixing of old old music so like when you eventually play it but i know you'll love it because like the music in that game whips it's oh really dude i've been playing it oh, good. I've been playing yeah. good 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 yeah uh i love Spoiler the alert, it's on my top 15 oh there you go all i right, love the, the, the airship remixes that it does um all right my my 12 right 12 yeah. Yeah. number 12 doctor who wild blue yonder cool um I um, was really excited for Doctor Who to come back. I watched a lot of Doctor Who because of it. Um, a lot of Doctor Who that I really, 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 really loved. And a lot of Doctor Who I really was unfortunately disappointed in. Um, but for the most part, I was very happy with, with Russell T. Davies' return uh, to the world of Doctor Who. Um, I, I really enjoyed all four specials uh, to varying degrees. But Wild Blue Yonder, I believe, is a perfect episode of Doctor Who. Um, it, is his, it is his best episode um, that he has done recently. Um uh, I really like I really like it because it kind of works on the same level that Midnight works, right? Um, where it's like you see that he's, um, it's just two actors acting um, in this crazy concept of like at the edge of the universe because it has an edge of the universe thanks to the flux and like we're and, and the way it deals with what happened in jody whitaker's run of learning about the timeless child and the flux and all that and how it weaves into this emotional moment for the doctor um that he has with donna then to be horrifically revealed that that wasn't donna that was yeah. someone else that was the, the no things um the ending floors me because like i genuinely thought donna was gonna die like I genuinely had a moment where I was like, "This is where Donna dies." Holy shit! Um, I I really like that episode, um, and it ends with a uh, uh, Wilfred Mott uh, coming back and yeah. like you know, holy shit! Um, yeah, that's it, it. It's truly an incredible episode. Yeah, it's in my it's in my honorable mentions. Uh, I think it's the best, uh, easily hands oh, down of the new specials, including the the first Christmas special. Oh, yeah, I, I also still agree. Uh, yeah, yeah. I I think it's easily easily far and away the best. Um, and uh, I I love it. I do think it's a perfect Doctor Who story. It's a perfect little special. Um, I think when you think about the Doctor and Donna coming back together, this is the kind of shit like that hits like yeah 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 yeah. Um, I I loved it. I I think it's brilliant. I look forward to talking about it at some point. 
I love the big practical hands. There's a lot more practical yeah. stuff in this episode. Like, there's a cool robot. And who stunt doubles yeah. to, and like, even for, like, what looks like singular shots. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the mavity of the situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that they've kept it up, I'm like, this is good. This is good. I, I'm going to start saying that for real. To explain the joke, Ben, um, because I want to quickly explain what happened. The beginning of the episode, the the TARDIS, like, lands in, uh, in the tree that the apple lands on Sir Isaac Newton um and they're and they're just like and the and donna's like wait you're sir isaac newton like oh my god uh can and like the doctor is like don't say it because like like don't you don't you appreciate and then they both say the gravity of the situation uh... and then they peace out and then and then he's like what is that word they said gravity gravity mavity Oh no! <laughs> and it changes history because the, every single time since we've heard the word gravity, it's been mavity. It's a great recurring joke that they like. At this point, they are definitely going to continue it for the entire yeah. like. I hope just the rest of Doctor Who, because that's really <laughs> a really really funny thing. Um. Yeah. Like Shooty Gotwell even goes like, uh, it it like condenses all the mavity. <laughs> Killed me. All right. Anyway, I love that episode. That's my number twelve. Number twelve. Up to me. Eleven. Yeah. Yep. Fall of the House of Usher. Higher. Yeah. How did you feel on your list? <laughs> oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> All right. All right, Sparks. Uh, that felt really good. He's oh wait, we have we uh, have a new a new comment. Ian Sane. I haven't seen oh. you in ages. Um, Hi, Ian. Happy hey, New did, Year. Yeah. Tenant for, for life. You're right. Yeah, you're right. He's a great doctor. Yeah. Hashtag right. Picaldi. Uh, Picaldi. Fuck. Uh, Multi Crusaders. <laughs> uh, Ryan's about to do the same to me on my number eleven, which is Scavengers Reign. Higher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Ben, <laughs> I'm pretty sure none of you have this on your number eleven, but it's something I watched. It's a little bit recency biased, but not, I really, really liked it a whole lot. And it's the Tetris, the Apple TV Plus movie. Oh I yeah, I didn't get. A I forgot to. that even came out. I really want to see it because I like Taron Edgerton. I. Yeah. It's okay. So. It's really, it's really fun. It is a really fun movie. Um, I won't lie. There's a lot of embellishment because <laughs> it's also I, I, apparently the script was also based off this book called The Tetris Effect, where the story of how Tetris came from the Soviet Union to the rest of the world is much more like Soviet Russian spy thriller. You got uh, a bunch of uh, you got like KGB agents everywhere, where in reality it was a lot less uh, dramatic, <laughs> essentially. But the movie is really good. It gets the history of the base history of te of how Tetris came to America or came to the world really decently well. It goes through a bunch of the stuff that if you watch the gaming historians video about or documentary of how Tetris came out of Russia, it does nail a lot of the main points, like the crazy um, licensing issues that the game had, where Robert Stein thought he had the rights for one game because of the how the wording of the contract, where the Russians thought something completely different. It's there, and it's just really fun. And also, they um, they kind of separate the movie into levels. So, like each act, it's it's not a three act movie, or it is a three act movie, but there's like two levels in each act, and it's really fun. And the the way they do the tet, it it's unapologetically eighties, and it's fun. It's really fun. It's really good. I mean. If you know the story, it got, it does get you on the edge of your seat because you you know you want the guys to win. You want like, hey, Tetris, how does Tetris become the global phenomenon that it is? And it's 
it's fun. If you if you have Apple TV Plus and you love the game Tetris, I would definitely give this a watch. But also, I would also watch the uh, Gaming Historians documentary to get the whole picture. But it's yeah, I really I really enjoyed it. I'm really glad I ha- I finally had I finally sat down and watched it because I know I've been wanting to see it for the longest time and I finally did. So yeah, Tetris. You see that kid? The, the kid beat Tetris. The first person to ever be actually beat. Tetris. Yes, the kill. He got the kill screen. That kid's like, 13. oh my oh, crap. good man. I good for no. Okay, first of all, great for him. Second, I know he's he's a competitive Tetris player because I heard uh, someone talk about it. Because uh, over at Portland, when I went to Portland a few years ago, they were doing the classic Tetris World Championships. Those people are gods. Oh yeah, how they're able to play Tetris th- that well with the blocks essentially just with the little Tetramino's just essentially just popping out of thin air on screen and you don't even see them falling down. They're just falling down so fast. It's like I thought I was decent at Tetris. No, I ain't got shit compared to those guys. It well, is job, phenomenal. Baby. No, next time I go to next time I go to Portland, I will make sure to take video of people playing in the Tetris World Championships. Be like, yeah, I can't do that. Love it. Yeah, uh, I definitely want to get to that at some point. Brandon, my one. number, my number eleven. I'm actually curious about this one. Uh, if 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 I'm going to be interrupted, The Legend of Vox Machina season two from uh, Ben. I, no, I forgot to put it on. All right, that's fair. <laughs> so um, many things. <laughs> yeah, um, I got. You got to keep track of your predictions, baby. It was in your predictions. I know, but other things. Hey, Ben, there's a really cool app I use called TV Time. Uh, it helps yeah. me track my TV shows. Um, anyway. More apps. Um, enough apps. Um, I, I got into Dungeons & Dragons in a big way this year, as I've already mentioned. Uh, Legend of Vox Machina is, be- is a- because of that. It's one of the reasons because of that. I really like that show. Um, I watched the first two seasons uh, in quick succession this year. Um, the, the, the characters are all wonderful. The, the way the show is, is plotted is great. Um, I love the animation. It's so fluid and fun. I kind of wish the dragons in season two were more traditionally animated and less CG animated. Um, uh, and, and also the Sphinx, which I don't really think was a good animated choice animation choice. Um, but, uh, ultimately, um, the way they are adapting the show, is really cool because you can you can see how it was adapted from a uh, tabletop role playing game. You can you can you can feel like the moments when they roll badly or they roll well or um, certain or certain things happen. Uh, it, um, I really um, I really 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 like the show, and I'm actually really surprised uh, because season one and two have both premiered in January. Uh, that we are in the third January. Uh, since its premiere and there has not been an announcement about season three's release yet so that's been shocking yeah. but yeah, yeah we I do really know love it's it. coming though we do know oh, it's yeah coming, no though. they're getting their five seasons like there's no question yeah not even that the mighty nine is getting a season two yeah wait is mighty nine out no but it's that's getting a season oh that's i was like because like i i love that first the first uh campaign of critical but i like the second campaign is like the one i really love so like i will jump on that in a second uh, so i was like i'm scared i missed it they, uh, I, 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 yeah, that, uh, right. I'll I'll comment Vox Machina very quickly because that show is fantastic. And uh, Grayson, I see you in the chat. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> it hurts my Apparently, soul I also I heard there are t- yeah. Brandon says the exact same thing. You won't hurt my soul. Uh, yeah, um, 
now Vox Machina is great. And even one of the best things about the show is because how they adapted their tabletop game to the anime, to the show. And like when Brand said, you can tell when they roll low, the doors, <laughs> the doors are some of my, my every favorite time they face thing, the locked door. It's the my favorite shit. thing in the first season ever is when they're in, um, is when they're in a uh, uh, white, white castle. Whitestone. 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 White Castle uh, is, is mm. Whitestone, and they're trying to get to, through the door, and uh, Vex can't get through, um, and and he and and you know because there's a lockpick, and and it's and it's clearly it's 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 because in the campaign he kept rolling badly and couldn't lockpick the door, and so the way they animated that and translated that to the show is brilliant. Yep. Awesome. Anyway. Uh, number 10. Number 10. The Bear. The Bear Season 2. Uh, my friend Sparks here. Uh, luckily, hopped on the bear wagon. I my number 13. Love it. Uh, the whole family got involved in this one. I'm so happy because I, that first season of The Bear is incredible. And I think Season 2 was just as good. Uh, some of, I've said this about a lot of things, but like really some of the strongest character work in anything this year. Um, what I love about the show, it's not just because like I'm very familiar with the restaurant industry and how the restaurant industry attracts a certain type of people being emotionally unstable people and having to put a bunch of people in a kitchen together when things get hectic, just it explodes all the time. Uh, and the way that these characters interact with each other is wonderful. But the thing that I love about season two is the growth yeah. that a lot of these characters uh, get. Specifically one character, Richie, yep. he's, he's cousin. He's like the biggest asshole of all time, the biggest asshole. And in season two, he has such a character shift and like he goes from like not not knowing what to do with his life, like hating what he you, does, you to guys, flipping. You guys know the actor from Andor. He's the one who's set. He's screen. He's set to betray the everybody else. He's really mm. skinny and tall. Uh, uh, he's 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 fantastic. It man. is it is the the thing that cemented the Bear season two being in my top fifteen is the episode focused on Richie. It's all an episode about a character finally getting out of his own way and letting himself give a shit. Uh, which is something he's just refused to let himself do for so long. And the growth of it and the fact that it's all, it's not all contained in that episode, the path to there, but like the focus on what changes him is in that episode. The shift happens. And like, it's really strong. It's one of the best things I've seen on television this year. Uh, I highly recommend The Bear. Yay, Kate, yay. Uh, this is this is a great uh, inside joke. Best comedy of 2023 for sure because that show was getting labeled under comedy for award season. And like- During season one. During season one, yeah. And that show is a drama through and through that has- So far away from comedy. Comedic elements. So an episode will end and it'll be really sad or dramatic and we'll all go, best comedy of the year, am I right? Uh, <laughs> so good. Uh, uh, Emmys and Glo Golden Globe nominations are really silly sometimes. Uh, but. Just just believe believe the hype, guys. Like it's worth going and checking out. It, it's uh, There's incredible stunt casting in it that's done really, really well. Season two, like um, every episode has like a famous person show for no reason. And uh, all, all the character work is exceptional and there's just really powerful emotional stuff going on. Um, some of my favorite character arcs were in that in that season of the show. So yeah, well-earned, well-earned. Season three coming soon. Um, okay, I'll go to my number 10 and we can talk about it now because it was just one away from yours, The Fall of the House of Usher. Yeah! Um, this is Mike Flanagan's latest Netflix series, his last Netflix series, because he's now moving over to Amazon. They, lo um, they lost They lost the greatest thing they ever got. They really did, because uh, Fall of the House of Ushers is incredible. Um, just just brilliant, top to bottom. Um, the way they interpreted Edgar Allan Poe stories into this narrative, genius. And the cast is exceptional. And uh, I think about 
several things from it all the time um, since we saw it earlier this year, um, this last year. Uh, I, I love it. Uh, there's a, I could say so many things and I'm just going to restrict it down to that. It's brilliant. I think it, it's just more of Mike Flanagan being great. The, the, the way he thinks about Poe is so well interpreted in, in so many different ways throughout the whole thing. Uh, and I, I love the cast. I just love the cast. And it's such, uh, the one thing I'll say about it, it's such an interesting premise because like, it's not a spoiler. Like the show is based around uh, Roderick Usher and how all six of his children get killed, all six of them and the different ways they get killed and how they got there. But it's all about this really horrible family. And like, they're fine. Like the, like they all deserve to die and they all have a chance to change. And none of them do. They all are given chances to be better people and they don't. And it basically it gets them killed. Uh, and the whole premise is just about this father dealing with this and like talking about it. And it's so strong, man. And the thing is oh. like, not to get too far into it, the father sets it up in a way, like what happens with the dad has set it up in such a way that they're going to die no matter what. But you watch through the stories that it's because of how they choose to live their lives, their deaths are worse and more appropriate to the people that they are when they have the opportunity to be better people and thus have a more peaceful end. It's it's really, there's so much poetry in this really grim, grim show. Um, it's just, it's a banger. It's another Mike Flanagan banger. Only makes bangers. Yeah. Oops, all bangers. Oops, all bangers. Ben? Ben? My number 10 is Roll for Initiative, Suckers, Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. Yeah, cool. Anyone? Anyone? No wire? All right, cool. It's in my honorable mentions, okay. yeah. Right, right, right. Um, what a unfortunately, didn't year. make my list. Stop. Ah, mm. What a year for D&D, guys. Uh, at least for... I mean, Hasbro can go fall in a ditch, especially those uh, the people who they laid them up, they laid off. But D and D as a whole, uh, it just keeps growing and growing, and it makes me so excited. Not just the fact that um, I'm part of a D and D podcast, but the fact that Brandon is getting into D and D. We had that D and D episode um, earlier this year for our anniversary special, and the fact that we got a, a Dungeons and Dragons movie that was fantastic that was fun it was i mean as much as i will love the fourth wall breaking of the people at, of the actors actually playing their characters above table the fact that we got a dungeons and dragons license anything and it was as good as it was to me is nothing short of a miracle and it's last sincere year, about it yes and it's in, it's sincere it's hilarious you can oh you can tell when like when someone rolls a nat one like in the when they're going to thembertrod's lair and uh, Justin Smith's character pushes triggers the trap, <laughs> and the and the the bridge falls, and the pal just goes, uh, or when they get a nat twenty and they get past the intellect of hours and they just walk by, it's like, well, that was a hurtful, and they just it's like, hi, you have no intelligence, we're just go, we're just go walk past. Well, what's really the funny, love- what's really interesting about Dungeons and Dragons on Among Thieves <laughs> is not just it's sincere, it's it's never laughing at you for liking Dungeons and Dragons, it's laughing with right. you every, every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the best things about it is that it takes the jokes that D&D players will know. And you're absolutely right, Brandon. It laughs with you. It's like, look, this is a, like so many times have has a dungeon master. I know Dan has probably gone through this a lot with us. He's planned, he's planned something really epic into this really grand puzzle. And either myself or, or Grayson or even Aaron or Dan or Daniel just thinks of a different idea and we all go with that idea and we throw it off the rails uh 
I would like to get into why I think it should be in my honorable mentions, but I really think that what I have to say would have more impact if Jonathan were here. Jonathan he would nah. understand it a lot. <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan. Um, no, I really, I, I really like it. I think it's a ton of fun. I think it's really wonderful. Everything you guys have said, um, really importantly, what Brandon said that like it, it's it wants to have fun with you as a fan of the property, and that's just so special and important. And like the fact that such talented filmmakers made it really stands out there's so much practicality in some of the stuff that's going on they really thought about like i think about the mirror trick into the wagon oh yeah all the time and how they filmed it is like they they put so much work into making it special and uh Mm -hmm. and i really feel that and like while it might not be in my top 15 i'm really really glad that we got it this year and i really hope for for more good out of that yeah it wasn't it wasn't the huge success that i think paramount wanted it to be but chris pine has said like Hey man, there's still a chance for a sequel, and I'll definitely be there if they do it. So like, I hope I hope we can get another one because like they, they struck gold with that cast and, and the crew, the the game they that did. crew. I'd really I'd really love just a nice trilogy with the with those characters for sure. Yeah, I um, uh, I definitely it didn't make either my honorable mention or my top fifteen, but that's not because I didn't like it. It's just there were other things I wanted to shout out more. Or and I I it just it is a it is a really great movie, and I'm really and I'm glad we got it. Also, nothing to sneeze at. One of my favorite Michelle Rodriguez performances in years. Yeah. Years. Yes. 100%. I loved her as the barbarian role in this movie. Um, even Chris Pine as the bard. But he's yeah, not he's really a bard. Good. But he's he, yeah, Chris good. Pine. Even like Justin Smith, uh, Hugh Grant as like the, the conniving villain. It was really great. And even the story where you think it's going to go one way, it goes a completely different route. It's really heartfelt. And it's a... The story itself is fantastic, but also the practical effects, the mm-hmm. practical dragonborns, yeah, and uh, Jonathan even was practical. It was it's amazing, it's absolutely so it's so good. That lady, that lady, <laughs> Jonathan, like that that scene, that little second plays in my head like at least once a week. Yeah, I'm just like what it, a dumb. I it lives it. red free in your brain, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just glad that D- thanks to Stranger Things of how D and D like. I feel like there's a lot of this D and D Renaissance helped because it started because of Stranger Things. It helped, yeah. Like they kind of. Well, what's interesting of... about that? What's really interesting about that? I've been thinking about that a lot because you're not. You're you're right. It did start with Stranger Things, but Stranger Things has a really, in hindsight, more cynical look at Dungeons and Dragons than uh, than I think it intended to, mm-hmm. um, because it frames it frames them as the outcast nerds. Uh, the, so the outcast nerds play Dungeons and Dragons, and look how and look what can come from it. It's not a bad interpretation of it, but it is interesting to look at in hindsight of like, oh yeah, this is this was instrumental, but also it's actually not a great look at this property. Yeah, when you think about well, it, like because it has to be beholden to the period. Yeah, the age. and yeah. like and like, what was it like for the? That's what it was like. That's just the, that is. They're like, Satan worshippers. Like we're we're so we're so fortunate uh, to have use in this generation where everybody's kind of accepting like being a fan of things where mm-hmm. when we were kids even and then going back to the 80s for sure like it was not as accepting um no like yeah it, like if for real if people like joe manginello are loud and proud and have a literal dungeon in their basement to play dungeons and dragons it's we've it's it's great to me it's fantastic i'm just glad yeah. that we're getting D and D things that are fun, that are good, that are well made. People are enjoying them. Um, people, like you got stuff like Dimension Twenty, where they're doing a lot of D and D stuff. Critical Role is still going strong, and yeah, 
what a what a time to be a D&D fan. And of course, you got my own podcast, Dean Dark. You can listen to that right now. And you should, because it's good. Um, Yay. Brandon? 10? Yep. Star Trek Lower Decks Season 4. Whoop, whoop. Nice. Whoop, whoop. Uh, Star Trek Lower Decks uh, had its strongest season yet this year. <clears throat> um, it was uh, something truly special. Um, and I'm going to say why in broad strokes. Um, one of the things that animated shows like to do uh, is keep the status quo for as long as they can. Because uh, you, you have that opportunity. Your voice, your, these actors don't need to, you don't need to worry about actors aging out of roles. You could just keep them on or even recast them if they don't want, if they don't want to do it. Gumball, you know, uh, very similarly, like kept changing their actors, I think three times uh, because the actors kept changing uh, because the actors kept growing out of the role. But Star Trek Lower Decks did something that floored me this season. In the first episode, they all got promotions. Mm-hmm. It is a show about the Lower Decks. It is about the, about four ensigns who uh, go on wacky, kooky Star Trek adventures. And the first thing they do in this in this season is get promoted to lieutenant. Hell yeah! And they and they kind of have this moment where they're like, "So we're not Lower Deckers anymore." And there's even a scene in the end of the in the end of the the second episode, maybe the first episode, where they say goodbye to their bunks which is the set piece that they've had forever and it was like literally saying goodbye to a set piece on a show even though it's an animated show you could go back to that set piece at any time you want um but they but they had have a moment lingering on the set piece like no this is for real this is changing uh this is growth these characters are moving on um and it and then it deals with uh how each character deals with that and in a way and what really well uh tawny um Tony Newsom, who you guys you guys met as Mariner in Star Trek: uh, Strange New Worlds, her arc this season was really interesting because she has this moment where she really she is a fr- oh god okay okay hey okay I'm sorry I'm getting really into this um, she has this moment where she keeps trying to sabotage this she's always she's gotten a promotion before she used to be a commander and she was promo- demoted down to lieutenant uh, down to lieutenant then to ensign she doesn't want to be promoted. Uh, she wants to stay an ensign forever, and then she's stranded on a planet with a Klingon, uh, and then and and the Klingons kind of fed up with her, being like, "Oh, the blah blah, blah nobody likes me. I'm a I'm a rebellious teen. I'm a rebellious uh, Starfleet officer." Blah blah blah, and then kind of has fed up. Why? And she has this moment where the show does something that floored me again, and it looped back to the Star Trek: The Next Generation episode Lower Decks, mm. uh, which the show gets its name from. And the Star Trek, because in that episode, there is a Bajoran woman who goes on a who goes on a dangerous mission undercover. She's an ensign. She goes on a dangerous undercover mission and she dies. And it is a character that we have known, that we met and has friends. And then we learn that Mariner was her friend, too. Hmm. And she is and she says, I had this friend who embodied everything that Starfleet was. And she died on a covert mission. And I never want to become the general that has to send their friends to die. I want to be the person who sent. And this person didn't sign up to be a soldier. She didn't sign up to be a special agent. She signed up to explore, to explore the stars. That's all I want to do. And if I get promoted, I have to make the decisions that set up wars. She's a character who lived through the Dominion War. That repercussion, and then she's sitting there going like having this heart to heart moment. Where, and I'm just sitting there going like, "This is a fucking animated show. This is the Rick and Morty Star Trek show that just said to me, uh, that just said to me this character that has just what the fuck happened? 
And I was kind of sitting there going to like sitting there with that moment. And like one of the things that that modern Star Trek really, really messes with me is it is it tries to be too militaristic. Um, and that comes from Deep Space Nine. That comes accidentally from Deep Space Nine because of the Dominion War being such a moment in that show, being like five seasons of that show. And Mariner comes in and does the thing that I've been doing. This isn't a military. Starfleet's not a military. They're an exploratory force. They're out there as scientists. These people were never meant to be at war. They've got, sure, they've got weapons, but that's for defense only. And so what happens when Starfleet has become too militaristic? What does that do to the people coming up in Starfleet now? The ensigns now who are coming up in a militaristic Starfleet, what does that do? And what does it do to, to the people who came up who were ensigns during the war? Who, who, who came into the Academy to be like, I want to go explore. I want to be on a science vessel and explore. And then you're in a war. And what does that do to you? And this all came from the fucking animated show. Love it. Yeah. And I, I just couldn't believe it. And on top of that, they introduce a character named Nick Lacarno, who was in one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation as the main villain to bring Mariner's arc full circle. Not just as a cash grab cameo, look how cool this character is, but to bring Mariner's arc full circle, to have her accept that I can be better, I can... I can change the system or i can be or i can actually accept that this is what's happening um i just i really really liked it i Hell really yeah, liked awesome. it this season that's not awesome that's fantastic that's my number I, I i having only watched a single episode of lower decks i can see the quality of the show and like hearing about it it's it's one of those things where it's like i see this is really special and it's one of those reasons why it's like the only reason i'm not watching that show is because i feel like i need the appreciation of broader star trek for exactly what you just yeah. laid out where i'm like i just don't have that and like yeah i i it's not that i wouldn't like the show i just i wouldn't appreciate what the show's doing as much and i want to fully appreciate what the show's doing mm -hmm. so it means uh, it means a lot to me that i said all that word vomit and you guys said that sounds awesome so thank you for that yeah yeah of course um all right that's well, well earned spot it sounds like absolutely yeah. my number nine john wick chapter four all right so mm -hmm. i after John Wick 3, Parabellum, which is a weird, why did they name it that movie? Yeah. Um, I was a little worried about them making a part four because like, I really like chapter three, but like it stumbles a little bit as opposed to the first two movies, which are basically perfect in my opinion. And then I saw it was a three hour long movie. I'm like, holy shit, I don't know if, can this work? And not only does it work, uh, it is, I think it has, it might not be like the best movie. I still think John Wick chapter two is like a perfect movie, but Chapter four has the best action, not just of the series. It has the best, it, it's, the, it's the best action movie of the last couple of years, in my opinion. There is a set piece every couple minutes, and every one is better than the last. I still, anytime it's retweeted on Twitter, that overhead shot with, yeah, the, yeah. with the dragon fire gun, yeah. it's the, and it's, that's a practical, that's not, C, I mean, just CG stuff, but like, that's an actual shot that they did. I like, I thought it was going to be all CG, and I'm like, no, nah, man, they did that shit. People are on fire in that, in that scene. It is so magical. Yeah. And it is such a beautiful way to, to end the series if they were to end it, but they're not. God like, willing. God willing. But like that is a perfect end to the John Wick legacy. Can't make Keanu Reeves come back. Exactly. And the only <laughs> way they do it is if they do the idea of like he's in hell, but they'll never be that fantastical with it. Yeah. But uh every set I don't know. Gladiator 2 sounds wild. <sighs> it's not it's not that old <laughs> I know, script I know, I know. where like he fights Jesus and shit. Which, <laughs> I only I god, I wish. But like 
It has a great villain. It has great side characters. Donnie Yen being like, like, like this is the second time he's played like a blind swordsman guy, but like, I think he's infinitely cooler in this because he has like much more of like a personality and he still gets to do his it man shit. He does like an uppercut punch. That's like his signature. Like I'm finishing this fight uppercut. It's the sickest shit. Like I think about that movie and the only reason I haven't rewatched it because again, it's three hours long. Like that's a, that's a long ass movie. It's an investment. But like I've watched, I've rewatched on YouTube four minute scenes, eight minute scenes because I think it is the best action movie of the last couple of years. Uh, I cannot believe there was so much action in that movie. And it's also a good movie. Like it's not just about the set pieces. Like it is about John's journey. This, yeah. Uh, I'll say because John McTrack reported my number 15. Yeah. Um, as I said earlier, like uh, it, this, it, because it's the number 15 spot, you know what happened is that John Wick had been there and like there were things in the honorable mentions of what I said that were constantly like trying to put their way in the top 15. Yeah. And like John Wick going up those stairs, he was just like, no, let me remind you, I'm John Wick. And I was <laughs> like, you know what? You're right. Like no, that... John, Wick, John Wick chapter four truly is like and i hope it is the end of john wick's story because I, it can't be better like yeah. it's so well done it's such an incredible film it's such an incredible ending to the series um to his story it, the action's exceptional i i love it i think i i came into it a little low because i didn't really vibe with chapter three as much mm -hmm. uh outside of like select things but like chapter four really sings to me uh, and I kept going back to it and I'm like, no, it's gotta, it's gotta be, it's gotta be John Wick chapter four. It's gotta be in here. It's, it's so, so good. And so well-made that stair fight when he just is consistently falling and you think it's done and he's only halfway done still falling. I'm like, this is now we're just in straight, like Looney Tunes comedy, what we're doing here. <laughs> uh, it, it is such it's so good. And the music, it's probably the best music of all four movies, too. Uh, there's so many, there's a great, anytime there's a rave fight scene, which is not the first time it's happened in a John Wick movie, I lose it. And there's a great, great fight scene in a rave club when people are just dancing around him, getting his ass kicked by that big guy. Yep. Uh, love it. Just uh, uh, exceptional stuff. There's the ballerina spinoff movie coming out, which is a side piece. So I'm not, I'm not as worried about that one just being a fun action movie. But like, they're saying, yeah, John Wick 5 is going to be in development. I'm like, but do we need it? We did it. This is it. We did it. John Wick, chapter four. Yeah, I agree. Uh, going on to my number nine. Uh, brr, sorry. That is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Oh, that's my higher. number nine. Higher, Ben. Nice. Higher. Okay. Well, can you go. take? That's my number nine also. All right. Well, Ben, go ahead. Uh, my number nine is Metroid Prime Remaster. Nice. Sure. Because that came out this year, and it is an amazing remaster. It is what a remaster? I I won't talk much about the game because it's an older game, but the fact that Nintendo and uh, Retro Studios took the time, it's like, all right, we have the old control scheme, but let's modernize it. They did what they and let's not just do a coat of paint. Let's not just up the graphics, make it look prettier. They is like, here's the controllers that um a lot of gamers know nowadays, like the the tools the the F for FPS, the, the twin sticks. But if you want to go back to your original controls, you can. There's if you want to do motion controls with the two Joy Cons, you can. It's options for how you want to play it, and they keep a lot of the main core of the game. Like you, hey, scan to get the stories. You scan a bunch of things to get the lore, but also the action is just fun. The fight the the game is fantastic and it is just, and the fact that they're like, yeah, we're going to drop this just surprise, not just digital physical as well. 40 bucks. It's not super expensive. It was to me, it was a good move by Nintendo. No, sure. they haven't made a lot of good moves, but this was a good move. And also it brought a game that has been praised to high heaven since the GameCube 
to modern consoles like people like me who never had a GameCube and never got to play it can play it. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. I just I, I don't want to like a talk about this, Ben. I just want a yes or a no. Do you think we get any news about Prime 4 this year? Yes. Prime 4? Metroid Prime Metroid, yeah, 4. Yeah. I say they, yes. They announced it five years ago, so like they, they say it's in development. No, I don't think so. Okay. All right. So my number nine is Guardians of the Galaxy. So Ryan, you go again for number eight. Uh, that's our first like in sync number. Like yeah, thing, right. Yeah, yeah. Fist yeah. bump. I love yeah. it. <laughs> more of a Backstreet Boys kind of. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, ben, this is gonna probably hurt you because I know it's higher. But my number eight is Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, higher, higher. Right? of course. Oh well, yes. Yeah. Right. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting. Take Sparks a guess of what that one is at. Jesus. Uh. My number eight is Oppenheimer. Higher. Oh, higher. I expected. Yep. Yeah. Uh, all right, then eight. Uh, my number eight is Monarch Legacy of Monsters. Finally, yay! Now, 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 now. That's my that's my number twelve. Let's go, Ben. Yeah. So I have I freaking love Monarch Legacy of Monsters, guys. Holy oh, yeah. shit! Um, I. I, I keep saying it every time we talk about the show about how this show and another movie that came out, which we'll talk about, definitely be talking about later. Wink. It makes you care about the humans. And while Monarch is a show that is about these humans and Godzilla is in it, it's not a bad thing because you always feel like Godzilla or the other Titans are this monstrous force that are to be reckoned with and you have to be careful about, but that doesn't hinder the actual character growth how one character um be it kate she's like hey i don't want to do this thing at first and now she's all gung-ho about it and it's you find out about these people's lives and how godzilla impacted those lives because with the monster verse films we see how we get like some sort of broad sense of how godzilla impacted the world never the personal stories never the people who were there on g-day like the one of the first scenes we get is kate um on the bridge when godzilla busts through and the trauma of her losing the school bus full of children i want to amend it, i want to amend your statement real quickly uh, ben because king of the monsters makes it clear that millie bobby brown vera farmiga uh, what's the guy's name kyle chandler they were there at d-day also yeah kyle chandler okay kyle chandler thank you yeah they were there at d-day also that's why they, they lost their son and that's why vera farmiga's doing right, the right, whole right. thing like king of the monsters right. set up because of g-day right but yeah, you, I, you're, you're mostly right yeah, I forgot about that bit. But I, either way, Monarch's Legacy of Monsters is fantastic. And also, it's a great uh, period piece, too, going back to how Monarch was created, how these, how the government reacted, reacted to, like, there's a giant radioactive breathing lizard out there. What the shit? And there's uh, not, it's not just one. There's a lot of other ones, too. Yeah. I, it, the show yeah. is fantastic. It's it, it, it peacemaker does. We thought it was not going to be very good. Turns out it's one of the best shows of the year, and it's my, my number eight for a reason. Yeah, uh, it's your number 15, my number 12. Um, the, the only reason I can't put it any higher is because the last episode isn't out at the time of this recording. Yeah. And like, if it was, and if it's as good as the rest of it has been, it probably goes up. Yeah. Um, because I love it. Uh, I, I think the most succinct thing I can say about it is uh, something I brought up when we were talking about last time on, on episode seven and eight, which is that it's just that rare show where when I sit down to watch it, I truly have no idea what's going to happen. And I'm so surprised with where we're going and what we're unveiling and uh, the balance and the pacing between the past and the, and the 
2015 present uh, is so good and it's so well thought out and the characters are so strong and they're building towards the future of the MonsterVerse and they're adding in things that deepen my love for everything else that exists in it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's truly so special. And the thing that like I didn't expect them to do, and I won't like spoil it in case some people who are watching haven't seen it, but like they do tie into future movies mm-hmm. and they do tie into the MonsterVerse in more ways than I ever expected. Right. And that is like, again, they didn't need to do that, but it feels so organic. Yeah. And like, it is like right now, like, Something I wish, like, you know, like the MCU did more of, like, it actually feels like a tied universe that, like, that, like, merging TV and movies together. And, like, it's so, like, I wish, I hope it's too late now, but, like, I really want this show to impact how they think about and what they do with future MonsterVerse movies if they continue after the next one that comes out. Or, or, I was going to say next year, but it's this year. Um, it's so special. And, like, I really, like, I, I love these characters, past and future. Like, like it, it might be like, oh, this side's like a little bit more strong. I am equally invested in both sides because yeah. they're so intertwined together. Uh, and again, we get we get the Russells uh, uh, playing the same character. And that just, mm-hmm. they do multiple times of like, yo, he transitioned to this guy. We have a picture that overlays on the old person. Like, it's just like, it's magical. It's a magical show. And like episode nine, never thought we'd do that shit. Yeah. Never thought we'd do that shit. And we're, and we're doing it in a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, I'm not gonna say, but like, I accidentally saw a preview for the next episode. <laughs> I wish I didn't see it, but I'm but it's I'm glad to know it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. All right, it's gonna be a good one. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Uh, Brandon, it's not in your anything. No, I haven't I haven't caught up, so I don't know where it would have landed. Sure. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Uh, we are eight. Yes. Yes. Star Trek Picard season three. All right. Um, this is inter- interesting because actually, as I talked about Star Trek Lower Deck season four, I might have actually switched the two. Um, sure. But this is where I'm. This is where it landed. Uh, Star Trek Picard season three, I don't think nails its ending, but it it uh, because the the biggest fault I think it has is that it it decides to change its villain at the end of the season, um, but kind of make it like, oh, this was actually the big villain, and it was like, no, you just you just kind of were like, we don't know what to do with the changeling anymore. So Borg. Um, so you're, so I was like, okay, fine. We're doing the Borg again. Um, but, uh, that said, the, these episodes give the next generation cast probably their best, best performances ever. Um, especially coming from, um, Jonathan Frakes as Will Riker, who returns to the role after many years, who returns to acting after many years and delivers such an impactful performance that I didn't think he had it in him. Um, and he's able to will Riker is my favorite star trek character uh period i love that man to death um uh and and what the one of the reasons why i was excited for the show was not to kind of have this this ending for picard or the ending for the next generation characters but was to see riker in action again and i'm so grateful that he got such great material to work with arguably better than patrick stewart got um, just, just this wonderful material to work with. Um, I wish they had dived more into his family because he's got a daughter that's never mentioned um, in this in the show uh, in this season specifically. Uh, but I was glad to see him back. He gets to command the Titan. He gets to be Captain Will Riker. The 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 first like six episodes are truly some special Star Trek that I just I just dearly love. Um, 
we get some really cool stuff with uh, the changelings um, making kind of a secret invasion storyline, which uh, which I think works a lot of fun ways. It doesn't work in a lot of in a lot of ways because like there's this kind of like idea like with the changelings, you're like, oh, they can be anyone, but they don't really do anything with that. And you're like, OK, fine. That's not the story we're doing. Um, and they bring back data in a really cool in a really cool and unique way with Brent Spiner be old and not be and have to like not explain why. Um, uh, it, it it was truly special to kind of get to see the final, the final adventure with the next generation cast. The final, Jesus Christ. Um, the reason why I'm doing that for those of you who don't know, uh, Patrick Stewart is already talking about how he's re- how he's he knows that there is a script for a final Picard movie, and I'm like, nah, we did it. This is your third ending third ending we're done let it be uh we did it we did it three times you got all good all good things you had nemesis and now you had this you don't need a fourth one um go ahead sparks you were gonna say something i was gonna say just as a person who's not watching the show at all but as a person who who wants something to be good for people who love it Mm -hmm. it had been sad to watch (laughs) picard seasons one and two be such a bumpy ride for you um I'm very happy that season three landed mm-hmm. uh, like just an outside perspective. I'm just, I'm just really happy that, that you and other Star Trek fans have that. Yeah. It, it's, it, there's not a lot of like really juicy, like material. It's not as deep as I kind of would have liked it to have been, but it feels very organic. We see all these characters again, Michael Dorn is in top form as Worf comes back as white haired Worf with a sword. And it's really cool. I've um, seen, I've seen the look. It's good. It's a good look. It's a good look. Um, they all look great. Um, it, it, it's truly, uh, I, again, I, I, I wish I liked the ending more, but uh, what's really interesting about this is that the journey actually does trump the ending for me. Uh, the journey ends up being a far more impactful, even though the ending kind of, it, it's not a whiff. It just, it just doesn't land as, as well as it would have liked it to. Um, and I'm really bummed. The last thing I want to say is I'm really bummed that Star Trek Strange New Worlds didn't make this list. And the other two Star Trek sh- seasons that ended that that premiered this year did. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek Change the World season two, unfortunately, was a miss, and I get more and more frustrated with it as time goes by. Yeah, it, 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 that's rough, and I am sorry about that. I I try to I try to always remember that when we were talking at the finale, it's like there were more there were more thumbs up than thumbs middle or thumbs down, but like those thumbs down really hurt. Yeah, and then like thinking about like how they've completely disregarded Chapel's bisexuality. And and then uh, really, really fucked up her relationship with Spock, like legitimately Sparks. I'm actually mad at you about this because you asked you asked a specific question in the final episode is like, what did what did Spock do that Spock needs to apologize to Chapel for? And because like the whole thing is like, oh, I wish I could apologize to her. And you asked us because I never thought of it. And you were like, what did Spock do? And And we all kind of had a moment like fucking nothing what what and that just continuously makes me angry i'm sorry to have pointed out something that the show did (laughs) (laughs) i'm I'm sorry that's the reality and 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 it hurts me too like because because they were something so wonderful in the first season and yeah they they fumbled the ball nowhere harder than on those two yeah. uh in the second season and it yeah. really really blew um yeah for sure but i'm sorry 
outside of that, Star Trek Picard season three, my number eight. It's an awesome season. I really like the great send off to the next generation cast, and it's got to be a send off. All right. Until unfortunately, it's not. My number seven, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Mutant Mayhem. Ooh, higher bit. Yeah. Higher bit. Hell Ooh. yeah. Hold up. Hold up. I know it's on my list. Where is it? Da, 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 da. Oh, you're, hey, my number seven too. Hey. This bumps on that. Hey. It's higher. This, <laughs> this, so my top four were cemented, but like this one is the one that I kept moving around. But it's it's at number seven, which hey, nothing to sneeze at. Uh, yeah. But we'll we'll wait till we all talk about it. Uh, my number seven, I'm also sure I'm about to get stopped on is 20th Century Men. Oh yeah, higher. Yeah 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 oh, yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, so we know Ben's. Ben's is also Mute Mayhem at number seven. Uh, we'll get to it later. Brandon, number seven. I'm curious about this. Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Higher. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um, all, right. all right. So back to you, Ryan. Number six. Again, this is hard. <laughs> this was hard. The top four were cemented. The top four were cemented. So I know all of you have this higher, but my number six is Godzilla minus one. Yeah, higher. Yeah. Higher. Higher. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Uh, okay. My my number six is Scream Six. Yeah. Oh, ben, okay. Mine was cool. a, it, for, it was an honorable it was an honorable mention. Oh, for me. okay. Right. right. Yes. Mine's honorable mention. Yeah. 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 Excellent. Um, here's the thing. Scream Six. I love that franchise. Means a lot to me. Um, I love that movie. I think that movie's really really good. Mm -hmm. I really love a lot of the things they did. Um, even when it didn't work in the moments of certain things about what they were doing, they they found a way to like by the end have brought me fully around on it. Um, and I, I really just enjoy it. Scream 6 just really worked for me more than 5. This is a me personal thing. Like yeah, yeah. Five, 5 doesn't hit the same way. Uh, I, I think they did a really good job of like, I know Gail's in this, but this feels like a story for a new generation truly for the first time where Scream successfully was able to take the reins from Sydney and everything. Yeah. And uh, as Brandon kind of alluded to earlier about like how the recent stuff left a bad taste in his mouth about Scream 6, it, it, it kind of, it does a little bit of the inverse for me in the sense that like, now I'm looking at Scream 6 as the end, and I think it's a good end. Mm -hmm. Like, I think it's a, a strong end to yeah. the franchise. And, like, if it stops there, it stops there, but it felt good. Um, and I really enjoyed seeing it. I really enjoyed seeing it with you. I really enjoyed doing the franchise with you guys. Scream 6 popped for me. Yeah. It just it just really worked, and I'm really happy that that such a strong entry came out. And like, I think there was a lot of trepidation because even with Scream 5, again, we were still like kind of hanging on to like Dewey and Gale and Sydney. And I feel like this one, even though again, Gale's in it, stood on its own. And uh, God damn it, Kirby came back. Like, I'm oh, so yeah. happy with Scream 6, y'all. I just... Core 4, number 6. Can, can I can I, can I I tell you something that really pisses me off about, yeah, Scream, about the Scream franchise right now? Sure. Um, there is a Target exclusive six movie collection mm -hmm. that is only on DVD. Awful. Awful. What are we doing? Ooh. Because like there is there is no other six movie collection because of the rights issues. So Target was able to wrangle together a six a six movie collection exclusive to them. And it's only on DVD. So they've been uh, they've been releasing, they started with anniversary reasons and now they just are every year they are releasing a new 4K. Uh, and well done 4K to to their credit remaster of the Scream films, and they got all the way up to three this year in Steelbooks. But Scream 4 might not happen Jeez. and because of those rights things. And I'm like, I really hope they pull it off to get a 4K Scream 4 out there, Steelbook, do the same, so we catch up. And then Scream 5 and 6 already have their good 4K Steelbooks. Yeah. Like, we don't need to worry about it. Yeah. Scream 6 is on my honorable mentions. I I, I, love, I love it a lot. But uh, yeah, the Double Knife, uh, big win in my book. Uh, uh, but honestly, the change to New York 
uh, really helps that movie feel like it stands on its own. For sure. And the fact that like the core four, none of them die, which is like doesn't usually happen in these big slash movies where like we always lose somebody. The fact that like we don't we don't have to do that. We can have all our guys survive and still have it be impactful and meaningful. Uh, Even I think the one guy got like brutally stabbed yeah, to like, the point listen, where I'm like, bro. It's like a meme now. That, like the next, <laughs> if there was the next movie, Chad would be de- decapitated and he'd still be alive yeah, somehow. Yeah, yeah. Like uh-huh. that dude was just tough. Yeah. Uh, that's a built different. Yeah, but like to your point of like, if this is the ending, it's a really strong ending. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Uh, I wish I wish things didn't happen the way they happened because yeah. like I think they got they had a really good thing to end the trilogy on, but uh, it is what it is. Okay, mm-hmm. so Ryan's six was Godzilla six's scream. So Ben's your six. NJ. My number six is Super Mario Wonder. It's not even here. I really like it. It's just it's just not here. Yeah, I I had a feeling. Um, I put Super Mario up there because I've been playing with my fiance, and for a long time, Ryan, you might also remember this, but we were getting a lot of new Super Mario games, like New Super Mario Bros. Wii, New Super Mario Bros. U, but they didn't really add a whole lot of new to it. They just had new in the title. Yeah, yeah, they weren't. I mean, on the DS, it was cool, but after a while, it just kind of got stale. Wonder is truly the newest Super Mario game, not just the fact that it's the newest to come out, but they do stuff in each level that is different and keeps you on your toes, and it's just so much fun. Uh, The new art style is gorgeous. The voices for Mario, Luigi, and everyone, while it's not Charles Martinet anymore, still nail it. It's like, if you didn't tell me that it wasn't Charles Martinet, I thought it would have been. Yeah, sure. and also just the gameplay and also what the game does to add to it, like the badges is like, hey, here are different ways to traverse the level. Or it gives you another excuse to go through a level with a different badge. It's like, hey, there was a place where it was really hard. I couldn't jump with this different badge that gives me a double jump or a vertical wall jump before I do the back and forth one. I could reach that area. And, oh, look, there's the thing I need to find. I think they did really amazing things with the gameplay. And it's just so much fun. And also the piranha, the piranha plants on parade just lives rent free in my brain. Oh yeah, that first. I wish it didn't. I wish it wasn't so early in the game because I, I'm not gonna say it doesn't get better than that, but it is like one of the strongest things of like it turns into a musical all of a sudden. Uh, it's uh-huh. lovely. Um, there's never been a Mario game that has more variety than this game, and sometimes almost to its detriment because sometimes the levels are incredibly short, which is fine mm-hmm. because there's a lot of levels to choose from. Like it's not like it's like a short game by any means, but. Uh, you're right with the badges and the variety of types of levels. Um, and I love that little flower guy who's always talking to me. He's like, "Hey guys, how are you doing?" Like, "Oh, we're here." Like, there's just a, there's just a little flower man always yapping Don't some. Leave me. Yeah, so just yapping some nonsense to you, and it's really fun. Yeah. It's 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 got a lot of variety. We we with uh, along with my wife and sister in law have played through four of the world so far, so we're really enjoying it. I think it's a lot of fun. It's a great multiplayer experience. The multiplayer is chaotic oh, as, yeah. as, as hell, man. Yeah. like we are dying. We're all ghosting. Like yeah, it's the, the, the couch <laughs> multiplayer is is a really good time. Yeah, it's a it's a really fun game uh I, I, i'm happy for you that it makes your top 15 absolutely yeah yeah brandon number six oppenheimer higher cool cool all right number five number five this is this is the one that i only i watched so I, uh it's succession succession is an hbo show uh that ended uh it, it ended its run you know it wasn't canceled it had like a five season run and then it's done uh i I don't personally vibe with shows that are just about rich white people because it's just not my jam. 
unless really terrible things are happening to them. That's why the fall of the House of Usher I love and Succession because this is about like really really rich people. It's about like basically this this like Disney Fox type company. They're they're a media conglomerate and how they scoop up other companies and lay off people. But it's about their inner turmoil and it's about Succession. Like who's going to run this company at the end of the day? And what's so special about this final season is Brian Cox, who is like the lead guy. He's the dad who runs everything. He suddenly just dies. And what is so special about this season of the show is that generally when characters die in shows, they make a big deal out of it. Like it's built up to, and that's not how life works. It's like the most realistic look at when someone dies and how it affects people that I've ever seen, because like it just randomly happens in the middle of an episode and all the kids are not with him to find out. They just get a phone call and it's how they actually deal with it and the ramifications. And once, once the sadness starts to give away and once the succession part of the show comes back, who will run this billion dollar company? It's the juiciest show of the year. Uh, it is the most sharply written show of the year. And like the things that these people do to each other who are like uh, a father or like brother and sister, wife and husband, cousins, all this stuff, like it's despicable. It is despicable what they will do to to uh, gain this legacy that none of them earned. The only real good businessman in the show was the father, Brian Cox, and he dies. Everyone else is a dipshit. But like they're all the family, so they all inherit it. And like, how do they deal with it? It has such an incredible cast. Alexander Skarsgård comes on as a supporting character for these last few seasons, and he kills it. He's so good in it as like a wacky Norwegian businessman. Uh, it is like the juiciest, and like the fights that these people have. It's like. It is so juicy and it is, they cut so to the core. It's like the meanest things anyone has ever said to each other. And this is like people who grew up together, people who are married to each other. And it's like, how can you say this to someone? It's like, oh, because $50 billion is on the line. Uh, it's so magical. Uh, and the fact that they got, again, like the show ended on its own terms. The season finale is so good. Oh my God. It is so juicy. I love saying the word juicy because like you feel it with like after a conversation ends, you're like, oh my God, I cannot believe this just happened. Uh, and it's it's like it's won so many awards for so many reasons. Uh, but like the character work on the show, like just when you think people are about to grow, they see that money tree and they regress even harder. Um, and I just love it. It's so well acted. Uh, God, uh, uh, just uh, some of my favorite characters of all time are in the show. Uh, and they're like businessmen who like, honestly, like I don't give a shit about businessmen 90% of the time. But like I care about these guys because like, man, they know how to cut to the core. Uh, the best written show of the year, in my opinion. <clears throat> Succession. Right. Number five, Sparks? Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Hell yeah. There we go. Uh, yeah, I, I I didn't even finish it, and it's here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the thing is that, like, I don't need to to know, like, this is this is where it belongs. Um, this is especially coming from... Ooh, don't watch the season two trailer. Spoilers no, I haven't. Uh, I, I, coming from Disney TV animation, which they, they have their moments uh, of strong things for sure. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to, to put that down, but like this is far and away so intricately creative uh, from the voices of the people creating the show. This is such a uh, uh, out and out black show, but it, but like in a way where it just wants you to be able to engage with it. It's not trying to shut out another audience, but it is trying to say like, this is very much like black representational. Like this is this is you know literally doing an episode about uh, how she needs to take care of her hair mm -hmm. and how that's different from other girls of different ethnicities. And like it's so special. And then to be doing that with such a uh, the the Marvel take and 
Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur and introducing them and, and the way they go about it. And it, it made me engage with the comics. It made me read more of her comics because I love her so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I love her, frankly, even more in the show than I do in the comics because the, the personality of Lunella is so special yeah. in this show. And she's so well-crafted. Um, the animation is stunning. It's gorgeous. I love looking at it. I love looking at the environments, the way they visualize her expressions in her goggles, uh, the music. The music. Oh God, so good. music every episode gets a song moment which totally changes the style of how it looks as we do it it's it's incredible it's Lawrence Fishburne as the Beyonder narrating the show and like I, guys Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur are special it, it just is. is it's special and I'm so happy it exists I I'm I'm oh. I wanted to jump on to do an animation station with you guys so I finished it yeah. um so i so i so i started it because i was like oh well they're saying it's really good so and my god am i so glad i did because like um it's an incredibly special animated show as you've already said it's beautiful um i love the uh i love the music literally every episode has a song that i've listened to on repeat yeah um i think they're all great i think all the cat her entire cast of, of friends and family are well-rounded and well interest and really interesting the city feels lived in and fun i love all the all the villains i am not as familiar with the marvel universe as ryan is but uh i assume that there's at least a few original villains in the show um yeah. it's, it's a mix of both yeah yeah, and they're all really fun. All the villains are fun and realized really well, and the original ones are really great. And um, they're they all feel every villain feels like a major threat to Lunella. There, in my opinion, there was not a throwaway episode in the bunch of the first mm-hmm. season. Um, it was just truly a special show that I'm so happy exists. It's a great show all around. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would still love to revisit for an animation station just the back half of that yeah. season because like. It, it, the show's special. It just is. Uh, and and one of my favorite things about, to, to your point, Brandon, of what you're saying about, like, the wider comic universe, while there are references to, like, Marvel things and, and like, some things that you should know and some things that maybe are deeper cuts, I in no way feel like it's relying on yeah, yeah. the Marvel yeah. brand or, like, using it as a backbone of, like, better, better like, have an appearance of Iron Man in the background or something Absolutely. or, like, put a poster up so that people who are more... Uh, mainstream marvel familiar feel like they're connected to the show and like it doesn't rely on that it doesn't feel like it needs to and it makes the show all the more uh, did you guys see the brain swap episode yeah 100 percent. yeah incredible episode holy shit amazing i think the last episode he watched was the click episode where she's skipping time yeah 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 Uh, no after that one we watched the one where um uh, Casey, her best friend. Oh, over right. When she fake, bre- fake breaks her leg. Yeah. yeah. Every episode is great. And it's one of those great like kitchens where every episode has like a message yeah. and every message is like beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It's a very lovely show. I yeah. love it. Really great. All right, Ben, wake up. It's your number five. <laughs> <laughs> My number five is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Here All it right. is. Are we All here? Right. Are we here? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> I freaking love this movie this to me was the best it was the best marvel movie to come out in the year it was a great send-off of james gunn directing the guardians it was a guardians film that emphasized the family motive even more about accepting about letting go about reaching out to loved ones past it was 
so freaking good and just so freaking emotional. I never thought I would be emotional about a walrus named Teefs. Teefs. Never thought about that in my entire life. But here I am because Ooh, yeah. that poor Thanks man, for reminding that me. poor wolf. I know it, it hurts. Um, this was just a, it was a well-directed, well-written, fantastic Marvel film. And it, <clears throat> it dealt with the, I felt like it dealt, it, it dealt with the events of Endgame well, but not only did it deal with the uh, with the events, it also gave us an ending that I didn't see coming. I thought Peter was going to try and woo Gamora, and we were like, "All right, we're going, we're doing this song and dance again." But the fact that Gamora said no and Peter himself accepted that, to me, it was like this is something you don't normally see in Marvel films, or in you don't. When you when the guy gets the girl and the girl loses her memory, he's gonna do everything he can to get that memory back. But with him saying, "No, you're right. It's better. We 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 were great, but it's time to let go and move on." And he goes back home and he sees his grandfather again after yeah. 20, 30 some odd years. It's uh, if I if I can, uh, I'll jump in. Um, Brandon and I's number nine. I said number eight, but I meant number nine. Um, I, for me, one of the things about it is that. It's one of those endings to a trilogy. Um, obviously, like in Fate War and Endgame, factor in, um, and the holiday special as well. But like looking at just James Gunn's movies, it's that ending to a trilogy where it really satisfyingly closes the book on these a lot of these characters, and mm -hmm. it makes I think even the the previous ones who are which are already great in my opinion, fantastic films, uh, even better for the whole journey. Because you know, like going back and, and having it all and having like the information on Rocket, having uh, knowing the growth of where we're heading, like I think it only improves the whole thing collectively. And it's so rare to get this in the superhero space. It's so rare to get this in the MCU space. And more importantly, I think than any of that is that it's so rare to get a goodbye film that it's no question like going into it and even throughout the film it's playing with the idea that a character is going to die yeah and mm -hmm. like you think it could be rocket there's certain moments where you think it might be drax or uh peter mm -hmm. or um uh karen gillen's character whose name is nebula, nebula. um it, that's how you feel is that like any of them could go and it says we don't need to kill someone to say goodbye yeah like we don't need to kill someone to have a goodbye story, and like a, a let's let's cherish what we had and and embrace the sad and the happiness of it ending, uh, and I think that's rare and special because it's cheap, right? And I'm not saying like any film that does it or or anything like that that they're not good, but it is the easy way to get the emotional. We're doing a goodbye yeah. is to kill a character, and right. because James Gunn steers so actively away from it, I think it's all the better for it. Mm -hmm. um yeah and that's that's it's just i think it's really great so it's my number nine but i actually think i might have been it might be lower it's my number nine because it's um because i don't have a chance to rewatch it i'm just kind of like thinking like oh i did really like it and i'm not really too sure where it would where it land so i think i'm thinking it's number nine but i actually have grown to not like uh the the i here's the thing I gotta be careful with this because there's actually nothing of this movie that I don't like, but I do think it's hurt by its connection to Endgame, um, and in a way that I've come to kind of like not dislike because I actually think James Gunn does something really interesting with it and things, but like in a way that feels like we were robbed 
of a cert of an element set up in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Sure. From from uh f- by two directors who uh who made a decision and saddled James Gunn with this decision. Whether or not that's true or not, that's how it kind of feels. Yeah. Um, and I and so that that hurts the film for me. Um, but as I've said many times, Rocket is my favorite character in the Guardians films. Um, I think he, he he's really well he's really well written all throughout the films that he's in. Um, and I was really happy to kind of get that story. Um, and it's beautiful. It's once again showcasing some great uh some great visual language and and how how James Gunn uh, focuses on on the kind of cosmic side of the MCU. Um, it's a, it's truly a great movie. You were trying to say something though, Sparks. What were you going to say? To your point and kind of to Ben's as well is that um, I think James Gunn makes the best decisions possible with the hand he's dealt for the film. Yes. Like, uh, do I think like his ideal I'm left alone for my trilogy of Guardians films has Gamora dead in between volumes two and three? No, I don't. Um, yeah. But but to the credit, I think it was a better, he makes a good, strong, better choice. And I think Peter's character is made more interesting and better in the best possible circumstance of what we have now mm-hmm. for not forcing Peter and Gamora to just like get yeah, back together sure. and like put them back on the track, but instead be like, you know, like we, we constantly talk about people who don't yes and well and james yeah. gunn yes ands well here yeah yeah you know i agree with that. like that decision it wasn't a decision i think he wanted but he says okay well yes and here's the direction we go in now because i'm not going to just like force the movie back to the trail of where i was yeah no and i agree with that wholeheartedly um it's not it's not my favorite of the trilogy um i think that that uh, that falls to two now um but yeah, two's uh, my favorite. Yeah, two's my favorite. Yes! <laughs> I'm so happy just because you were so not in that place before. And I'm so glad you've come back around. It's a, it, I, a big I, win for me. I want to be clear. I've always liked two. I like all three of them. I like all three Guardians films. I like They're every Guardians great. film. They're all great. They're all great. Uh, but one was always my favorite. And now kind of looking back on it, like post my dad's death, I think two kind of like really just like, nah, this one really hits now. Yeah. Um, but th- three is still a very good movie. Obviously, it is in my top fifteen, so I loved it. Uh, still, I just the reason why it's not higher for me is because of that qualm. For sure. Thank um, you, Ben. Right. Well earned. Well earned. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy three spot. I know it's in your honorable mention, so yeah. you still yeah, like, I, it still resonate with you. Just I, everything on my list is a yeah. nine or ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brandon. And number five. 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 Yep. Five. Willow. Oh, I forgot that came up this year. Um, yeah um this is willow has only kind of grown in my estimation uh throughout the time it's exactly the kind of fantasy show i really wanted um it it i love the i love the production design i love the scripting of it i love the humor of it i love the characters i love the actors i love the actors i love the actors so very 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 much um uh my bisexual king borman um i love that man um i continue to be way more devastated than anybody should be allowed to be frankly i acknowledge it's ridiculous how devastated i am that this show is no longer available and has been erased from existence i I do get i do i I just want to say like like i didn't finish the show but like i do get mad about that like i i was going on and i was looking at, at stuff and like i scrolled down and it was like willow the movie and and was there on disney plus and i'm like willow and then that's all that's there and i'm like this yeah. is so stupid like yeah 
it just came out. What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, the, the last half of the season aired, aired in January and by March, it was gone, gone forever. Yeah. Um, makes no sense. Zero and, sense. And I'm still to this day pissed and I will continue to be, to be pissed off because I watch clips of that show that are still online. Uh, people have been able to, to put up what they can. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's it's on the seas if you know what oh I mean. sure you know i yeah. know i know but like we're not getting a second season they yeah. they wanted three seasons of the show and instead of and instead of just canceling it they erased it like yeah it's, it's super shitty like how do you how do you set up like setting up a second season or even three seasons is not new for tv shows but you know the the normal thing is to be like you know what we set up we set up the second season hey if you watch it we get we we, we might get it in the streaming era people come to things late because there's so much content out there so people yeah. come to things late so uh you kind of hope that like oh the word of mouth will start to pick up and then but no there is not a chance it wasn't canceled it was fucking erased yeah and that's way that's that's devastatingly hurtful it doesn't because, make like it's it it's incredibly sapphic, which I love. I love gay stories. I love queer stories, and, and especially sapphic stories. And it's it, from the from the get, it's a sapphic story about the two main characters. Um, Willa, the the introduction of, of of Warwick Davis as Willow coming back, he's great in it. Um, the the visual link, the, the the imagination on display of, of the series, where the series was thinking about going in its second season, what had me really pumped. Um, I. I miss that show so much. Yeah, I'm. I'm really sorry that that's for you. Yeah, and I'm. I'm also deeply disappointed and angry that this is how they treated a show of that caliber. Like, it it had less life than even the others that have been snuffed out yeah. uh, from streaming services. Like, it had the most minuscule window to try and find an audience. And yeah, it's just not fair. Um, yeah. and frankly, I'm surprised that like heads at Lucasfilm just kind of rolled over and allowed it to happen. Me too. Um, and didn't like stomp their feet and say like, wow, this is not okay. And especially because like, it is a queer show. So like Mighty Ducks Game Changers, you know, we lost that one also. That's not a big, that's not as big of a loss because it got two seasons. They're good. But then it was a race. Okay, fuck that. But then also like, but, but queer representation is really important and to not just cancel a queer TV show, but to erase it, uh, is, is frankly evil it's evil yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's frankly disney was evil for doing it and i mean I, like and I, and I i agree with you on that point i think just erasing art in general is wrong yeah like just just in general like it, it, you want to you want to take it off disney plus find whatever don't pay this put it put it up on manufacturer on blu-ray like what yeah. are you doing put it out there like let the artists have their art what it, makes no sense anyway uh yeah that's my number uh, five I, I also want to point out, I did my ooh, because in your predictions, it was in number three. Yeah. And I'm surprised it went down only because I'm like, I'm super curious what your top four are. I'm yeah. so excited. Oh, yeah. Also, yeah. Uh, to bring up something that happened on Willow, uh, the great actor, Ralph Innocent. I don't know who he plays on the show, but Ben, he's he's uh, he's Sid in Final Fantasy 16. He's got the great gravity voice. He got oh. devastatingly injured on Willow. And he can't act. He can't do stunts anymore because he was so injured and he's suing Disney for it. So yeah. uh, oh. not only, uh, so I hope he gets his money because Disney not only hurt him, but canceled the show. <laughs> oh, he's so good in it too. Um, he he plays, he plays uh, uh, the king, one of the head of King's Guard, I forgot his name, um, who like protects, um, who's that like guy? this protector. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, hold on. He can't back. act anymore? Well, he can act, but he can't do stunts. No, nah, fuck that. That's yeah, yeah, so yeah. upsetting. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, he got and really he, hurt. And he's really good in the show. And there's like, this really whole thing where, where he gets like possessed and it's it's so tragic. And yeah, that sucked. Uh, Disney. Evil. Get that money. Get that money, Ralph. All right. All right. Four. four. All right. My top four. It's my favorite, uh, my favorite movie, TV show, game, and comic of the year. Number four is Oppenheimer. Uh, I thought long and hard what my favorite movie of the year was. And I was like, what movie do I think about more than anyone? And it's Oppenheimer. Um, I do think it's Christopher Nolan's best movie that he's made. I think it is like, I think it is him, like after everything he's learned, working on big movies, small movies, like this is the perfect perfect encapsulation of like what the movie he can make at his best and it's this movie like it's it is it is a quote-unquote smaller movie but it feels so big in scope because of what we're dealing with like the real the real tragedies and the real outcomes of something that happened in world war ii and beyond that and the fact that the movie is two hours long and we still have an hour of a trial and i'm still just as enraptured with people just talking in a courtroom going back and forth uh it's incredible and the different perspectives of like being black and white or color it's so good. It's the best Robert Downey Jr. performance in a long, long time. And, you know, I'm the Iron Man guy, but like, that's what he's been doing mostly is doing a lot of Iron Man. He's slowly coming back to doing acting shit. And he is so good. Like he's going to get nominated for an award for this movie. Um, it is, it's not a horror movie, but it's like the most haunting movie of the year. Because again, like this is real, real world shit. And the way, again, I, I talked about it before on the podcast, but like that scene after, after the bomb drops and he's talking to those people in the auditorium and the stomping and it turns into screams and like seeing burned people. Like it's, it is like chilling. It is chilling. And, and Killian Murphy, which I now learned it's pronounced Killian. Uh, Irish pronunciations are crazy. Uh, Killian Murphy is also incredible in it. And the fact that like, he plays like young T like like 20-year-old Oppenheimer and then 60-year-old Oppenheimer, and they didn't do something shitty where like DH him or get a different actor. Just except that he looks like this, but he just has shorter hair. It's fine. Um it's an it's it's a revelation of a movie. There's this is the most stacked cast of any movie of the year. And even the smallest, tiniest of actors, like someone like Casey Affleck, who has like five minutes of screen time, can leave an imprint, is like astonishing. Uh it's it's the movie I thought of the most of the year. Uh it it's so good. It's so it's so real. Uh, I just I love it. I love it. I love it. So it's my number six. Um, I really uh, agree with a lot of what Ryan is saying. It is that is is devastatingly haunting. Um, even when I was watching it, I was kind of like sitting there going like, "Oh my god!" Like I I had my mouth agape through many of the scenes in the film. Um, Ludwig Ransen, uh Ludwig Granson, uh, I believe the score for this one, not Hans Zimmer. Um, yeah, yeah. And he's delivering an incredible score. Uh, probably the best score i think the best score of the year yeah Yeah. oh yeah yeah um i i think it i think it's truly incredible um every actor is incredible in it um nolan i don't know if i'm ready to say it's his best movie or if it's my favorite movie but i think i am there's yeah. a kind of this there's kind of this hesitance that I have of like, well, I really like the prestige. The prestige is a really great movie. That's my favorite Nolan film. But there's been this hesitation with Oppenheimer that I was like, oh yeah, it's really good, but I don't think it's gonna be in my top 15. And I so after and but after watching it, I've not stopped thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. it's it sat with me. Yeah. It's it, <laughs> it has stuck with me throughout every day every week since i saw it i have been thinking about scenes or moments or uh themes in oppenheimer and i'm i'm so shocked about that because um you know and it just kind of gets better and better and better in my estimation as time goes on yeah um i i, I just think it's it 
it could very well be at the, by the time I rewatch it, my favorite Christopher Nolan movie of all time. Yeah. I think that's very possible for me as well. The hey, this is Oppenheimer at my number eight. Um, uh, the only reason that it's not overtaking some of these other things that I've put above it is because those other things are just more personally resonant with me yeah. because of whether it's attachment or whatever um, that I have to those things. Um, but that doesn't change that I think Oppenheimer is probably the best made film of the year. And the thing is that like the moment Nolan was out there saying, hey, so the key to the film is that everything in color is subjective and everything in black and white is objective. And I went, you're a madman. Yeah. You're a genius. Um, and going in and having that knowledge and having that perspective and knowing that's what he was doing and seeing the full scope of what the film is supposed to be and, and what his intent was, is truly genius and uh, I think masterful. And if it's, I think it probably is Nolan's best film. I don't know if it's my personal favorite. Yeah. It probably also is only losing to the prestige right now. And just because I need to watch it again and reassess the that's prestige. That's a damn good movie. Which I really like. And maybe that still is a personal yeah. favorite. But like Oppenheimer is really, really good. Yeah. Uh, I really love it. I, I think it's very, very special. Uh, and just like you guys, it lingers with yeah. me. Yeah. Um, and I think about it a lot. And I'm really glad that as I suspected at the beginning of the year uh between this and the giant lizard we have yet to talk a lot about atomic stuff is deeply on the mind of the culture and yeah. i'm really glad that both of them hit and hit hard this year yeah and that's really exciting and i don't know if you guys saw when i retweeted it but someone did the mix of the end of uh oppenheimer with some of the stuff from godzilla minus one yeah of him imagining the the after yeah. what he did and i'm like man yes this yeah. is it this, look at the moment we're in this is so good this is exactly what i hoped would happen absolutely uh, um and and a lot of that legwork is done by oppenheimer just being so well crafted to not only tell a story about like yes the birth of the atomic bomb but also about america's stance on how that came to be and yeah. what it meant after and i think that's beautifully told as this focus yeah. on oppenheimer himself i think like one of mm -hmm. the most like beautiful and tragic lines of, of the movie it's when david crumbolt's character who i forget his name but he's like i don't want three generations of like of like scientific genius to be used for a weapon yeah and like the, the like a weapon that like my people help make and i'm like that's scary and the final I, I guess spoilers for ben i guess but like the final like lines of the movie when he's talking to einstein he's like remember what i told you about how i thought we would destroy the world i i think we did and it's like that's chilling it's well, chilling one of the things that that i come back to all the time is when they're at the senator trying to figure out okay well those bombs getting ready where are we going to drop it and he's like oh drop it here because we uh we we honeymoon that we want we want to honeymoon the there list because we honeymoon there it's yeah. Lovely. yeah yeah awful ben you really should watch this movie it's, an, it's, 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 it's again and the fact that it's three hours long and it's just like a drama like man that's taxing but like he keeps it engaging the entire way through no but what, what's what's so interesting about like the two three hour films that we've talked about which is john wick and oppenheimer is that both of them didn't john wick maybe did but like not it's still well paced but like i didn't feel oppenheimer was three hours yeah no um, i didn't either which was I, really I was really shocked about that yeah 100 percent. love it anyway. love, love that we're here Sparks. really great really wonderful love oppenheimer um number four my number four is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Woo! Woo! My number seven. Uh, my number ben seven as well. Huh? Number seven. Number seven. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, here's the thing. Um, I am not a turtle head, and I haven't been. Yeah. I am now. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mutant Mayhem 
changed me. It's like it's like I've been mutated. Yeah, because of mutant mayhem. I like that movie so much that it's totally 180 me into like I want to do all the turtles. Like I I want to go watch a show. I want to read a bunch of comics. Like I want to play the games. Uh. Uh, I have not. We been, did one of those. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like I have not been that person. Like I've appreciated the turtles, but I have not. Like mutant mayhem shifted me into holy shit. Yeah, this is what it can be. I love this. This is amazing. I think it's funny. I think it's beautiful. Uh, I think it's creative. I love the voice cast. I love some of the needle drops. I think about just as we talked about with Oppenheimer, the haunting scene of him walking through the gym. I also think about, cause I think about that, but I also think about the really wonderful needle drop montage of uh, uh, when they're going into all the different places and it's four of different and they're, scenes and they're busting in and they're, they're messing them up and, and like the way it's transitioning between them. No, no diggity, no, no, no diggity yeah yeah, no diggity. uh entirely like hip-hop soundtrack which is incredible and i've listened to that soundtrack a bunch this year because i just yeah. it resonated with me i love that movie i think that movie's i think ice cube is damn funny he is um i i just it's special to me it just yeah. is like mute mayhem it had to be number four i kept thinking this is going to move down eventually and like, yeah it didn't it's just been one of my favorite things of the year it's it's a it's it is really special and the same way like I've, I've watched a lot of turtle things but i've never like loved the turtles and this was like oh this changed now uh and i hope and this movie thankfully was really successful did well critically like they're 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 definitely doing spin-offs in like movies and i'm like good like this universe and it, it why did it take so long for actual teenagers to be the turtles i don't understand <laughs> this i don't understand this like i i am like not a defender but i like those michael bay movies all those men are 40 years old i don't get it why are they not teenagers when they're tmnt and it's it's and just magical also importantly like making at least two of the turtles black yeah uh and like really bringing that to the forefront because there's been a lot of like not appropriation but like close of of bringing black culture into the turtles but the turtles have not been played by black actors yeah, for yeah, the yeah. majority of their run mm -hmm. uh and having that present here also i think helps and and it's so good. I just, I just it was. I, it, yeah. I get. I'm always down to watch Mutant Mayhem. Is yeah. the thing. I'm just. I'm so ready to watch it again. Uh, anytime somebody says, "Hey, you want to watch Mutant Mayhem?" I'm like, "Hell yeah, I am." Yeah. Once I saw the trailers, like I, I, I knew it was gonna like it looked good. But the only thing I was worried about was like, "Wow, that's a lot of villains for a movie." But they make that work, mm -hmm. and it is so smart because they establish all of the villains early, and then they can do so much stuff with them. Whether they stay good, become bad, like we are introduced to the entire universe kind of in one movie which is kind of how I feel like Superman Legacy is going to be. We're introducing a whole world in one. So like, I am so pumped for the future of Turtles. Ben, say something before I fall asleep, please. <laughs> it was the blanket that did it. That did it. Yeah, he's too comfortable. He really, really started getting settled in. I'm cold. Okay, the back of my neck is freezing. Uh, gotcha. Or was freezing. Anyways, yes, Mute Mayhem. Uh, I'm going to echo a lot of what Sparks said because as a kid, I did like the Ninja Turtles. I wasn't fully like into the Ninja Turtles. We had like maybe one or two VHS tapes of it, and whenever I was on, we would watch it. And of course, the I would I talked about at length we go to Chuck E. Cheese and playing the arcade game. But Mutant Mayhem, that was like one of my biggest points about Mutant Mayhem is what Ryan said about the Turtles actually being teenagers and acting like teenagers and not just being like teenagers when there's pizza involved as in like doing stupid stuff up on the roof is like guys we just got ungrounded and let's not like mess things up but they're up on the roof like chopping melons and just having a fun time or throwing shurikens at it we outside <laughs> we outside it's just like then like and then ad-libbing being in the movie again like 
Seth Rogen, like I, I love that man. He started as just like, oh, I'm a stoner comedian. And like, he's like a full on, like hardcore, good producer, good writer. Like he's getting really good shit done, especially in the mm-hmm. nerd sphere. Uh, oh yeah. It's just like, God bless him, man. Yeah. Um, also just, just like the, the, the chemistry between all the actors even with Jackie, even with uh, Jackie Chan as Master Splinter, it's like, what did I tell you? You go outside, you're gonna get milked, and they do. <laughs> and it's like, why is that machine say milking on it? And they're like, uh, <laughs> or when they're trying to give us, like, they're trying to like, you like BTS smooth? He's like, they're trying to see the BTS smooth. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like, you don't even know the words. Yeah, it's lovely. It's great stuff. One of the funniest things I've seen this year. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I, I was so happy to see that movie with Ryan because when we walked out of that movie, both of us were just like. The whole movie's a vibe. It yeah, is yeah. just a good vibe. It's a great time. And yeah, I'm also down to rewatch. And also, the animation is just incredible. Just absolutely yeah. gorgeous. 100%. Love it. Ben's number four now, right? My number four, Final Fantasy 16, which is go. probably not. No, it was in my honorable mentions. It was an honorable mentions, yeah. Final Fantasy 16, I love this game. The, it is. I feel one of my biggest takeaway from the game is I felt like the production team may have uh, backpedaled too much from the criticism of 15, where they heard this while the gameplay was great, the story was lacking. So they're like, all right, let's put all a lot of our points in the story. And I know there's a bit of a gameplay loop that is kind of repetitive, but the thing is, even with the side quests, a lot of times side quests, they, I mean, sometimes they're really good. So other times they're just like, why am I doing this? The, almost every side quest I've had in Final Fantasy 16 before I went on to the main story has been meaningful in some way. There has been some, uh, there's some of them have like plots. Some of them, if they bring you into the world even more like Ryan, I think it was on a pause menu episode where we were talking about there was a side quest about this girl is looking for her pet. You think yeah. it's just like a dog or something. Turns out it's her slave. Yeah, this this game died. is died. This, this game is like not a shine effect. This is about slavery and it's about people who have magic are used as slaves. And it's hard, it's hardcore. Like it doesn't shy yeah. away from it. And like I respect the hell yeah. out of it for it. Yeah. And but there's not it's not only moments like that. There's also really um, good story moments with certain characters like you, um, Karen, the the lady who sells you potions. There's also a really good uh, a story bit with Dora. She's one of the curse breakers. There are so many good story bits in the side quest with a bunch of like side characters like Isabel, the Dame of the Veil. Vale. I freaking love her. She is just like every time I go to do our missions, it's always she's like she's always like doing that. Oh, Clive, it's so nice to see you. But then it's like. She becomes the leader of the town of Northreach. And even the main story itself, there's so many twists and turns. And yes, the Game of Thrones was a big influence to the, to, the, uh, to the game story. And you could tell, but it's done well. And it's done well that it makes sense to be in a Final Fantasy universe. Yeah. So this game, while there are some things about past Final Fantasies and even things about Final Fantasy 15, I, I miss such as a lot of more exploratory dungeons, treasures, yada, yada, yada. The gameplay, the action gameplay is still fun. I mm-hmm. still have, it's still fun for me to play. It's still fun for me to go out on hunts. I don't feel like it's a chore to do the side quests. I feel like the side quests add more. And just the whole story itself is really freaking good. Yeah. So I I absolutely adore this game. 
I absolutely love it. I'm having a fantastic time with it. And yeah, it, it's up there. It's not the number it's not number one. And I definitely don't think it should have been game of the year, but it, I cannot I cannot um digress enough how yeah, much yeah. fun I'm having with 16. Despite it not being on my top 15, it is still like besides Ballskate, like it has the highest highs of, of any game of the year. Cause like it is like half the time it's just like kaiju simulator. And it's yeah. not just like it's not just like you're playing like a bad version of like Godzilla uh, Monsters Unleashed or Godzilla like Melee or whatever like from the GameCube era. Like they are incredibly cool fights and they are so cinematic. And that game looks insane. Like this is also a game that costs way too much money. And for me, I I struggled ha- like I stopped like halfway through because for me, I found that some of the side quests just be. Uh, it, it just it was it wasn't enough for me like i like yes they do add to the story but it's a lot of like yo man this is like the fourth time i'm delivering food to people and that just mm. it, i don't want to like i like doing everything so like it's it's also on me i didn't have to do that stuff but like i want to level up more i want to get to know the characters stuff but like i found that like, halfway through this game is all too too long in the two like a lot the biggest complaint i see is like this game's way too long and they maybe should have truncated it but like i'm glad you're enjoying it as much as you are because like i will return to it eventually because the main story is exceptional and the fact that they were able to oh, yeah. like we're being really big and bold like yo we're gonna tell like a really hardcore story about slavery and people revolting against their masters is like that's like you don't often see that in video games uh uh to the extreme that they're going like with that pet quest uh, like where you mm-hmm. go and find a person and the person's dead and the girl's like ah you found my dog like that shit's wild I wish every quest was like that, but 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 I don't I don't think they are. Personally. Yeah, but there's also another quest in that same area that like like both those side quests in that area over by the the Empire's capital before they move halfway through the game. Both of them are just shocking. Yeah, it's just absolutely because for the the longest time I'm like, what the heck are the because they they throw out some vocabulary and fantasy terms, and thankfully there is a guy in the game that you can go to who essentially is like, hey, if you don't understand what these terms are, here you go. Real quick, I want to talk about that guy because it's the best guy I've ever seen in the game. It, literally, it, it's like it's like Amazon Prime when you watch a video and you pause it. It tells you all the actors. Any time you pause the game at any moment, it will tell you where you are, who the characters are. If they said a word in that sentence, they will give you the description of the word. So you, can, there's no reason for you to be confused because they give you context every single cutscene. It's it's the most in depth guide I've ever seen, and like it's almost too much. Like it's like you guys are wild for this. Like, mm-hmm. like no no game will ever do this again. But like I really appreciate it because they throw you in hardcore, which I respect. I really again, it's another thing I really like about the game. Yeah. Um... Nice. Yeah, Final Fantasy 16. I absolutely love it. It's fantastic. Sure. Love it. Brandon. Ooh. Number four, Blue Beetle. Nice. Um, I watched that movie in theaters because obviously I wanted to support Blue Beetle. I was championing, I was championing the film. I really love the lead actor from Cobra Kai. Um, and I thought it was unfair that, that Warner Brothers was like, hey, we're going to market the shit out of the shittiest movie you've ever seen in your life. The most arrogant piece of garbage that you have ever seen you, that you will like no matter what. You like this right here. You like this. You love this. This is what you want from Tom us. Tom Cruise told me come it was on, great. Look, hey, come on. Black Adam came out last year. What are you doing? <laughs> Don't even get me started. And they, <laughs> and they were like... We'll we'll market that. Tom Cruise says it's the best. James Gunn destroyed his reputation in my eyes because he said offhandedly in every interview he ever yeah. did, wait till you see the flash, it's really great. Yeah. Um and uh, Stephen King, I hope got a new bathtub. Hell yeah. Uh, from saying it's the it's the only Kate movie he ever loved. 
Ben, can you confirm? Can you confirm that he got a new bathtub, Ben? No. Wouldn't be a last episode without a Stephen King Ben. Um, and they they put their entire marketing budget that they had for the year into the Flash, and not Blue Beetle, and they should have done it to Blue Beetle because that was the winner in my book. That was the one. Hey, the Flash is great. Hey, the Flash is going to be the one that you know they get. You know, the Flash that was a miss, but Blue Beetle. That's the one, man. This is going to be the beginning of a new universe. Uh, it's going to introduce you to a brand new character. Blue Beetle deserved Black Panther levels of marketing. Uh, can I? Can I also just like James Gunn? I think did just a shitty thing that like mainstream audiences don't care about this. So if he's doing a press interview and he's talking about Blue Beetle and he says, "Well, he's the first character, but this isn't the first movie," and I'm like, "Dude, just say he's the first character of the DC. Don't clarify. Get people to go see the movie. What are you doing?" Yeah, it is weird. Like, why do you yeah. have to split hairs? And if you look at what he, and if you look at what he's, how many tweets he made about the Flash and how many tweets he made about the Blue Beetle. Every tweet about the Flash he did, which were multiple, is like, this is one's really great. Go see this one. There's one tweet about Blue Beetle. Yeah. One. One. He said, Peter Safran produced Blue Beetle before he came on board as DC Studios head. And there was only one mention, one tweet that James Gunn said about Blue Beetle. Yeah. And I was really like, that sucks. This looks like a winner. I want to go see it. So I did. And I fucking love it. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, in my mind, it's incredible. It's one of the best DC movies ever made. Uh, it's filled with so much style, with such a unique voice. Um, it's a pretty rote superhero movie. It's pretty much it's it's pretty by the numbers. Um, but the way that the director, um, Angel Manuel Soto, I think is his name, yes. um, is able to in, infuse it with his unique voice and perspective, being a member of the of the Latino community, uh, focusing on a family uh, uh, like that, um, makes it feel fresh and makes it feel unique. Um, and and by the end of the film, uh, I'm in tears. For the last hour of that movie, I am constantly in tears, streaming down my face at some of the really awesome like fight sequences talk about lighting by the way it's a really well-lit movie and the final act is set during night it's a really well-lit movie thank goodness um um i love the suit it's practical the the film was made on half the on less than half the budget of the flash and it looks better uh frankly um Mm -hmm. uh, i really like how it incorporates the blue beetle lore um there is a specific reason why it's probably so high in my estimation that i don't want to spoil for people who haven't seen it um but i uh um i i really love it the kid um the kid from cobra kai zolo something i can't remember his last name um is a star he is blue beetle um he is blue beetle in the same way that christopher reeve is superman is the same way that tony that robert Downey jr is tony stark is the same way the yada 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 margot robbie is harley quinn he is jaime reyes he is so perfectly cast in the role um every one of his family is delightful and wonderful um I loved it when I first saw it and I was surprised to find out the second time I watched it, that I loved it even more. I'll hop in and say that like, it doesn't, it didn't make it in my honorable mentions because like that list was just getting crazy. Um, yeah. And like, I, it, it doesn't quite clear that for me. Like I, I like it a lot. Um, I do think it's worth seeing. I think it's a really good time. I do think it's the best DCs put out without having seen Lost Kingdom in the past couple of years. 100%. I think that's easy to say. Um, it's colorful. Brandon's right. 
it's uh well performed i think that like it's it's very good at being a truly mexican-american story and what i mean when i say that is that it's both representing them well but it's also really uh trying to inject the story with a lot of the good and the bad that comes from being Mexican-American in America, and that that is inherently supposed to be part of the DNA of the story. And I will say, I wish they could have gone even further with it. Sure. Um, but the fact that it's there at all is really special. And it yeah. has a voice, and it's very clear, and it's very strong. Um, and there's just some things that pull it back for me, but it is absolutely like no no sneeze, easily an eight uh if not higher like it's it's a good time and it's it's probably like the most perfected of like for the hero and his surrounding family or or characters on his side maybe the the perfected version of the origin story for yeah. comic book superhero films nice yeah i i you know you <sighs> there's a lot of really funny moments, but there's also really in like, not only like the way they, they interpret the blue beetle Kaji, uh, Kaji da, um, the, the scarab voice is, um, I think pretty interesting. A lot of people kind of like it when he, when, when it's a little bit more, has a little bit more personality, but what I really like about this is that it starts really robotic and then becomes more like develops a personality as it gets closer as the symbiosis relationship between him and I, between the, the scarab and Jaime gets closer the personality starts to sh starts to show and the, by the end she's speaking Spanish uh the 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 beetle is speaking Spanish and I was like that's a really cool detail um I I got I mean the movie has got the 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 the, the blue beetle ship that Ted Cord flies around in and like I love it I love it so much I love it dearly and so my number four well, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Moving on to number three. My favorite TV show of the year, it's Scavenger's Reign. And boy, howdy, am I so glad I watched the show. Um, it, I've never seen a show like this. I don't know if anyone has. Uh, it is so singularly unique. Yes, we have seen, like, oh, I'm trapped on an alien planet. But, like, mm -hmm. every five to ten seconds, something <clears throat> new is on screen that you've never seen before. And they never stop. They never stop being inventive. Uh, I love the characters. And uh, I mentioned this when we just talked about it off air, but I love that the characters all feel grounded and real. They're not like crazy, you know, like animated, like like caricatures or archetypes. Like they all feel like real people who are doing their best. Uh, the character of Cayman, who goes on this insane journey of of villain to like, uh, like I, I guess not really hero, but like he start he has really kind of like malicious intent at, at some points, but it's also not his fault because he's be like being controlled by like this weird like uh, frog monster, which is really cool. But like I I I still think about episodes of that show every day, uh, like the clone episode where you see Sam get cloned into like a meat monster. Oh, I just watched or, that one. Or like the a later one where he's scratching his chest for some reason, which turns into a whole thing. Uh, the random deaths that happen like actually are impactful. We watched an episode where one happened later on, and I saw you react to it the same way I did. Like it's it's so perfect and it's so beautiful and it's so weird. It is it it's the most imaginative animated show I've maybe seen in my entire life. And granted, I don't watch as much animated shows <clears> as you guys, <throat> but like I also don't think I'm lying when I'm saying it's one of the most imaginative because like. Again, like every couple minutes, every couple seconds, they'll show you an alien and they'll never show it again. But for five seconds, they're like, yo, we're gonna go off, we're gonna go so hard on this five seconds. Uh it is it is bananas the amount of imagination in this show. It boggles my mind that the show gets to exist as it does. Yeah, uh uh it's my number eleven, and I agree with everything Ryan said. Um, it's incredibly imaginative. It's <clears throat> 
very well thought out um as far as like creating an alien world nothing the only thing like that gets close to it in a world sense we kind of talked a little bit about this on our uh previous episode where we talked a little bit about having watched scavengers reign um that is certainly pandora on in the avatar movies is, is a well thought out thing but like there's still a proxy of like inserting things that are based off like marine life and things like that just saying like oh what if that existed on on uh, the terrain of the planet and like that's cool and all and i'm not saying that's not creative in its own way but like what's here is that so often you get an alien film and like they'll get if they get really imaginative and creative they focus that in on like the the main alien you're gonna see and then like the rest of the environment is like you might get like one or two little things that are kind of there but this is like a fully developed thought out environment with all these interconnections and all of these things and like you see shit you'd never dream of um in how these creatures and the planet itself integrates with each other how they uh respond to threats or prey or what have you uh it's so adaptive it's so so just cool to see it's so vibrant and alive uh and the story of the people who are trying to scavenge and survive on this planet is really well put together um, and it's got great vocal performances. Uh, one of uh, my favorites, Womi Masaku, is here. Like, I, I just, it, it's it's truly, truly special. Uh, one of my favorite things in, in, like, my favorite, like, tropes is, like, you know, uh, Westworld shit. Like, robots, uh, do robots have souls? You know, Star, Star, Star Wars <laughs> droids, like, are they people or are they just, are they just droids, right? The, the arc that the robot goes on, and I won't spoil it because I know Brandon's finished it, but, like, that's my favorite thing of the show, the stuff with the robot. Because like when you think it's over, like it's it, it might not be. Uh, and it's beautiful, man. It's so beautiful. Uh, and like I I want this team because like the show has been like it has like a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but like not many people are watching it, which really bums me out. Because like there are a lot of things that come out in the world, but like this show took years to animate, and you see why because uh, it's it's doing so much shit on in every episode so like i hope it's good enough critically that it can get a second season and again if it takes like an arcane like if it takes two to three years to get that next season i'll wait be because it's worth it uh yeah. and it ends in such a way we were like oh yeah we could do more why can't we do more uh it just it blew me away like after the first episode i'm like oh no i'm ruined this is gonna ruin me and i loved it i loved it uh I love it. It's so I highly recommend to anybody who hasn't checked out Scavenger's Rain. It's it's really worth doing. You got to go look at it. It's just there 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 truly aren't animated shows out there like this. Yeah, true, true, true. Uh, Sparks, your number three, right? It's time. My number three. It's Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. Ah, my two. Nice. You too, Ben. Yep, my two. Awesome. So yeah, uh, no one has this any higher, correct? Nope. It didn't even make my honorable mentions. <clears throat> Jeez. Um, dang. Uh, it's not that yeah, I disliked it. It's not that I disliked it at all. I just, you know, I didn't like it as much as I wish I did. Uh, number three for me. Um, yeah. Uh, Across the Spider-Verse. Uh, also, much like Beyond Mayhem, incredible music. Uh, incredible animation, truly, truly like incredible animation. In fact, like the the only thing that put this over Mutant Mayhem for me personally is that just the animation's bonkers. It's one of the only um, movies I've rewatched this year because it is stunning. It's just it's just gorgeous. Um, and like that that put it over. But the thing is, like, 
people have a lot of criticisms about this being an incomplete story, and I just, I, I'm not a person who agrees with that. I think that Across the Spider-Verse is very clear and succinct from the jump mm-hmm. that it's about uh, Gwen's story of feeling like uh, she betrayed Miles. That's how she opens it, and what she's going to do about it is how she closes it. And if you even want to go further than that, you have the story of uh, a full arc for Miles of him desperately wanting to tell his mom uh, that he is Spider-Man and his parents and and not being able to do it. And by the end of the movie, he finally does it. It's just the wrong mom. Uh, spoilers. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and like, uh, uh, and but that's like, while there is more to say for that story, obviously, because he doesn't do it in the right place, he went on the arc. You know, he did it. He went through the whole thing. He just hasn't been able to deliver it uh, yet to the person who needs to hear it. But he went on that journey. Um, and I think that's really special. I think the whole thing of Miles being encouraged to stand up and say like i matter and i belong and what it's doing to refute this idea of how spider-mans have to leave in great uh, all spider uh, personas have to live in grief uh and accept that these bad things have to happen before them to be who they are yeah. um I-, I love it fighting that i love it fighting that narrative there's so many great obvious references the humor is uh, on point there are beautiful beautiful moments i think about Miles and Gwen hanging upside down from the oh, building yeah. next to each other all the time. The it's ra- one of the prettiest things. And it's attached to this thing of like, there we know there are a ton of other spider people, but there's no one who gets me like you. Uh, and I think that's really, really sweet and tender. And I love it. And uh, that coupled with Rio Morales's speech to Miles before he leaves makes me cry yeah. every time I watch it, every time I think about it. It made me cry when it was in the trailers. Uh, Across the Spider-Verse, uh, I, I'm not, uh, I just, I'm excited for the next one. I think like there's so much beauty in the visual language of that film and then what they're doing, where they're taking those characters. Uh, I, I'm extremely pleased that it's at least up to the par of yeah. its predecessor. Uh, this and The Last of Us were the two hardest cuts I had to make. And, and but I cut I cut them for for this, you know, when you when, when everything's incredible, you got to start getting day picky, right? So in the fortunately this one it, it went to honorable mentions, but like in terms of like the best it, it probably is still like the best looking movie like next to TMNT in my opinion. And like I think about that Renaissance Vulture fight all the time. Mm-hmm. I've like yeah. again, I, it's one of the three one of the three movies I rewatched like this and Dungeons and Dragons and something else I don't remember cuz my memory is awful. But like that movie is so so beautiful, and I it's like it's made by wizards. Like I cannot believe I think of a Mumbai Mumbenhattan sequence, and like that is so spectacular. And like the talk with Gwen and her father, and how just the world bleeds out around them. I'm like, how how do you do this? And it bums me out that like we learned after that like these animators were like crunched to death, and we would get five revisions of a scene, and this movie still came out as good as it did. It's it's mind boggling uh, that like they like they still cared enough to like yo we're still gonna make this work or make this look as good as it is. And like if anything like that ending was like an epilogue, and it makes me more excited for the future. Because like listen, I think of like Empire Strikes Back or like Fellowship of the Ring. Those also have endings that are like oh we're breaking up at the end of the movie. Like guess what? Like I still feel complete watching that movie for me, and I'm like. I probably could have put this on my top 15, but like, I feel like TMNT is that spot for me. Not that I couldn't have both, but like I focus on TMNT because it's the newer of the, it is the first in a movie series. Um, But it's a, it's a, it's an astounding movie, man. It's on your number three, right, Ben? Yep. It's my number three as well. I echo a lot of what Sparks said about how well this movie, about how well made this movie is and how, it's it is to the par of the press of its predecessor like five like 10 minutes in when i first saw this movie i was like this is like the best spider-man movie ever made because it's just so 
visually striking. It's not shying away that it's a comic book movie, but every single character moment just hit so hard. Gwen's betrayal, Miles trying to tell his parents, just everything about this movie is, to me, is like, this is quintessential Spider-Man. And yes, we get some amazing jokes. We get, uh, like, I still crack up at the scene where it's therapy Spider-Man or therapist Spider-Man and the other Spider-Man's at therapy. He's like, then my uncle, let me guess, he died. And then chai all tea. the other, and then all, Why yeah, chai tea? Tea. <laughs> yeah, the chai tea bit is still hilarious. Uh, yeah, this movie is just, unapologetically a comic book film and it will not shy away from the fact that it's like yes we are based on comic books this is a comic book movie and it is just just so um even like what uh brandon mentioned that uh the Renaissance vulture fight just the way that he's animated and how he is so different or even um spider punk yeah he's just oh, constantly God. changing constantly different i'm just like this is just so rad and so, so cool much yeah and there's not a whole lot i can say more about this movie but it, it is fantastic we can't forget the best spider-man lego spider-man he's he's the best you, we're the best you got uh, LEGO Spider-Man. thanks peter you're the best of us um <laughs> stupid J- like i hope he got paid yeah god uh jk yes. simmons is still the is still J. john jameson even the lego verse yep they're never gonna get better than that I, i'm just yep. so i'm so happy it exists i think it's wonderful i can't wait for the next one um means a lot to me that's all my number three yeah suzume whoa Whoa! Not number one. This is a shakeup. Yeah. Not even number two. No. Um, I am. Oh no! Wait. I think I know what the one and two are now. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I. Okay. I'm with you. You should have figured it out. Yeah, Suzume. Um, this was tough. This was really tough because the number th- these these th- my last three could be anywhere in this list, but I had to pick pick one. So I was like, yeah, Suzume. Suzume is to me the most incredible animated film of the year. Um. Uh, it's directed by the director of Your Name, which I recently saw this year as well. Love that. Um, uh, it's fucking incredible. Suzume, also fucking incredible. I love the voice acting uh, quite a lot for the American dub, which is the only version I saw. Um, and it's such an insane, well-realized world of this guy who um, his job is to close these doors to this like demon plane um and there's these various doors and they try to get out and he's got to put this charm here well uh suzume kind of fucks it up and the, and the charm becomes real uh and that and and becomes alive and becomes this cat and that's the cat we see in the trailer um and there, but there needs to be a charm so the cat's like okay you can be the charm and so they turn the dude into a chair uh and the chair and that and now it's suzume in this chair uh, trying to close these doors throughout time while also chasing this cat totem uh, to put the cat back. Um, halfway through the film, I thought we were ending the movie. I thought the movie was kind of coming to a natural conclusion. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that was very good. I really liked it. And then there's another hour. Uh, and then by the last hour of the film, I'm in tears. I'm bawling. It's incredible. Um, it's so beautifully animated. Uh, it's so emotional. There's a line I think about every fucking day of my life since I saw this movie uh, that I will not say because it's a massive spoiler. Um, but I, um, I, I think about it all the time. I do not know much like blue beetle. Look, I do not know if anyone is going to like this movie as much as I am, as much as I do. Um, 
Uh, I can only say that I dearly, 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 dearly love it. Uh, the Blu-ray release is out in March, and I am 100% getting that shit. I'll definitely, I'll definitely watch it because I saw your name, yeah. and that movie's incredible. And if it's half yeah. as good as that, then like I'm sure I'll like it. I do, I do really want to see it, especially off your recommendation. But like, I, I, I can't say like, oh yeah, we'll love it as much as you. But I can say we'll probably really, really enjoy it because I've heard nothing but good things. So. Does any one of us have Crunchyroll? No, I do. I'm gonna borrow your Crunchyroll account because it's on Crunchyroll and I want to rewatch it. <laughs> okay. You will borrow my Apple account, so you that's will... true. Well, I mean, I'll talk to Nay. It's technically and my dropout account. But... You 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 have my dropout account and my Apple account. You owe me. I take I technically don't have it logged into the dropout one yet, but yeah. <laughs> All right. You should. Dropout's great. Uh, but yeah, yeah that's awesome, Brandon. I'm really happy for you. I I'm love happy. Suzume. That's my number three. Me, me, number two. Yep. So we did my favorite movie and my favorite show. Now it's from my favorite comic book, and it's no surprise. I've talked about it all years. 20th Century Men. Uh, uh, I will be bold and say, like, Watchmen is one of the defining comics of the 20th century. Uh, and I think this comic, with given more time, will be one of the defining books of the 21st century. Um, it is so remarkable the 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 depth and pathos that that like this book which is about world war ii uh cold war soviet era uh uh wartime mixed with superhero stuff blends so seamlessly and almost like an oppenheimer feels so real uh they're the fourth issue of the book which is entirely made up of like all, nothing but battle sequences and dialogue from people who are in the battle or talked about it after it's almost like a um like a oh god what's the word i'm thinking of um it's like it's like a, a like a post op of like people like yeah I was there and this is what happened and mm -hmm. like it feels like I'm reading a real memoir of something that never happened with the amount of depth and pathos that some of these characters can have it is the what the U.S. is in this comic book is so horrifying and how they have this 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 band of, of Marines called the Suicide Cowboys and they're dressed like 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 the cowboy like the the football cowboy the Dallas Cowboys but but they're murderous like army men and one of the one of the characters uh I think his name's like Bill Six or something but he's like a savage uh uh, uh like murderous like cannibal man who the U.S. unleashes in Vietnam it's so real and I will never forget that man is liquid. It's a line that that if, if you read it, you understand it. It's horrible. It's like it's one of those things that like sticks with you, kind of like uh, stuff like in Oppenheimer. Um, it's like the most beautiful comic I've read in a long time. Uh, and it's like it doesn't it doesn't adhere to any traditional layout. It is just it's like beautiful splash page after beautiful splash page of like horror and the way that people deal with the horror. And our main character, who is basically like a, like a Soviet Iron Man, his life throughout the, these, these, these decades is so fascinating and, and so believable and so real and so heartbreaking. Uh, I just, I've, never, I've never read anything like it in my life, uh, probably, honestly, since Watchmen, which I have a tattoo of. Um, and I would eventually have gotten to it because of the praise, but thank God Sparks picked it as a book club because I got to read it earlier than I normally would have. And like, it changed my life, for real. Like, and like, as someone who's a creator, not a creator, someone who wants to be a creator, let's say. Like, I, you know, I I dream of writing and creating comic books. Like, this reignited my love of what comic books can be. And, like, I, I the type of comics I want to write are like this, that are a blend of real world and science fiction. Like, that's my jam. Um, so, like, the fact that this book gets to exist and it is as critically acclaimed as it was, it's won every award you could possibly want in, in comics. Them. So, like, I'm just so thankful that this book gets to exist. And uh, it is a hardcore book. It is not not an easy read. Like, I understand why people didn't connect with it as, like, as the two gentlemen up above didn't, which is totally fine. Uh, but I, that's what I love about art like this, because it is so extreme. You'll either, like, dislike it or you'll, like, 
love it till you die. And I, I will love it till I die. Uh, and anytime I get uh, on Twitter, can talk about it. I do. And like, it's getting like another resurgence. Cause like everyone's talking about their top 10 comics of the year. And like, right. the, the, luckily the, it, it was mostly a 2022 book, but the last issue and the trade came out in 2023. So that's why I get, I get to, I get to talk about it, which is talk so lovely. It, yeah. Uh, so honestly, I just want to thank you sparks for getting to me this year, 2023. Uh, because like that, that book really like changed, like changed my life, man. It's so good. Um, it's, it's in my number seven. Uh, I feel uh, echoing much the same as as what Ryan's saying. All of that. Um, I I agree. I think it's really like politically strong, especially in this moment. Um, I think about just as we say, like a lot of these things, they stick with us after we've seen them. The thing that sticks with me about Twenty Century Men is um, there's a part where they say like everyone else around the world has their vision of what they think the Middle East should be. This is our vision of what the Middle East can be. Um, the, for, speaking yeah, of people yeah, yeah. who live there, and like, especially right now, I'm thinking about that all the time. Yeah. Um, and like providing that kind of story of putting that perspective, uh, which is, uh, I, Brandon, I know didn't you didn't get all the way through it. Um, in in like the very last part of it um it's so you have beautiful. you have someone who lives there who is utilizing the technology and reveals like a hidden part of where they've been where they're growing things they have used the technology to grow trees in the desert and grow life and grow vegetables and it's like we this is a future we want not the future other nations want for us uh and and i that part in particular is just like it's the thing that cements 20th century to me is so special. Um, and, and I, I love it. I, I adore it. I'm so glad we got to do it for a book club. I'm so glad the author and the artist both appreciated it. Yeah. Uh, very special, very happy to have read it. Uh, I, I love 20th century men. Incredible comic as far as I'm concerned. I have Ben's number two. Unless you no, it's me. Men. It's in, oh, it's, it's oh, sorry. Me number I, two. I forgot. That's okay. Uh, me number two. Uh, I think I'm about to maybe pop off three of us all at the same time we'll see uh it's godzilla minus one yeah my yep. number two my number two there it is all right my number seven. uh yeah all right yeah <laughs> godzilla minus one so good uh i didn't think it was gonna overtake across the spider verse for myself but it did godzilla minus one i uh, i'm just happy it's all on all our top 15s uh uh regardless of where it is it's it's two godzilla shows or two godzilla things on on on, on top 15s for so many of what a year like, what a what a thing what a thing i never thought we'd be here um godzilla minus one is far and away better than i could have hoped for yeah i was I, I, talking uh, go ahead i was talking to a friend of friend of mine kirk um about Godzilla Minus One, he 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 also watched it and he loved it. And we were talking about it. We have a, a get monthly get together that we try to that we try to keep. Uh, and we were talking. I was talking about Godzilla Minus One, and I was telling him about how succinctly I loved the theme of the film. This idea of like, you know, governments don't care about you. Governments don't care about people. Uh, you shouldn't be shamed for uh, not dying in a war that a go- that the government told you to to go die for. That should like you shouldn't be shamed for wanting to live, um, and and the theme of the film and everything like that. And I was, I was sitting there for like a good ten minutes, just spewing out just everything about this film that I love and the themes of it and everything. And, I, and I, that's, at that moment, I realized I was like, damn, uh, this is this is this might be my favorite movie of the year. Yeah. Uh, this is one hundred percent my favorite movie of the year. Um, I, I I I I love it so much. Um, 
I love Godzilla. I've loved Godzilla for decades. Uh, at this point, I uh, one of my favorite properties. I will watch every single Godzilla movie ever. Um, and the fact that this film is uh, incredible uh, and Toho took a chance to give it a, a theatrical release, a normal theatrical release that is getting extended every week uh, to more and what? more theaters for more and yeah. more people to come to it and watch it is so insane to me. Uh, and people are watching and people are loving it and uh, rightfully so. Uh, it's got incredible special effects with incredible Godzilla design. I love all the main characters. Um, it just, just truly, it is truly something special. The thing that I love about it is, and it's, it's often what I love about, about genre is like, it can give me a different perspective on someone else's life that I, I will never experience. Not just living in 1940s, but also being like someone who lives in Japan during this time yeah. where it was part of their, their military regime to have kamikaze pilots. And like, again, that's something that like Japan shies away from and they, they still try to. And like something we don't really talk about or learn about anytime it's in movies, it's generally like they're it's because like they're the bad guys. Like I think like Pearl Harbor is like the big movie where like it's like a focus on that. And like they're also just people and like ha most of them probably don't want to die. Right. Like I don't think you you wake up. You're like, man, I'm going to I want to die for my country. So like to have a shine on that and to have the different perspectives of people within that society who like shun the people who do not want that. Like our main character who who decided not to kill kill himself and people like rag on him for it. Like it's just it's so it's so wild that like that was a period of time where like this was just the standard. Uh, and it's being a Godzilla movie that take place again, like like this being like a fresh start of like, you know, the original Godzilla, like the 54 Godzilla. Uh, but even even pre that time, um, it's so special. Like like we use, we've been using the word special special for a lot of the things we've talked about. But like this is singularly like Godzilla singular point. It is so singular in being like what like what Godzilla can be and like what he can represent like to his maximum. Because like again like the American Godzilla, it's turned into you know action figure toys and that is totally acceptable. But like man, this has like real meaning and like I care more about these characters than pretty much any any kaiju person in any of these movies that I've, that I've ever seen in like the last 20 years really and like the fact that godzilla could have been removed for this movie and it's just about these people dealing with wartime it, it would have been an incredible movie but also add a cool lizard with a great design where his impact is is incredible and he's doing like nuclear bomb explosions uh it's just it's wild that this is a genre movie uh and, and it does everything so perfectly something that i will always that i will always think about is when Sparks and I walked out of the theater, it's the first Godzilla film to ever make me cry. Yeah, me, me too. Yeah. 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 Uh, ben, but it's your number two as well. You haven't said anything. Yeah. Um, no, I was just letting you guys go off. Um, this movie was just, it was the best movie I've seen all year, hands down. Um, you made the claim just, that it is the best Godzilla movie ever. Honestly, yeah. I'll still stand by that. Yeah. Uh, it too, because it brings forth what godzilla the metaphor of what godzilla was in 54 it also brings another light onto a part of japanese history that i that we well here in america we we don't really gloss over but we don't of course we look at what what the japanese did to the americans we don't look at what the japanese did to themselves or mm -hmm. what it, how it felt like in there and we don't put ourselves in their shoes so the fact that this story is about a man with survivor's guilt because he was supposed to die but didn't he wanted to live and then he essentially saw a bunch of other people die on oda island and he grew with even more survivor's <laughs> guilt so yeah. the, the fact that this movie just takes 
just takes Godzilla and puts it in an, an era and in a part of Japanese history, even before the fifties, because by the fifties, Japan was, if my history is correct, they were pretty much almost fully rebuilt. Uh, America had a bunch of bases there. Like they were on the up, they were on the uptick. They were, they were getting back from the tragedy of war. Whereas to see Godzilla show up so close after the war is like, Oh, we're screwed. We're even more screwed now. This sucks. Right. Yeah. And uh, as, uh, go ahead, Ben, please. No, and just there's just this minus one, like I keep saying with Monarch, minus one does what the Monsterverse doesn't. And that's, and I'm talking about the main Monsterverse films, not Monarch. Monarch's the exception. It makes me want to follow and care about these characters. It makes me wish that all these people survive. It, I'm not here. Before the just when Doc Godzilla shows up in Ginza and starts destroying all the buildings, it hurt. Yeah, it was like I normally I'm like yeah, blow stuff up, stomp, stomp, roar. But I'm just like, how do we stop this? How do we beat him? And the first atomic breath, where his atomic breath turns into a mini atom bomb, it's like, oh shit, Tokyo got nuked. We're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, it, it 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 goes to my number two. Uh, it it is my favorite film of the year. Um, it's a, again kind of referencing with the Oppenheimer conversation. Uh, I remember when Brandon Ryan and I were having a discussion about kaiju films hitting in America and and what what this year looked like, and neither of them had come out yet. And, yeah, and like anticipating that, I really think, and I think it's true that that atomic age moment is, is like kind of hitting in a pop culture way, like Godzilla minus one and Oppenheimer have both like caused a shift uh, where we're going to be thinking about the atomic age more. I think, I think that's coming. Um, and it's really wonderful to see both of them do what they did and have that impact. And Godzilla minus one, especially like watching people who have never been Godzilla people become Godzilla people because of this movie. Uh, it's, wonderful it's just wonderful uh i'm so glad that it has the ability to tell the story the way it does that it's willing to be critical of its own country while also like calling out the sins of our own um mm -hmm. and and doing both of those things and and that they had the faith as brandon said to put it in theaters here in the states and continue to extend that run as word of mouth and popular demand have shown that godzilla minus one has something that people want to go check out yeah uh oh yeah that's great. It's just great. I'm so happy for all of us that we got to see something so unique. Uh, 70 years on for this character yeah. come to the screen. And yeah. it, uh, it, it hit even harder than we thought, and we thought it was going to hit pretty hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the time we saw it, like the hype was almost unbelievable. And like it somehow was like, no, it's, it's, it is that good. Yeah. I'm like, man, hell yeah. It's so good. Truly, it was better than I expected it to be. And I expected yeah, you, it to be very good. You just, I was expecting... You don't, you don't get that all the time. Yeah. yeah. No, I was expecting it to be extremely good. I didn't expect it to be as good as it was. I once, I walked out of that theater and I was even talking about some about it to some people at work and I was and they were like, oh yeah, I saw Godzilla Minus One or, or I had a friend of mine because he asked me, he's like, hey, what good movies are out? I'm like, Godzilla Minus One. And he's like, oh, well, I'll try it. I was like, it got extended in theaters. And the fact that it keeps getting extended, it's like, I want to go see it again. Keeps yeah. making the money, baby. Yeah. Highest yeah. highest growth of the Godzilla movie, the uh, non-US Godzilla movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Crazy. Well, that's because none of them have theatrical runs like this. 
That's true. Nope. Gotta believe. Yo, man, I bet Shin Godzilla could have done it if they believed in it. Yeah, I agree. Like, that movie was good enough, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Godzilla minus one. It just, uh, it's resonating. I love that it's resonating. I hope it continues to do so. Um, and I'm glad they took the time to make something special. I'm glad they're willing to take the time to make something special again. Yeah. Uh, uh, it is, it is just cool that uh, a lot of us feel it is one of the best, if not the best, film of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So I guess we're, so that was two for the three of us. So Ryan, you're number one, I guess. We're, we're My number one is no surprise. It's something called Baldur's Gate 3. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, this is not just the best game of the year. It's also the best movie of the year, the best TV show of the year, the best comic of the year, because it has, it has an unfathomable amount of dialogue and choice to make. Um, we've all played, uh, to a less, obviously to a less extent me, but like we've all played games where you have choice, whether it's Telltale or a Skyrim or something like that. Um, but a lot of those games, they feel kind of phony because like no matter if you go A or B, you always kind of funnel to the same place. Baldur's Gate 3 is the most complex. Yeah, yeah. My roommate, Kate, you can hear me from the other room. Uh, <laughs> when Baldur's Gate 3 well, came out. Grayson laughed too. Yeah, Grayson. Uh, the day that game came out, uh, roommate Kate and I, like, we jumped on that. Like, we wanted to make it, like, like a household game that we all play. It's unfortunately not the type of game where everyone can be involved because, like, it's not like a, a hardcore action game. It's a turn-based tactics game. Uh, but there was still some fun choice to be had. But, like, when I started my own character, and there's three X to the game, I put, like, 160 hours into it in total. But, like, it took me a couple times before I found the character that I wanted to play. And it was Shin Hadi. And that, that's from that's from Ahsoka. I made Shin Hadi from Ahsoka. Uh, blonde-haired paladin lady, Oathbreaker. Um, Y'all, I... There's more recorded dialogue in this game than all three Lord of the Rings books combined. There's, like, millions of words of dialogue in this game. And they're all voice acted. There's, I'm gonna spread just a lot of numbers because it's it's like astonishing. There's 250 actors, voice actors, and they're all motion captured. Uh, there's like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours to play because literally every permutation you can think of has, has an opposite direction. Like I've never played a game in my life that feels like there's an actual dungeon master helping me through the game. Mm -hmm. It's because this game took six years to make. Like this game is one in a million because no other game studio would allow this shit to happen. Also, uh, Larian's independent. This is an independent studio who made this game. They went to Wizards of the Coast and got the license because, like, this is the type of games they make. We think we can make the best D&D game ever made, and they did. There will never be another game like this just because we live in a market where the, the world will not allow this type of game to get made in the big, in the, you know, the big, the big studios, Microsoft, Sony kind of studio. Um, I have never wanted Brandon to play a game more in my life than Baldur's Gate 3 because now that you are into D&D, Brandon, I could I could name off a dozen other great RPGs that are like D&D. You will never play a game that is just D&D like Baldur's Gate 3. It has over 500 spells. Every spell that's ever been in Dungeons & Dragons is in this game. Every chaotic choice you want, everything you do is a dice roll. And every time you get a nat one, you go, well, shit, I'm about to die. It feels <laughs> so impactful. These are the best written characters of the year. There are like eight eight characters that like you know when you form a party in a video game there's like eight characters you can choose from every single one of them is good enough to be the star of their own video game uh a lot of these actors have been winning a voice actor of the year at the game awards uh Asterian the vampire won best voice actor their stories are so real and they're so tragic and they're so like believable whether it's about like uh uh like trauma or or believing in yourself or or being subjugated by other people all variety of of, of tropes they're done to the 10th millionth degree of excellence 
Uh, I cannot believe this game exists. Just by, I play the whole game through once, but doing act one multiple times, I can't believe the amount of things that I can change. Like, I truly can't believe it. It is, it's, it's, un, it's unfathomable that this game even exists and it works. There are bugs here and there, but like, y'all, man, like, I played Jedi Survivor, I played Spider-Man 2. Those games had more bugs than this 700-hour RPG did. Uh, it's, it's, it's bananas. Uh, and I'm, I don't need to talk about it anymore because I've been talking about it for the last, like, three months nonstop. But, like, it is so special. And, like, I, this is, I, guys, I play a lot of games. And, like, I care about characters. But, like, I have never cared about a character in a video game like I have in this game. Like, I went through a whole journey of, like, I had a girlfriend. I cheated on my girlfriend. Uh, the girl that I cheated on my girlfriend, she died. The girl, the girlfriend wouldn't take me back because I cheated on her. And all that feels real because the voice actors are giving it their all. It's not just like, oh, you choose A instead of B. Here's your outcome. It's like, that carries with you for a hundred hours. I cannot believe it. A character you meet in Act 1, you'll forget about, and they'll show up in Act 3 and like, hey, remember that thing you did? Thanks for doing that. Or if you're like me and you're evil, you kill a bunch of people, you have ramif huge ramifications in Act 3. Huge ramifications. It's uh, it's so special. Uh, and like I think about it all the time. I think about the journey I made. Like I could write like a book and it, like about the specific journey that I went on, and a thousand other people could write the same book, and it'd be 100% different. Uh, there are dozens of hours that I missed because of my evil playthrough. I killed specific characters. They each had their own entire quest line that went through three acts. Uh, it's changed the way I look at games because Starfield came out around the same time. And boy, howdy. You guys remember how I was excited for Starfield? I played Baldur's mm -hmm. Gate 3 and then I played Starfield. Yo, fuck that game. Oh my, <laughs> oh my God. I, not only is that game disappointing, but you put two RPGs next to each other and it's like, what are we doing here? I can, now I say that all the time because of Charles yeah, yeah. from the Ring of yeah, Rose, yeah. but like, it's the type of thing of like, this is what we're capable of, and this is the type of thing that we just accept, because just like Alan Wake 3 changed the way I think about video games, you don't have to make video games the same way. They don't have to be for your leg. They can be really good, but they don't just have to be this way. Uh, and it's like, it is one of the most special games I've played in my lifetime. In my lifetime. It's profound. Ben, when you eventually get to it, I know you'll love it, and you'll go crazy for how many choices you make. What's up, Brandon? I want to yeah. say something about, like, um, because there's, you know, there was this talk about like how uh, Microsoft made a deal with an AI, with a Gen AI company that was going mm -hmm. to um, use, that was going to allow uh, video game companies to uh, proceed to generate um, voice acting and dialogue and things yeah, like yeah. that through through gener generative AI. And the thing that like, you know, what I think is really it was really it was really uh, incredible about Boulder's Gate, having not played it, uh, yeah. but seeing the reaction towards it, is that it's the it's the proof positive that 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 Gen AI is bullshit um, because of how much dialogue is written. It like, is truly, as far as what I can tell, a, a work of art. There's yeah. uh, you've already said how many voice, how many actors are in are in the thing, how much work went into it, how much dialogue was written for it. You know, all that all that stuff like that's all stuff that a lot of people nowadays who aren't artistically inclined uh, will want to use gen ai to shortcut and yeah. part of what's so beautiful about humanity and art is the work that's put into it um and that's what you kind of see with Baldur's gate i feel like that's why Baldur's gate feels like a work of art because of all the artists that worked on it and put in hours and hours and hours of the work that if it were if it were if it if they if Baldur's gate for example used gen AI, gen ai it, it wouldn't feel like a work of art it would feel yeah. like 
like like an, like AI, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. And like every side quest feels important, and every character you meet feels like a real character. Like I can't. This game is so well written. It's it, like I can't even believe it. Sometimes, like even the smallest character will give some beautiful speech about being alive or thanks for doing this thing. And it's like it's not just oh thanks for getting my wolf, my wolf skin, my five wolf skins. Like every single side quest feels important. Because it feels like a real world, and it's like this person really needed your help in some capacity. Or you can just kill that person, and like that is an effect you have on the world. And almost, I'm not gonna say every character, because there's literally like a thousand NPC in this game, but like practically every character you meet has some turnaround to meet you back in Act Three. And like the fact that this game has three acts, and you don't learn who the actual villain is until the end of Act Two, potentially a hundred hours, like if you do everything, and it's still impactful to get into Act Three, is like. It's mind blowing. You do a hundred hours of stuff and you're not even at the real core of the game yet. I will, there will never be a game like this uh, unless, unless some studio is willing to put more than half a decade into it. And no studio will ever do that ever. Like ever. They're just, it's, and if they do, they, they turn, it's, it's Starfield and it's because it's owned by a big company like Microsoft. So they're not allowed to take chances. Uh, it is the biggest like risk in video games because like, this is a hardcore, slow RPG where you have like a hundred different things you can do and it's a lot of clicking buttons, but like even the combat, it feels like you're playing real D&D combat, like with a dungeon master. Because again, every dice roll can make or break any combat encounter. Uh, and it's just like, it's so beautiful. Uh, I'm just so glad it gets to exist. Uh, eventually, like you two eventually will play it. I hope, I know Ben, you definitely will. Brand, I really hope you do because I know you like Dungeons and Dragons now. This is the closest you will ever get to being able to play it solo. Uh, because getting people together, like I would love to play D and with you guys, but like that—that's that, not as easy as a request as, "Hey, here's this—the greatest game ever made about D and D. Just right at your fingertips, and you can play it over and over and over again, and never have a single uh, uh, same experience. It could be different every single time. Every time, it's incredible. That's the best thing of the year. Ball this game. Sparks. Awesome. Uh, I truly remain surprised that this is my number one but it is my number one is the last of Us season one yeah um for me nothing overtook last of Us season one it's really um, good and it's not just that i love that game i do um i love this show more uh this show its way of constantly and in different ways um dissecting love and what love means in all its forms whether that be um romantic whether it be just care yeah or um how love can be dangerous um and that there are bad sides to to loving and what that what that is um and sharing love and there there was just nothing that wanted to do what last of us was doing that way and it left such an imprint that the quality of it and the different approaches to it throughout a story that I already knew, but doing it better was so thoughtful. Um, obviously, there's an episode that everybody talks about. Episode three. Uh, episode three is is one of the best episodes of television of the year. Nick Offerman just won an Emmy for it. Um, and like, I, I won't dispute that, but like it, the whole show is strong. It's not just that one episode. Yeah. It's, it's all of these different ways of really looking at love um, and caring about people. And that remained emotionally resonant and powerful and important to me. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I remain eternally grateful that something so beautiful was made out of 
that game um and i just want more people to engage with it i want yeah. more like like it is a it's popular oh, yeah. um but i but i i i guess i'm saying i'm pointing the finger at brandon and i'm saying i want you to watch the show because it's a it's a good show ben finally did it um so i can't point the finger at him anymore um where was ben it's on your list too somewhere right 14 14 okay cool yeah uh last of us season one is is remarkable um the performances are amazing the writing is sharp uh the world is is wondrous in its uh tragedy um and what they find amidst it uh, the emotions of it lingered with me forever uh through the year even though it came out in january and yeah. um truly for me nothing overtook it so it's the last of a season one this was this and Spider-Verse were the two hardest cuts. And again, I had to nitpick why they I put stuff over another. But um, yeah, I, I think about that show a lot. Uh, uh, like when it was announced that like Pedro Pascal is going to be the lead, like I love Pedro, but like, is he is he becoming, is he doing too much genre stuff? Is he trying to be the lead and everything? And like, he really brings it and Bella Ramsey really brings it. Uh, and like having played the game, that finale like hits just as hard, if not harder. Cause like, I'm like, I'm not the one controlling it. Like I'm just watching it through a show and like, it feels almost more real. Uh, maybe maybe because it's live action I don't know but like it's so tragic but uh, the, how love is dangerous and how love can like can, can almost corrupt you with how much you love someone is such a beautiful and scary thing because like like you said like this is a post-apocalyptic show like it's not like we don't get a lot of this all the time but like the way that it's that's it's not the it's not about the post-apocalypse it's about the people and how they interact with the other people and how they get to survive it is the, it's the last of humanity and how do they deal with that uh it makes me so excited for the second season because like i have a lot of problems with that second game but at its core the story is 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 just as good so like i'm so excited <laughs> that like it's so successful uh and so many people love it because it's 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 genuinely incredible and that the thesis mm -hmm. for it is that every character you you meet every every major role bad guys good guys everything they do is out of some form of love and attachment and the analysis on that in the show is just so thoughtful then uh it's your number 14 so if you want to jump in on anything there um you nailed it up nailed it on the head i was i'm glad i finally watched it near the tail end of the year because you're absolutely right last of us is fantastic and it truly is a story about how love can be how like like you said different types of love can be great like when you said love can be dangerous it reminds me of that one sister in kansas city whose brother died mm -hmm. and she is just on the war path to becoming a essentially a fascist dictator in a way yeah. and you have um another uh, the other brother in the same city who betrayed don't talk, don't talk the, too much oh yeah who you know there's like there's a bunch of betrayals because they they do stuff out of love and yeah episode three is the the <laughs> pull at your heartstrings oh my god that episode yeah the show is fantastic and from what little of the game i have played because really i only played that one time where we did for spooky arcade where it was like the one hit dies <laughs> and, yeah but it was a great trend or from what i know of the last of us the game it was a great adaptation of putting games to screen and it was something that a lot of people were like well, this is already a fantastic video game. Why do we have to make it to a fantastic show? And also it kind of sparked a really fun debate about, uh, especially online when the Last of Us was ending. A lot of people were like, how come it's like, oh, wow, there really are great stories in video games? And a bunch of video game people were like, we've been saying this for years. Yeah, we just we're, have we're to play them. Yeah. yeah, thankfully we are way past that. But 
Last of Us is fantastic. Uh, definitely recommend people should watch it. It is really, it's not just another end of the world, zombie apocalypse, dystopian show. Oh no, we have a bunch of those. There's something here and it's great. Yeah. Is it the best video game adaptation of all time? I think so. I think so. Right now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, would, I would argue it is. God, I hate that Halo show. <laughs> Yeah, that's season two coming soon. That's unfortunate. All right, anyway. Ben. All right, Ben, your number one? Is it a surprise of what my number one is? It's Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, there it is. My my number eight. Yeah. Yeah, we've I've been talking about Tears of the Kingdom so much. Ryan and I had did an episode about it for Base Arcade uh for pause menu. And yeah, I it, Tears of the Kingdom is my game of the year. It's still up there. It's It was a fantastic experience. You could hear me gush about it for two hours or throughout all the other episodes that I've talked about since I got the damn thing. And it's still up there. Had I played Baldur's Gate 3, it probably would have dropped down. Um, do I want to play Baldur's Gate 3? Of course I do. Have I Do, do I have it yet? Not yet. But as a bright net, but yeah, Tears of the Kingdom, it was a fantastic gaming experience. I am so glad I played it. And it was just fantastic. I absolutely loved it. I had a great time. Um, I'll say just as an outside perspective, this is about Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate 3. Um, from you guys talking about it, what I know and what I appreciate about both of them being this highly considered is that both of them are showing and broadening the idea of what we can do with video games. Yeah. And I think that's mm -hmm. really valuable that both of those landed in this year. Yeah, at Baldur's Gate, it's a kind of all-encompassing. For Zelda, it is like... This game came out on the Switch, which is like almost two generations old at this point. Like it came out like what seven years ago, six years ago. Um, the fact that the game runs runs at all is impressive. But like the sheer technical magic happening that you can build mechs and airplanes and, and hot air balloons, you can build anything and everything just works. You can approach the game in any direction. You can do any temple in any direction. Uh, I do knock the game a little bit because every time you visit a temple, you get the same cutscene for all four temples just with a different character. So like, there are some dings. That's why I lowered it down. But in sheer, in sheer gameplay, it's almost unrivaled. Uh, it is it is miraculous that it works at all. But like, I had so much fun, and there's so much personality and like love. And like, this game also took like five years to make. And like, while it is the same world. Uh, they do enough with it to change it. And the gameplay, it's like literally like, man, you you want to just walk there. You want to ride a horse. You want to build a mech. You want to build a hot air balloon. We don't care how you get there. You can just, you get there. Uh, and I and I love, again, I'm all about creative freedom in games. And like Zelda is definitely like one of the best ones. Yeah, and you can drop from the tippy top of the sky all the way down into the depths seamlessly. No load screens. Yeah. And the secret, the secret of the depths, because like the game's Tears of the Kingdom, and like they showcase, hey, here's here's Hyrule, but there's also a Sky Kingdom. The new thing's Sky Kingdom. They didn't show anything about the underworld. And then like as people were getting in the game, they're like, y'all, there's an entire other world they didn't even show us. And it's huge. And there's it's so much to do. And the gameplay loop of you need to go downstairs to get items so you can get upstairs and vice versa. Like it has like such a good gameplay loop. Like this is another game I played for like a hundred hours. Like it's I love my time with this game. It's incredible. Um, and the fact that like also uh, uh the creator of the game saying like hey this is kind of the new formula for zelda like i think we will get a new world for the next game but i'm thinking it's probably gonna be more like wind waker like more like water based potentially but still having it be open world excites me because like you can still have the, the 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 zelda formula of like doing temples and stuff and dungeons but like again you don't have to stick to a formula just because that's what you're known for you can breathe out and do something different yeah all right brandon number one 
Indiana Jones, the dial of destiny. You liar. <laughs> oh, that hurt. Um, uh, I've been leaning back by the way because my back's been hurting. Um, but yes. um, uh, no, no, it's not Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones deeply disappointed me. Uh, it is Adventure Time, Fiona and Cake. Um, oh. You guys, uh, I cried when Adventure Time ended. I cried when I watched the last episode of Adventure Time Distant Lands. Actually, I cried through all four of those episodes, but that's neither here nor there. Um, and once again, I cried at the end of Adventure Time, Fiona and Cake. Um, Adventure Time, Fiona and Cake is uh, is such a shock because like, I trust the Adventure Time team implicitly. I will watch them do whatever they want to do whenever they want to return to the world. But the fact that they decided to return to this world in such a unique way through characters that have been in Adventure Time but never gotten more than, what, two episodes? Maybe three? And never um, properly been in the world. And never properly been in the world. And then to kind of explain... Mm, I don't want to say this. Incorporate to incorporate the the fan fictionness of Fiona and Cake that was inherent to the Ice King. It was the one of the Ice King's fan fictions. That's why the characters were invented. Um, and to kind of like make that all kind of work. Well, also as the synopsis uh, as the synopsis revealed, do a multiversal story uh, about uh, with Simon at the center of it, with Fiona and Cake at the center of it, pairing them together. Well, also showing us how the the land of Ooh has progressed since the last time we saw it, uh, but importantly, before a specific episode in Distant Lands. Um, and um, I really think that the show delivers um, much more than it promised. Um, it it's truly incredible and imaginative. And us and uh, there's been a lot of talk of like. Um, uh, multiverses and uh, and the in in media right now and you know that that's all fair and good and whatever. Um, but one of the things that Fiona and Cake does so beautifully is that it only once retreads a world we've already seen, and everything else is is original and um, everything else is um, unique and fun and kind of uh, and and enhances the story of Simon's journey and and Fiona and Cake's journey in specific ways um and and they also shape the worlds that they visit um it's truly an incredible show um it might be my favorite no it doesn't have marceline it doesn't have enough marceline and bubblegum for me to say that um but it's it's certainly up there as one of my favorite shows of all time uh certainly uh one of my favorite in installments in the adventure time universe i'm so glad it's getting a second season uh, i cannot wait for that second season um the ending is deeply unexpected um and i and I, I look forward to sparks finally watching it uh, so we can talk about it but that's all i can say yeah uh for me it's only my honorable mentions because i did not uh it's my it's my biggest shame uh of them that <laughs> i did not finish this one um yeah. and that's largely because i'm watching it with my wife uh and so now I, I have to watch it on a, a timetable with her um but uh i've seen the first two episodes and uh just from those two i know it's it's strong. Um, I'm not worried about it. Brandon's more than assured me. And then seeing the quality myself, I'm like, okay, this is this, obviously this is going to be one of the Adventure Time's best. And I look forward to getting through it and seeing the rest of it because I'm certain it's in top 15 material if I had. One of the things that I think is really interesting when we were watching the trailers for Adventure Time with Fiona and Cake, um, the, the world that Fiona and Cake inhabit is very real. 
in the in and and we see them when we first meet them. They live in a weirdly a real world with cell phones, mm-hmm. and all the characters are imagined in uh, ways that you know Marshall Lee is no longer a vampire; he is a uh, just kind of a starving artist. Um, uh, Prince Bubble, no Prince Gumdrop. Sorry, Prince Gumdrop. By the way, it's kind of unfortunate that Neil Patrick Harris and um, Don Langiani, Don, no, Donald Glover's back. Um, right, but Neil Patrick Harris and Camille Nanjiani don't reprise their roles as Prismo and Prince Gumdrop. But not the the Camille Nanjiani one is the most upsetting. Yeah, it is. Um, if anybody doesn't know the story, just real quick, is that um, they constantly reached out to his agency to oh, get yeah. him back for the show, and Camille Nanjiani found out about that from the official writers on the show responding to fans about Prismo being re- recast, and Camille Nanjiani said they literally never told me. So messed up. Um, and I'm pretty sure Camille Nanjiani fired his agents. Good. Uh, uh, I remember seeing that on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> which was a big um, thing because he's like he said Prismo's so important to me I would have come back for free. Yeah. So he um, was up. He got that. It he got that Eternals money. He good. The way that it, the way that it, it incorporates everything. Um, but like reimagines the world if you're on cake and why, the world is the way it is was so, such good writing. Um, I I I, I love it. It's my number one. It's my favorite show of the year. It's my favorite thing I consumed this year. I have literally not stopped thinking about it since I watched it. Yeah, love it. Love it. Look at all that beautiful, great entertainment that came out this year. I love it. Yeah. I'm so happy also that like I convinced you guys to do a top 15 because like it's our show. We can do what we want. And I want to talk about more good shit. So yeah. hell yeah. All right. Well, that's it. I'm so happy that unlike last year, we didn't try and do the news with this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Well, originally this was going to be a special, but then it just because yeah. we were ending it, we just said that this is three because, we knew, because we knew after last year, like we can't do this again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- this just became 350 and that that that's that's it that that's it guys uh this that's the show and i mean that literally that is the fickner podcast there is no 351 this is it um well we'll see um yeah uh, i'll i'll say uh just on that yeah. before you go where you're going um which is that uh i i'm very optimistic person mm-hmm. but i would never ever and i have a I also have a very hard time ever saying that anything is over, um, especially if I'm involved in it creatively. So uh, uh, I, you're going to hear from me that I'm going to be like, I don't know. We'll, we'll see one day. Who knows? We have no idea what's ahead. At the moment, there is no intention to bring the Fickner podcast show back uh, uh, regularly. Um, I certainly have things that I still want to do with the guys. Mm-hmm. It really depends on where we're at at those points in our lives. Yeah. Like I, in my mm-hmm. ideal future, we're back in a year doing top 15 of 2024. Oh, hell yeah. Just a, an episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Here's what I will say. I think we all agree on this is that no 351 of the Fakener podcast happens unless it's all four of us back together or at least with all four of us having like sign off on. Yeah, yeah go ahead and do it or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's where we're at there. There's other shows that will be around Fakener's Watch, Cinephiles, Base Arcade, Pause Menu, things. We're going to try and like pop in where we can on things we're passionate about because the the template isn't going anywhere. Some of us may recede for longer uh, or come back however it's gonna go we don't know life's ahead of us uh we'll see yeah um but the fake nerd podcast show i'd like to believe in some form comes back even if it doesn't come back with regular episodes with us just doing discussions on things that we want to talk about because we're bros and we like having these discussions mm-hmm. and as i said on the holiday annual i like the structure because then i'm able to just like shut out the rest of the world and just like hey guys let's talk about the shit that we really like yeah. um and yeah. that's 
that's for me where I'm passionate about the show and what I care about, what I hope uh, we can come back to. But yes, uh, last episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast, uh, as far as we know. I yeah, I I would love if we like whether we do one or five podcasts a year. Like I would love to do a top fifteen at the end of uh, like in one year from now because I still want to know what you guys are into, what you guys are watching, what I should be watching. Like I like talking about nerdy shit. It's not like I'm going to stop liking nerdy shit when the show ends. You know, yeah, yeah. like I still want to talk about it. Yeah, I. I, like Sparks, I'm also an optimistic person. I am trying to see this as not as a, us, like we're, we're killing fake nerd podcasts, which we're not, obviously. We're, we're still doing all of our other projects and things. I'm, trying, I'm looking at this as a very, 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 very long hiatus. It's a see you later. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I'm, that's, what, that's how I'm looking at it. I mean, it's still, look, life happens. Life has been happening ever since we started doing this show. Mm-hmm. And I completely get that. I 100% understand. And it's fitting that this last episode is over four and a half hours. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, um, I wanted to, I, I wanted to say quite a few things um, that I'll try to get through in quick succession as much as I can. Please chime in uh, if you guys like. Um, we start, we started the show, uh, a spinoff of a now defunct podcast. Uh, there yeah. is, there are podcasts uh, that have come and gone in the time that we've done this, um, <laughs> since the time that we've started to the, to now, um, downright nerdy, for example. Um, coincidentally also, uh, uh, very many podcasts and because children get involved. Um, but yeah, no, I don't real, real life. Yeah. Um, but the thing is like, it became the right decision to end the show because as we get older, it becomes less and less easy. And I'll say that for quite a while, for this entire year, I've not enjoyed doing it. Um, and I've tried very hard to reconcile with that. And um, I'm saying this now um, because it is the last episode. And this will probably be the last time outside of conversation that you hear it from me. Because I will continue conversation. Um, that's the one that I'm going to make sure I, I continue. Uh, I thought long and hard about that. And I was like, and I realized that, you know. I'm very passionate about that one. That's a solo project. I do that on my own. Uh, it can, it, it, it should, it should stay alive uh, as long as I can keep it going. So I will continue to do that. But this was the, the doing this was really tough. It was never easy, as I said in the beginning. We, you know, we, we, we have very little resources, uh, and we put so much of our time and so much of our money into making this show. Uh, an audio feed is not cheap. Um, you know, it is still whether or not it, the, between the four of us, it's, it, it's a, it's less of an expense. If there was one of us, it's still an expense, you know, and for many of the, for many, for much of the year, uh, myself and Ryan were not employed. Yeah. Um, and that became very difficult. Um, and I recognized that, um, and we tried, we did our best. Um, in some ways the pandemic is also kind of responsible, uh, because of the, um for me for me anyway because uh we went to 100 percent uh recording and uh, virtually and i'll be honest i've always hated this uh this is awful uh and i'll tell you exactly why i love that i can talk to you guys at any time hop on here do this thing but then i turn off the computer and you're gone mm-hmm. and i just go downstairs and i what do i do i watch tv or i just sit there for a couple of hours that fucking sucks yeah. that has always sucked that has always been a drain on me 
um I, that's why i've always been trying to push for like let's do more in person let's do more in person let's do more in person because after I, after the after the camera's off after the mic's off i can hang out with you guys still mm -hmm. but this but this has been really rough so I don't know if we ever come back and I don't know if we, if we come back, will it be on video? Will it be on video? If I come back, will I want to do video? I don't know. Um, I, I, we don't know what the future will bring. I'm less optimistic than, 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 than I think my co-hosts are. Um, I think uh, everything kind of has its time. And I think perhaps probably we out of spite overextended our time. Um <laughs> Wonderfully so, honestly, I'll say that. Uh, I know Ben. Ben has been very spiteful, <laughs> continuing on uh, because of uh, because of our origins. Um, and I, uh, but that's not to say that I didn't enjoy doing it. Obviously, uh, we've met a lot of great people. Uh, we've had a lot of great fans. We've had a lot of great. Um, you know, it was never about being big. It was always just kind of like sharing our love. Um, you know, you know, Ryan always said, and I, which I agree with, as long as one person watches, then it's worth it. And we've mm -hmm. we consistently had people in our comments. I don't care if that ticker, if that if that view counter says one, two, three, or zero, that's still something. Yeah, and that that that's important. That 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 I've enjoyed. Um, you know, I I don't know if I want to say much else, but it is bittersweet. I would be sad. I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't sad that it's ending. Um, I don't know how long this hiatus is expected to be, Ben. But, um, you know, it's entirely possible that six months, seven months, eight months, a year, a year and a half. Some version of the show is back or some version of a show is back or <laughs> something else. But importantly, I don't think I don't think you're going to not see us anymore. Ryan has has told us personally, and I don't mind. I hope you don't mind saying this: that you want to pursue other endeavors, more creative endeavors. Um, yeah, and I so you'll see those. Uh, I'm sure Ben has got Dan Dark, and I'm sure you're. And you, I I think I speak for him when I say that you'll continue to see Basement Arcade pause menu. Oh, mm -hmm. I'll 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 stop doing that when I'm dead. Right. Yeah. Uh, again, I've already said you'll see me with Conversation. I'll keep that one going. Obviously, Sparks will take a longer hiatus because of a child coming into his life. But I do believe that someday down the line, we'll see the real score once again. Yeah. The, the, the real score is the one that I, I feel pretty confident in saying you're still going to see me around on yeah. uh, every once in a while. Please check out that feed and stay subscribed. Fortunately, we have some episodes banked uh, yeah. because of the strikes Bank. and everything. So we're, we're kind of going to rely on that for a while to fill out the time till it's easier for me to record. But uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So like, again, it's not, as Ryan already said, it's not a goodbye. It's a see you later. Mm -hmm. um, we've also got basement arcade stuff that's been banged for a little while. You'll you'll see those peppered peppered in. I'm sure probably uh, Ryan will probably be. In, I think you've already said you're interested in doing more basement arcade stuff. So I'm sure you'll see some more stuff there. Ben and I have a series that's going to happen this year. So like like y'all, I'm more invested in video games than I've ever been in. Just like like y'all aren't, and that's okay. Like that's not a problem. Like we all have different investments, but like I need to do more video game stuff. So like I'm not uh, now I'm I have less scheduling to do with this podcast. I can divert that to to you know right. video game stuff, which which I'm I'm excited for in the future. Yeah. There's a lot of possibilities where the future can go. I don't know how long the audio feed will be up because that is an expense that I don't know. Uh, with people with people leaving, you know, it's not quite fair for all of us to kind of keep putting money into that pot. So we'll see where that yeah. goes. Um. 
uh, the the website kind of the same thing. Uh, we'll see where that goes. There could be a breaking up of the assets of the Fickner podcast. I could see in the future, uh, Base Marquee Pause Menu is now its own thing. Conversation is now its own thing. You know, the Fickner podcast family kind of doesn't go away, but kind of becomes more autonomous with the other shows. That's a possibility. YouTube, but, hey, becomes... that's what I love about YouTube. YouTube's free. Yeah, yep. YouTube's free. And, and also it might be, become Fickner Productions instead. I mean, I don't know if I even want to if I even want to do that, um, because that would still I would still kind of feel responsible to uh, at least have some say have not say um, involvement in that. And I don't know how much involvement I want to have in anything going forward. Um, this is a really hard decision and it's affecting me in a, in, a, in a very emotional way. And I'm not sure outside of conversation if there is anything I, I want to do, if there's even anything I want to say anymore, right? Like, you know, this is all this all came about because I had so much I wanted to say about nerd topics. And I'm not sure if I have anything anymore. I'm not sure if yeah. I feel like if I feel like I want to express my opinions in the public forum anymore. Yeah, no, I, I definitely to a lesser extent, I also feel that like, I, again, I love, I love talking to you guys about nerdy shit. But like, I, I love when, like, you know, before a podcast, we just got to talk about and talk about nerdy shit and, like, not have to schedule it every week. I miss and, like, that. Like, like a second job. And, like, sometimes if, it, like, you know, we've been doing this for seven years, y'all, this is basically a second job uh, that we only pay money to, not get paid for. So, like, you know, it is just one of the realities of the thing. And, again, like, we've done this for a long time, y'all. Like, this is the longest commitment I've ever done in my life for anything. Uh, uh, and I'm, like, I'm so proud of everything that we've done. And like, as someone who is going to continue to do creative stuff without this podcast, I wouldn't feel as confident uh, being like someone who talks into a camera. Cause like, like I, 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 I lament that like the video stuff for you, Brandon didn't work as well. For me, I'm someone who wants to be on camera. So doing this has made it extremely easy and made me become, I think a better, a better podcaster for doing this for as long as we have. So like, I'll always, I'll always treasure that, like, you know, personal growth in any way you can find it. I think it's less about the being on camera thing and more about the not being in person when we're on camera. Thing. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I'm talking about for me, like I'm, I, I, it, it, I wish we could have did more stuff in person, but like I am the video stuff for me has helped me personally. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Um, we'll see what happens. Like I said, this is the end of Fickner podcast. As you know, um, it's kind of a long goodbye, but um, you know, oh, I think we're warranted that after seven years. Um, and, uh, uh, but stay subscribed as long as the audio feed is there please stay subscribed uh say but more than anything stay subscribed to the socials the socials aren't going anywhere they don't cost us anything to, to run to keep up um should should there be any announcements uh for the future of where things go that will be where they go um uh, but also as i said there's still things that is going to come out uh i know we're saying goodbye a lot on this podcast but there are still things that will be coming out in the aftermath of this yeah. Well, and like, please stay subscribed to the Fickner podcast channel on YouTube. Like, yes, you know, yeah, please do it yeah. because, like, that's where, as Ryan said, YouTube's free. Like, none of our videos are going anywhere. Yeah. Like, we're keeping all of this here. So please, like, you know, check it out. Uh, Black Adam will still be getting views for no reason at all. Um. So yeah. Um. This isn't goodbye. This is see you later. And again, it's sunsetting. So there are still things that are going to be coming out. So stay subscribed, stay interested, stay looking, uh, you know, subscribe, like, uh, put out the bell icon, whatever, you know.
I just want to clarify because uh, I don't want to cut Brandon's point about like, you know, he's not sure what he's doing going forward. There are still things that are coming out that Brandon's already recorded. Um, yes. So like you are still going to see him appear in certain things. I know we've got a pause menu for Jedi Survivor that's still coming out that Brandon did. There's that. Knockout City basement arcades that are coming out that Brandon did. There's a Fireteam Elite uh, series that we're still finishing up. So Brandon's still going to be part of those things. Yes. So like you're still going to see appearances from things that we're still rolling out. And um it, it might come out slower because I'm already behind, but like I intend to put up all of the good parts of our fake nerd book club on the fake nerd book club archives uh, in the feed. So like those will still be coming out over time. Yeah. Um, so, but any, any further decisions, stay subscribed, stay looking, stay, stay looking at the socials and we'll, we'll obviously we'll update you guys. If you're a guy, if you guys are still interested and we hope you are, and we hope you'll stick around and watch the, the stuff that is going to be coming out in the aftermath of this. But um, that said, Sincere and heartfelt thank you for being on this journey. I don't know how many people were there in the beginning. Uh, maybe none, maybe two. I don't know. But um, I, I, it's been a wild journey. Um, as I said, it was never easy, but it was always fun and uh, uh, certainly more fun in the beginning. But, you know, it was it was just kind of always so reliable, something that I, I knew. I, you know, I every job I've ever had, I've said I can't work Sundays. Mm-hmm. Every yeah. single one. Yeah. And, 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 and I've always had that and now I can work Sundays and that's, it's a weird thing to be really emotional about, but it yeah, is, yeah. it's true. Like, I'm kind of like, oh, I guess I can open my Sunday availability now. Uh, yeah. yeah Just make that money. Wild. Um, so anyway, that said, um, thank you to everyone who's been watching the show for this long, for however long you have. Thank you. If you just jumped on, yesterday and i know who you are uh thank you um i we really appreciate it um what listen to the last couple episodes of conversation stay tuned for season two uh listen to watch watch and listen to fake Ner- for fake nerds watching doctor who uh fake nerds watch uh coming for monarch uh for monarch as well um again some base arcade stuff some base arcade pause menu stuff will base arcade pause menu will continue uh fake nerd book club is going to wrap up um scott pilgrim and then you'll start to see some of the archive stuff as as uh, sparks always said animation station is going to do scott pilgrim takes off these are things that we know are in the future at some point these things are going to happen um so stay tuned for these things um and obviously the real score um sparks and i are pretty passionate about wanting to continue that one um so so of course stay tuned outside of that you know who knows we'll see um uh grayson says thanks so much for the hang time guys helped a lot especially during the pandemic see you space cowboys that's cute um i also really liked um i think it was uh uh the movie pit podcast said something like um someone said it on twitter i don't have the tweet up with me or twitter or instagram one of the things was really sweet it's like they always we always felt felt like uh, uh uh our audience was in the room with us talking and that's always what i wanted yeah you know, that, I, was the goal. that was always the goal was to be like you know recreating that kind of comic book fireside chat like the like we're we're at a comic book store we're just chatting with people and that's what i wanted this podcast to be and because Brandon brought that up, I think what I'll say is that like a lot of a lot of where we're all personally at with the decision is like, yes, it's the real life stuff and everything. But like specifically on this main show, all of us to some degree were just it stopped feeling as much like that in the way that it used to for us mm-hmm. yeah. back in the day. And I'm glad that the audience still felt like they were with us a, a lot of the time. But we were starting to lose the sense that we were just 
hanging out with each other and having our conversations the way we used to. And, and we, you know, we did changes this year trying to get back to that. And I'll be honest, like I think the last few episodes of this show, we were getting pretty close. Yeah. Um, but it it doesn't change that. Like it's it's the life stuff that's just like it makes it untenable right now. Um, and I think we want to take the break away from it for that life stuff and also so that we can find that for ourselves as friends because we are friends uh with each other again of being able to just enjoy talking with each other about yeah. this stuff uh and we kind of want to just get back to that for our personal lives outside of the shows yeah. we want to find that in each other again. i love you guys so much i'm literally about to pee my pants it's insane <laughs> so like i'm sorry i have to run out no. I can't. i've been waiting for like an hour i'll be back in one minute i'm so sorry it's fine <laughs> Um, it, this is the kind of content you're going to miss on the Fake Podcast. Um, the thing, the thing is like, and we're all being very diplomatic and who knows if this would have happened anyway. Um, but you know, I, there is a, there is a certain amount of responsibility that I should, that I have and that I feel, but, uh, that's a more personal thing, uh, that no needs to go into in this podcast, but we'll see. We'll see. I think, but I think that's true. Just all of us, all of us want the break to kind of get back to being friends discussing things yeah. for us for us not on camera not on mic we want to be hanging out again we want to go back to what we feel like we value in each other as friends being able to talk nerd shit yeah. and this is an important change that we need for us to have that in our own lives outside of the show yeah all right now time for the thank yous um, if there's nothing else, why don't we call it there? We'll call it. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening this whole time. Thank you so much for watching and watching the rewind and visiting us and commenting on whenever you did and blah, 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 blah. All that support is really important to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, thank you so very much. Uh, well, real quickly, the tea public will stay up for, for a couple, for a while. It costs us nothing to keep the tea public up. Um, so if anybody wants that stuff, I'm only keeping it up because I want to buy some of the merch before, it, before I close it. So if anyone wants to, wants any of that shit, you know, go right ahead. Um, I, I uh, also do. So like, just don't, don't do it on a win. Yeah. I'll let you know if I, when I do it. Um, but I'll, I'll make an announcement. Hey, you know, blah, blah, blah. it's going to be a few months. Like, let's be honest. I'll forget. Um, but uh, it'll be up for the time being. Um, Cost us like nothing our, to leave it there, so like, who cares? Uh, like our website, like our feed, they will be up for the time being, and should they ever leave, uh, that will be announced. Um, but uh, thank you, thank you so much uh, for all the support. Thank you for audio streaming, whatever. Thank you to Jeremy Bellucci. Jeremy Bellucci has been a wonderful collaborator of ours from the beginning, uh, even longer than that, because uh, Sparks and I know him from high school. Um, he, you know, he's got a band. You can check out his band. He's got a podcast. I'm sure that will continue in some form sometime, sometime soon. Suburban Proctologist. But he's did all of, all of our music, all of our music since day one. Every single theme you've ever heard on this show, on this channel, has been composed by him. Uh, he's a madman. Um, please follow him at Jeremy Bellucci underscore Wreck of Time, which is his band, The Wreck of Time. And uh, you'll still see him uh, on The Real Score. Yes, absolutely. He's the co-host of The Real Score. Uh, thank you to the Emmy winner, Mike Matola. Woo woo! Um, Mike Matola, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say thank you to a lot of people, but like, uh, in a minute, but like, Mike was one of those early people 
that's just kind of stuck with us and i've always wanted to maintain that relationship and you know every single time he's he, he gives us a logo it's incredible uh and i've always just deeply appreciated it and uh i hope he, he i hope he knows that and i hope he i hope uh, he feels the same way the uh, trivia I, challenges that we did over the years yeah. are some of the most fun i've had on this podcast and i hope i hope we can yeah. go back and do those again because that's yeah. like that's like a maybe one day yeah absolutely yeah. I would love to do. I, I I I tried to schedule another one last year, but with the strikes and everything, it just became impossible. Yeah, um, yeah. But uh, you can find him on Twitter. No, no, you can't. Threads, TikTok, Instagram, at Mike Patrola. Yep. Um, and here, real quick, real quickly, this is not a comprehensive list, but thank you to the people who have been on the show: Andrea Romano, Mark Guggenheim, uh, a lot. Mark Guggenheim, a lot. Um, <laughs> Ken Napsock um wonderful uh, friend of my friend of ours chris swindle uh always wanted to get him back but just never could find the time maybe um, we will one day there's always opportunities uh just a little podcast and downright nerdy cookie and michael carl's um real quick people's. just because just you brought up chris swindle then you you should check in on his video game register and get him on pause menu to talk about his video game voice acting oh yeah sure. absolutely yeah. Um, Swindle's yeah. been wanting to come back and do something with us, so you should you should. He's showing up at so many games; it's awesome. Yeah, um, it's downright nerdy and just a little podcast. Uh, miss you guys in the podcast space. Love you guys. Uh, thank you for collaborating with us and being supportive. Uh, yeah, I they Ordinary. yeah I'm still in that text thread like uh, of the show that I used to be part of, which was downright uh, it was downright annoyed, which is like the combo show, and like they all gave like really heartfelt, beautiful like uh, messages to me. But like, hey man, you you lasted longer than all of us. Good job, you did great. Like, congratulations, what a run! I'm like, thanks guys, I appreciate it. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. Michael M- Michael Marici, um. Ryan Parrott. Uh. uh the two books. Steve Alton. Uh. I know that wasn't the greatest interview, but hey, thanks for doing it. Um, hey, we got a solid yeah. 14 minutes for that guy. No, it was. That's yeah. true. Um. And I don't have a comprehensive list of all the people we've had on the show, but dearly dearly thank you for everyone who's been on the show and took a chance on us and, and just with our go ahead uh, if i may just say a quick tiny thank you also to uh Pygeron, matt ferranti xander hockey mm. uh, marty and sam sullivan uh friends of ours in our personal lives who have come on the show for select episodes that, yeah. that, that i'm always appreciative of um and also uh, to all of our partners <laughs> uh, yeah. Brandon, uh ben's and myself uh megan uh zara Fanny, uh, it's it's tough to to be married or engaged or dating a uh, podcaster like us, <laughs> especially yeah. one that makes no money. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Thank you for doing that, Sparks. I I I didn't even think about doing that, but yeah. All right, all right. And eventually, we have to end this. So uh, follow us for the time being on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Those will stay up. Um, I'm, honestly, I might switch to Threads. I, I think I might make the Threads account because I cannot stand Elon Musk. Um, but Fickner Podcast on all the socials where you, can, where you can find us are FicknerGuysAgmail.com. If you want to send us a letter, I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to read a letter, uh, even even <laughs> the show being over. Who cares? Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, you can find me on BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter, uh, and sometimes writing for AtomicGeekdom.com and being the host of conversation uh which both of which i hope to continue in the future uh ben where can people find you well you can find me still 
rolling my eyes and groaning at every single Stephen King joke that's aimed at me at benmagnetoy 7 on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Threads. You can also find me Ryan for Fusion Gaming Magazine, go Nintendo.com, Old School Gamer Magazine, and play Mary Frankenstein in D and Dark. I'll miss the Stephen King joke most of all. I won't. <laughs> uh, Sparks. Uh, you can find me knowing that everything ends and it's always sad, but everything begins again and that's always happy. At Sparks Witty on Instagram and Twitter, S P A R K Z Witty. And Ryan. You can find me loving my friends and love, loving this journey that we went on at DJ Tony Snark all over the internet. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, like this video, subscribe to this channel, uh, like, uh, rate and review on your podcaster of choice. Uh, Big Bentley. No, no. Stop it. it was great. Damn it. Grayson did it. Damn. Thank you, great man. May it live in infamy. Oh, <laughs> God damn it, Grayson! Great way to end it. Um, rate and review on your podcast on your podcatcher of choice. We greatly appreciate it. Um, even now. Until right, next time, you see us whenever. What event game? Remember that one? I do remember event game. I don't remember that one quite as fondly as any of the others, though. Yeah. Um, for the last time, uh, for, for now. Uh, until next time you see us, whenever that is in the future, stay fake. <laughs> <laughs>